We're live! 2.30 Central Earnings, y'all. Yashu with me. The crowd's going to get a lot bigger. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. Big day today. January 25th, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 yes, Pacific. What other times? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no. 12.30 Pacific. Pacific. There you go. Thank there you. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, you can't forget. Yash, how you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, how are you doing? It's a big day, huh? Good, man. Big day, big day. A lot of people are looking forward to this report. Uh, we're going to have a lot of people on with us. Uh, we have Yashu right now. We're going to have Nico from Hit That, or not Hit That Bit. You're from Hit That Bit, Yash. From Investing Against the Grain, joining us here any minute. We'll have Alexandra sure. Mertz as well joining us. We're going to mm -hmm. have Matt Smith joining us a little bit later. We're going to have Ross Gerber joining us around uh, probably half an hour after uh, uh, market closes because, you know, he's doing his calls and all that stuff because he's out there fighting the FUD, as he, as he said. Uh, Ross Gerber is. Uh, we may also have uh, Gary Black on at some point. I know he has got a very busy schedule, but he might join us later, as well as Emmett Peppers. He might join us. And then one or two Wait. special guests that I'm keeping secret. Shh, Elon, star-studded event. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you, you know, I was yeah. talking, I was saying, and by the way, I see everyone in the chat here on both chats. I have, I actually have all the chats pulled up here. So I see everyone, sure. all the mods, all the members. Shout out to you guys. Uh, let us know where you guys are tuning in from, city, state, country, whatever you guys feel comfortable sharing, throw it in and watching everything. Um, but I was just saying in our Discord this morning, I was saying this, I'm not sure, and you, you can debate me on this if, if you think I'm wrong here, but it feels like this earnings call is is probably the least hyped call, I would say, uh, in the last little bit here. Really? And I get it. Dan Ives came out and said, like, this is the most monumental moment in Tesla's history ever, which I found a little bit hyperbolic. But it's uh, I, I don't know, at, at least it is. At least I feel like it's more so like everyone's looking forward to quarter one print when they can see the actual margins from all these discounts and how's demand. It seems like quarter four, everyone just kind of got behind them already. Maybe you guys disagree. I don't know. I think I do feel like it's it, there's a lot of hype behind this one, man. I feel like the so what's ha this is the first earnings report since Elon bought Twitter and since he went on that little uh, uh, tweet skipade of getting everybody pissed at him. And I think we're at the point now where um, this is the first time we're going to hear from him in like a formal setting and uh, like a Tesla setting. And everybody's going to get to ask him all the questions about, uh, you know, all the stuff that went wrong <laughs> or, you know, perceived as had, have has gone wrong in the last uh, uh, few weeks. So I think, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I feel like that because we did because uh, Elon did that Twitter space uh, not too long ago with him talking about everything. How's it going to go? Um, uh, maybe I feel like that because Elon did that Twitter space where he talked about, you know, demand shrinking and, oh, oh, uh, uh -oh center. Center. Okay, we're good. We're good <laughs> with, with, with demand shrinking and everyone not worrying and all this stuff. It just feels like maybe, um, we, well, at least I feel like I kind of already heard what I needed to hear for quarter four. Now it's about a big question about quarter one and kind of where margins sit here now. Okay. Nico, how, how are you feeling for this thing? By the way, we're multicasting this on multiple channels. We are on, on this channel. We are on that channel. Anyway, it, all three of us are multicasting to our channels. And then there's a, another one uh, as well with, uh, with Ross's channel as well. So if you're uh, tuning in from uh, Gerber Kawasaki, welcome in, everybody. We're uh, multicasting this over multiple channels. And we'll see if YouTube takes us down. They didn't do that last time because, you know, oh, you guys are multiplying streams. We'll see. You know, uh, anyway. Uh, apparently not. Apparently not. I don't know, oh, but who up. knows? But yeah, okay. just change the thumbnail up. We're good. Um, Fair enough. Nico, what are you? Uh, what are you looking forward for this uh, earnings? Do you think it's hyped? Do you think 
we're going to be disappointed. Do you think it's going to be that special? What, what's going to happen here, bro? You have we have the crystal ball, so you have to tell us what's going to happen here. here. Yeah, so <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like it's hyped. <laughs> I feel like it's not hyped. I feel I don't know. I part of me wants it to like soar to the moon. Part of me wants it to to tank. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want a little bit of everything. And just for context, I have a. Uh, I just had some cash on the side that I've been just saving for a rainy day to either buy more Tesla or to potentially buy a house if this one area would just go down a little more. And yeah. now I'm like, whatever, I'll just put it all on the Tesla if, uh, if we if we tank. So I'm just mixed bag of emotions. Um, but I definitely think uh, I, I think it's a tense one, especially after Microsoft earnings yesterday. I mean, I feel like Microsoft is uh, kind of a bellwether for the the hey. economy and what's happening with companies. Hey, Alexandra. Hey, how are you? Good. Hi, Yeshu. Hi, Farzad. Hello. Hi, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> there she we're, is. We were just talking about... Uh, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the mama in the house. We were just talking about uh, how we're feeling about this earnings report. The Yashu said it's not a big deal. He's not hyped for it at all. No one cares. Nico's like, <laughs> there's some crazy stuff might happen. He wants to go down to zero because he wants to buy more stock. <laughs> Didn't he want to buy a house? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so conflict. It it's a crazy, crazy real estate's still crazy expensive, I think. But yeah, oh, true, I, right? And and so yeah. stuck. The market is so yeah, stuck. It's stuck. Nothing's happening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. where I want to buy, it's like I want to buy to tear down to build. And mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not gonna pay this much just to tear it down. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like, come on, all these interest rates are up, go lower. <laughs> I know, and and it's you know why it is stuck, obviously, right? Because the current sellers have mortgages at three percent. They are in no hurry to sell because they have to do something afterwards with their money and find you know another place. So they don't want to go lower. The buyers with the seven or six or seven percent mortgage rate don't want to buy. Uh, so everybody is just sitting there scleros, and yeah. that's I mean, and and they can do with interest rates what they want until they really <laughs> lower them. That's not gonna unfreeze. It's just I hate it. I just absolutely well, and, hate it. And yeah, and the market is saying that rates are going to drop. So mm -hmm. why would you rush to buy now? Exactly. You just wait. I mean, that, so, nobody's yeah, so going to. And I feel for those mortgage brokers. I mean, my gosh, they must have gone from the year of their century, right? Yeah. To nothing. <laughs> like if you did buy, Collapse. if you did buy that plan on the credit, you're going to feel it. <laughs> oh man, but, so, I have. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. I was uh, in Canada. I'm not sure if you guys know this. So we can't, we don't really lock in rates for 30 years. It's not really a thing up here because there's some legislation that doesn't allow us to prepay, not pay a penalty like, like you guys can down there. So I have a mortgage renewal coming up this month, actually, in the, in the next 30 days here. I I originally got that place in 2017 rates where I thought I got screwed at 3.44 and we were sitting at Ooh. sub sub two, right? <laughs> we were sitting at sub two for so long. I was like, yeah. I, I, I screwed up. And now the rates are like close to 6%. I have to, I have mm. to refi on this. So uh, we have a five-year term. Typically, um, you can mm. go variable as well. So it sucks. Like I have the worst possible timing ever for this place. Uh, yeah. to, to, but it is what it is. Like I think I'm going to go variable. The Bank of Canada, I want to interrupt and just say that uh, the Bank of Canada pretty much said that they're done raising rates now. Sorry. At this Somebody's point. got a lot of feedback in their background. Somebody's like, oh, it's, it's me. I got a delivery oh. FedEx. So okay. let me cut the mic. Let me cut the mic. Actually, I was gonna. If you're talking, I can. It's actually no feedback. What? So what are you expecting 
what are you expecting out of this earnings report? Uh, like, what, oh, what are you looking for? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't hear what Nick and, and Yashu said, but I really hope it's absolutely boring, right? Because we've got so much coming. We've got the 1st of March, and I want them to concentrate on products and, and you know, the vision then. We've got another one already coming in three months. And then a month later, we have the, the shareholder meeting. So I, I just hope, I mean, you all know, I wish Elon wouldn't be there. I'm sure he's going to be there. I hope he doesn't talk about Twitter. I just hope they're doing some of the easier questions. Uh, Herbert just walked me through the top say questions now. And I mean, they're all rather boring, I find. I don't even understand why they got so many votes, but that's just me personally. And, uh, and, and, so if it's that, Zach could have done it all by himself. There is and, and anything on products, they should just deflect on 1st of March and not get into. Is my one of the reasons why I came on early is my mic now synced because with Herbert earlier it wasn't good. This is okay, probably perfect. one of your best setups you've had. Oh, yeah. Gosh, thank you. Yeah. Thank look you. at you talking yeah, about my hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the look, just everything, the sound, the internet. Incredible, there we go. incredible work. The vibe. Yeah. So, but but you said you said you want it to be boring, but do you think it will be boring? Like, do you actually think, you know, oh. given all this stuff, because here's my theory, right? I was telling these guys before you came on, right. this is the first time we're going to be able to like uh, directly uh, interact in some way with Elon for an extended period of time uh, in a formal like Tesla setting outside of the spaces after he bought Twitter, after you know he said all those things on twitter after all the craziness that has happened with the stock after all the noise around china and pricing and gross margins i feel like this is the first time we're actually gonna potentially feel, hear go ahead you know you, you do know there's obviously a couple of weeks prior to the earnings where they have to be quiet didn't you feel sure. that was like sort of oof like relaxing we've yeah. had enough before that so i just feel like there's really no need to fire it up again and um and and my hope but then again i mean i'm no i'm older and just I'm, i like it a little bit more settled the the problem it's not a problem but the, the issue is that you can actually talk a recession to happen there is a self-fulfilling prophecy and especially with people that have such a voice like Elon, right? I, I still don't see, you know, a huge recession happening. I know we see tech people being laid off. I know the car sector is going to have problems, but that's not because there's a recession. I mean, we all know that they have intersect problems they have to, and it, it would obviously be horrible to do it in a recession year, but they have problems coming anyway. But I just hope he doesn't, talk too much about the recession because it just brings the whole mood down. So it, it lots of it depends on his personal mood today, right? How talkative he's going to be, how fired up he is about new products, how much uh, all these law cases and everything, the lawyers tell him to shut up a maximum. So <laughs> This can go anywhere. This can go absolutely anywhere from over euphoric, which he was in October, which I thought was too much. And you probably all remember that I said, then please don't come. And he came and that there we were to, to something like, oh, my God, doom and gloom. This is a recession. This is horrible. We have to cut prices. Anything's possible. And that's why, actually, you know, I, I wish it would just be numbers, boring, and that's it. Get this over with have the stock price stabilize at these levels and then go full blast into products and innovation in six weeks or five weeks it is now. Okay. But, do, but don't you think during the Twitter space we got a couple of weeks ago that this 
we got kind of got like an earnings call light, didn't we? From Elon, yeah. like if it already, it already feels like to me. That's what this is why I was saying it was kind of uh, not so hyped up for me because I kind of get the general sentiment. Like Elon's going to say today. I mean, I could probably put it on a bingo card. He's going to say we might this this year might be the worst recession we've had since 08. It or or, or since the dot com bubble. It's going to be ugly. Housing's going to suck. We need yeah. to have a war chest. We're not going to do buybacks until we're comfortable with the recession talks six months later, probably. Like it feels like all, it feels like we're probably just going to hear the same things that we heard in the Twitter space. Um, I'm not sure if you agree with that, though. Well, let me let me put the buyback in perspective. The buyback actually came on the plate for last year's uh, for, for October uh, for the last earnings call. Right. And he then said, well, I'm all for it, but the board has to decide and they have to meet and they have to decide. Right. So I don't think they will announce it today because they they no. announced in the meantime that on the 1st of March, they will also address capital allocation. So I think buyback is not even we don't do it or we don't do it for this reason. It will just be deflecting it to March 1st. Product will be just deflecting to March 1st. So the, the big question really is, are you still guiding 50%? Is that uh, overall guidance or is that a precise guidance for 2023? And please, yeah. please let it not be a precise guidance. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> that's just it. And then the, the second is, um, do, you, do you see an immediate impact on these um, price cuts, you know, what, what is currently happening, which addresses a very specific moment in time, which addresses now. And I just feel that's a bit sorry, a bit ashamed because it will it will overlap all the rest, right? If he says anything about, oh, this was necessary because this is a recession or whatever, th those journalists are just going to run with it. This is going to be much too negative for what's, what's true. So... What are the chances you think on this call that we get some sort of softening guidance from Elon that says, hey, we've lowered the price. We see incredible amounts of demand. We're confident that our gross margins are actually not going to be as bad as uh, a lot of people think because of our economies of scale and the fact that Berlin and Austin are going to be more ramped and we're seeing deflation in the pipeline. You know, we're, we're, the suppliers are giving us are going to give us more favorable deals because the rest of the auto industry is going down, which gives us, you know, pricing, you know, leverage Power. because we'll be able mm -hmm. to scoop up. Right. So like what what are the chances that we actually get a reversal in tone, which could set off a rally? And I don't want to put like optimism again, not financial advice. I'm just sort of throwing a question out there. What's the likelihood of that? Do you all think? That's my best case scenario if he's there. Yeah. yeah. You really don't want him to I mean, be there, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I want him all the time. I love listening to him, but I just think this is not the occasion. I just saw a very cute, uh, very cute comment from Henning saying, Mr. Tweet and Mr. Beast, right? Isn't that cute? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that's actually true that Mr. Beast is the new CEO of Twitter? I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, have all these people saying, oh, my God, he's 24. He's just a YouTuber. My gosh, I mean, this guy has seen more than exactly than many people have ever seen. And he's so clever about it. And if, if there's one guy who understands media, that is it. Right. So will he be the one mm -hmm. that will that Gary will like because he can now speak to advertisers? Probably not. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't know that. <laughs> I know he's coming. He's going to pull my ear. I'm going to say, Alexander, what did you say? <laughs> so, oh, my God, so he just joined. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but um, but I mean you can address the advertisers with a high level 
you know, person in your in your company just addressing advertising. You don't need a CV, yeah. CEO that be that person, but he can be the one bringing that YouTube income, and that is huge, right? If he really pulls that YouTube income and understands how YouTubers want to be monetized and how this can all happen on 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 Twitter rather than on YouTube, I think that would be just a genius move. And uh, and you know, with Elon in the walls, be it at Neuralink, be it at SpaceX, but even more being a Tesla and a Twitter. Any CEO will not be a full-pledged CEO because who is pulling the strings behind it? It's, of course, Elon, right? No matter what title you give people. I think these titles in Elon's word world mean just so much less than uh, than anywhere else. And I just want to get quickly my, my punt out so that I have it, is I'm currently writing an article on the board of directors just because I was going mad these last two or three months about are they really missing an action do we have a board that's as good as this company deserves and whatever so i did a deep dive on every single one of those eight and wrote a lengthy lengthy article i'm already sorry for all of your time having to spend to read this but short answer is we have some absolutely brilliant people out there that Evidently, because I found some old stuff in the good old days could talk, could even talk about Tesla. But then came the moment, I think 2016, 17, where the rules changed and Elon decided none of you are communicating on Tesla outside of here, except if there's special permission. And that that's the moment where you never heard the era Aaron Price anymore. That's the moment when lots of them just didn't become vocal anymore about Tesla, which I think was the right strategy. That brings me back to communication and Elon. It's just Tesla is Elon-centric. Twitter will be Elon-centric. There you go. It's not published yet, but it's going to come out in the next two, two or three days. You'll hear first about it. Thank you for plugging my, my Substack. Um, and so the the um, where I want to get there is Mr. Beast in Twitter, there will still be Elon at Twitter, right? He won't deflect everything, but he will bring a certain crowd in the millions to Twitter that will stay on Twitter because the content will be on Twitter. And I think that'll be a great thing. Sorry, long answer for a short question. No, it's, it's great insight. Nico, you were, you were going to say something before. Oh, nothing to do with Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> I'll, I will say I, I kind of don't like Mr. Beast to be CEO. I think he'd be good like a CPO, but um, yeah, someone just come up with ideas. I, I'm, I'm biased. I, I like the idea of an engineer being CEO. Um, or even Elon staying CEO, but he there, doesn't run there the they go day. again. Oh my gosh! Am I with, <laughs> no, no, Yashi, you are not an engineer. We're no. staying here on the normal people I'm not side. Not smart enough to be an engineer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Me neither. I'm the idiot of the place. That's how I always say. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, but what I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask everybody: Do you guys have any uh, interesting <laughs> option plays for this? Uh, and I did. I, I normally wouldn't do this, but like I said, I have like cash on the side. I'm gonna feel stupid if I don't. Take advantage of this. I was like, you know what? I'll just buy a couple options, uh, 160 calls. Like, if it hits, it hits. If it when doesn't, whatever. Weekly? February 10th or something like that, I think. Okay. Ooh. Which strike? Sorry, which strike? 160. Okay. I got it. 160. I okay. So, those are going for about four bucks, 450 bucks a contract. Oh. I just shared. I just shared, uh, uh, Cindy, I just shared a link in the private chat if you want to pull that up. I was looking at the options order flow today for, for Tesla heading into earnings. And this chart, it, I know it looks kind of like a mess, but the net net is is there's option, there's bullish option flow heading into earnings. The green line indicates call buying since it's going up. 
puts are pretty much flattish. That's the red line and the stock price is white. So heading into earnings, what's interesting here is we're seeing continual call buying throughout the day happening, um, which to my recollection is not really the norm for Tesla heading into earnings. It's usually kind of a nothing burger, if not a lot of hedging going on uh, heading into earnings. Now, again, this, this isn't like a surefire metric, but it's good to see what big money is doing. And it looks like they're betting um, with uh, by buying calls uh, heading into earnings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what I did uh, again, because I was, I'm just so jaded because I have all this cash and I'm like, I, I don't want to put the work yet. So what I did was I sold puts at $100 at $80 you know, on down. And essentially, I, I got rid of all those sold puts. I, I closed those uh, contracts out or I bought them back. And so I got I had about 5000 something I made off of that. And I just took that and I threw it all in the call options. So I was like, I'm kind of protecting myself either way. And this wow. is like the one time I've ever done anything that is working out with options. Normally, I just lose my money. So What's going to happen is if it hits, you're going to feel like a freaking gambler, bro. <laughs> yeah. well, it's going to be thing amazing. Is, if it hits, great. Like, great. Yeah. You know, I don't feel bad about not having deployed my cash, right? Because yeah. it's almost equivalent. But if it tanks, whatever, that was fake money that wasn't really mine. And now I can buy because we're going down. So sounds like you're justifying this too hard, man. I, I am. I am. <laughs> we, uh, we actually uh, ran a poll here. Let me read the results uh, a little bit after we started the thing. By the way, uh, stick with us in about 10 minutes. The uh, market's going to close and then the earnings result will be released here probably five minutes after market closes. And we're going to do a full coverage of the earnings report slide by slide. And then we'll go all the way through until the earnings call. We're going to listen to the call together. And then if people are still willing, we're, we're going to do a post-call reaction with as many people as we possibly can. And I'll be taking notes through the call as well. So we'll have that available for everybody uh, as, as a service to those that uh, perhaps they, they want to read along as well. So um, we ran a poll. Do you think Tesla will beat Wall Street's target of $1.10 EPS? This is adjusted, by the way. They're going to be pulling out stock-based comp, and they're also going to pull out any one-time impact from FSD uh, uh, revenue recognition. 75% of respondents say yes. 24% uh, say no. As usual, our comment section is filled with Tesla bulls. Shout out Tesla bulls. Uh, poll complete, <laughs> 614 votes. So pretty good sample size. Um, do y'all have a uh, prediction on what the EPS will come in at? Do you think we'll be over or under uh, 110? Uh, Yashu, Nico, and then... Actually, we'll do Alexandra, then Nico, then Yashu. We'll do ladies first. What okay, and before I give my number, I just want to tell you, I'm going to log off because I'm just very slow in looking at numbers and I want to be just by myself at that moment, but I'll be sure. back as soon as I've done my little calculations because Perfect. you know that's my, my financial analyst going in there and I... I just yeah. need that little moment. Us three buffoons will try to figure it out. Don't exactly. You'll the come buffoons. in. <laughs> <laughs> now come back. No, but just want to excuse myself that I'm a slow lady. Of course. Um, the I think it's going to come actually considerably above a 110. I'm closer to 120, and uh, I I don't think anybody expects that. But also, don't forget the market. Wall Street was at 130 just three weeks ago, right? So don't don't think that uh, they are completely off it. They lowered them significantly. And I, I do believe, you know, in these moments where you have a price cut in that period where Q4 ends and the earnings call happens, that price cut impacted them. So when they reduced all those earnings, they actually reduced Q4, but that was already over, right? So I actually think they're, they're projecting 
they're projecting backwards, which is stupid, but there you go. So mine is uh, close or even a little bit higher than 120. That depends how much they're going to take out as uh, single issues. Okay. Nico? Um, well, I'm going to say that it's probably going to be like right at 110, 19, 111, something like that. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I was watching on Emmett and Matt's uh, stream yesterday, maybe, that they said that FSD wasn't backed out last time. Am, am I making that up? I don't know. Do I, I don't know that? how this stuff works that well. As far as um, the recognition that they've done before, that they didn't back it well, out. I see what you're saying. Yeah, what what Matt is saying is that uh, analysts will back out the one-time impact, but then what's happening also is that they're not recognizing the fact that Tesla's earnings would have been higher in the past few quarters if they were able to recognize the one-time impact. So he's like, he's like, his point is that it's a double negative. So you don't give them yeah. credit for selling FSD, and now when they do recognize FSD, you're like, well, it's a one-time, right? Exactly. So it's almost like you're saying, yeah. eh, that two billion fake, right, or whatever yeah. that money is. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense, honestly. That's a phenomenal point. Um, but you're thinking they're right, going to be right dead on at 110. You think they're going to come in line with market expectations because you want to buy more stock. That's, that's <laughs> well, no, I, I think I think that would be a nothing burger. I think the stock would probably okay. just chill where it's at. Yash? Um, I, yeah, I'm going to say over. Was it what you set the line at 112? Was it 110? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think non uh, and just to confirm non gap, you mean? Adjusted mm -hmm. EPS, backing out, stock based comp, and any one time from FSD to firm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I, I still, I'm closer to Alexander, closer to one, one twenty. Mm. Um, okay. now I'm not sure if that, if that number is going to drive the sentiment on the stock just to, mm. just to be fair, I think it's going to be the automotive gross margin. Number one, the uh, XF credits. And then personally, I'm really looking for, I know Farzad, you are as well looking at energy margin to see if there's yes. any changes there might be a little, it might be one quarter too premature to care about that, but still it'll be interesting to see if it goes up from, I think 11% last quarter. Yeah. Those are great points. I have it at one twenty three, uh, dollar 23, not one, two, three on, on purpose, but like, yeah, that was what the math. Yeah. Yeah. Big boy over here. <laughs> and, uh, and I, for me, it's, um, I do think the margins will come in better than folks expect. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lower uh, COGS than folks expect, expect as well. I think COGS will reduce more than price pricing would have reduced in Q4 because some of the economies of scale of Berlin and Austin plus deflation in, uh, deflation in the pipeline. Plus, I think there's going to be a little bit extra energy in, in the earnings that, that's going to help. Um, but I, I'm with Yash. The things I want to be looking for very closely are auto gross margins because they're going to be it's going to be so much data for what q1 implies i think it's going to be a very very important yeah. metric and then I'm, I'm curious to see revenue revenue first from energy and then it's margin if there is like a say a 30 or 40 percent growth quarter over quarter that I'm, i think that says that the lathrop factory is probably pumping out more than we think and uh, that could be a, a pretty big boon for the rest of the year. But, you know, it's tough to it's tough to gauge until we see the numbers here in probably like five to seven minutes here. So I have a question. We're almost there. Do you all think yeah. that the, the announcement of Giga Nevada's expansion is a pure coincidence to be in the 24 hours before the earnings call? Or does it have anything to do with it? Uh Are you are you taking an energy angle here? Like, how, how are you thinking? Yeah, this, this I think in? I think actually that. This will influence a lot the question of the analysts, right? They don't have to submit their questions uh, earlier. So it's not like the say questions who have been 
macerating there for the last 10 days and people voting on them. Um, and, and I think this is throwing a ball to, to the analysts to ask these questions. You know, what's happening in Nevada? Didn't you say they were difficult to recruit there or whatever? Because those are easy questions for them to answer. And they can really get, because I mean, this expansion is, is fabulous, right? There is no doubt yeah. they can get into 4680. They can get into the semis. That's going to help uh, fluff uh, five to 10 minutes of talk. And I just, I mean, if that was the case, if that was a setup, if, if the timing, I mean, not that the expansion is not a setup, but the release of the of the news, the timing, um, I think that'd be great. I think that yeah. would have been very clever of them. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that it's a day before earnings for sure. Um, hmm. What do what's you guys your, think? Do you think? What's your tinfoil theory on this? Uh, Sounds like it, you have one. Not, I, I mean, I, it's hard to feel optimistic about energy's impact this year, to be completely honest, because it, that Lathrop factory coming online and the way they're investing into Giga Nevada is a direct, uh, it's a direct investment into the growth of energy. And it's been something that's just been sitting on the sidelines for so long. Could Q4 22 be the first time we start hearing uh, more language towards like, hey, we're not just a car company. We're also an energy company. You guys forgot. You all forgot, you know. Y'all forgot what's going on here. So I don't know. But that's part of me is like, I just want to wait and see. I just want to wait yeah. and see. Um, but I, I, do, I do think it's an it's very interesting timing. And we had an onslaught of really positive news here too in the last mm -hmm. 48 hours with yeah. uh, the German, you know, the German EV tax credit. You got mm -hmm. the numbers coming out of California where uh, Model 3 Y were uh, uh, more than every other EV automaker sold in California combined by a factor mm -hmm. of like, I don't know, like four or something insane yeah, or, or three. Yeah. Just completely nuts. Insane domination. Mm. So, um, okay. All right. So market's closed. <laughs> it's three o'clock. Boom. Uh, so now, now it's time to get serious now, y'all. Okay. No more laughing or smiling. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, 144, <laughs> We yeah. closed green, hey? So we closed green Sitting on the market. On Tesla. Yeah. On Come, Tesla. On, yeah. There we go. Come on, we got to go to this. All right. So producer wife, let's go ahead and do this. Go ahead and pull up the ir.tesla.com link that I gave you and just hit F5 every few seconds. We're going to do an F5 party here. And then I'm going to pull up the uh, stock chart to the right of me just to see how the market reacts uh, on my screen. Nice. And yeah, uh, we're just going to wait for the earnings to drop. So for those okay, that have no. just joined us, Thank you so much, uh, Alexander. You're going to join us uh, at some point once it's out, right? I'll be back 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Just give me a little bit of time. Yeah. Okay, so see you later. Digest. We'll see you in a bit. I so will. Alexandra's <laughs> going to go. <laughs> she's going to go offline. She's going to come back. She's uh, So she's not distracted by um, our craziness here. So now, uh, here, let me send you the link. And everyone uh, everyone in the chat, throw your guess for non-GAAP EPS or adjusted EPS. Throw it in the chat. <clears throat> So we can see if someone nails it before, and you have to do this again before the results come out, which they're not out just yet. Yashu, when you said uh, 144 earlier, yeah. I was like, oh, it was the dollar 44. <laughs> oh, is that, that's how bearish you are now. <laughs> no, I was like, oh my God. Oh, 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 you thought yeah, earnings. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the stock price. <laughs> yeah. I, oh. A dollar forty-four. You know what though? Matt was saying from Good Soil, and hopefully he joins us here soon. He was saying that I mean, if FSD deferred revenue gets recognized, like you know, we're talking like a big—that's a big difference there, twenty, thirty cents, whatever it is, a billion dollars or whatever, right? Um, awesome. So many guesses in the chat. 
What's um let's see here. By the way, for anyone that's wondering, the Nasdaq finished red, 22 down 22 basis points today. The S&P 500 was flat. So Tesla was really relatively strong today. I mean, okay, no, maybe I should take the really part of that sentence back, but it was relatively strong today finishing green. Um you know, Google was down two and a half percent today. How did Microsoft fare? Microsoft was down six points. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for what Microsoft might evolve to. I don't want to change the topic before earnings here, but I'm really excited where, where Microsoft might go here. I love people. what they've been doing here in the last in the last few years with their new CEO. Their new CEO has been uh, what's his name? Satya Nadella. Um, dude, he's a beast. He has transformed that company. Yeah. No one likes Bill Gates, frankly, so. (laughs) So everyone's everyone's pressing a refresh on this page. Yeah, I've got Twitter pulled up too, and usually if the wires will pull it up, I'll I'll be able to say it here. Um, Sorry, babe, click on quarterly disclosure. You're in the wrong tab on the top there on their documents and events. Click on quarterly disclosures. Right below in the middle of the screen where it says quarterly disclosures. Right under documents and events. Yeah. You see documents and events in bold to the left. Up. Documents and disclosures. Up a little bit. There, there, right there. Right there. there. Perfect. Yeah. Go ahead. Nice. This is is like, you know, what's crazy is like, you know, if you follow on FinTwit, it feels like, it feels like everyone is following Tesla earnings, not just Tesla folk. It feels like every single FinTwit account out there cares about, like we're at the point now where everyone, the whole entire market cares about what Tesla reports. Um, which which is actually kind of cool to see. Oh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Pretty wild the type of like community that has opened up. Sorry, Nico, go ahead. Yeah, th- this is wild. Um, I one of my brokerages, uh, Fidelity, they sent mm-hmm. out a memo that if you uh, if you're gonna have Tesla, if, mm-hmm. if you're buying Tesla, that now your margin requirement will go from forty percent to fifty percent. Yeah. I, I saw that. Um, that was that was yeah. last week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's because they 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 perceive high risk for people that are holding the stock. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't remember what it's. I mean, I, I haven't even actually looked at my message of it. I'm assuming I have one in my inbox. But my buddy also uses Fidelity. He sent it to me. I was like, "What the hell?" I thought it was fake at first. It's like there's no way. <laughs> I mean, I remember back in the day when, what is it, 2018, when there was like ridiculous short interest on the stock. It was like. Mm-hmm. Um, they were asking a lot from yeah. a margin perspective. Uh, for those that are just joining us, thirty-two hundred on 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 the on this channel here. Thank you all very much for joining us. We're just waiting for Tesla's quarterly earnings to drop. Usually, it comes out about five minutes after market close. Uh, the stock is up 0.96.95 percent right now after okay. hours. So we're just waiting patiently to see yeah. what kind of numbers Tesla reports. So thank you all very much for joining us. Absolutely. Hit subscribe no matter what stream you're watching on. Yeah. And, like, subscribe, uh, all the buttons. I like I like that we can do this together as a community, not just us here up here, but everyone in the chat as well. Because I would I would have already been doing this regardless of if there was exactly. a community or not. So I was already going to be, you know, I just love how we can all come together and uh, create kind of a hive mind around everything that goes on. I agree. So like a bunch yeah. of nerds uniting to just <laughs> the yeah. wildest thing like, is there any other company that this stuff happens for like this like oh it's out I it's out. It's okay. out yep i'm oh, oh, oh. Go ahead. 
Oh, it just it. just crashed though. I'm. It is out though. It is, it is out. Oh, I just see it. Okay, click on it. Click up. There you go. Go ahead. Click on download right there. Who says download? It doesn't work though. Yeah, when perfect. I click on it. All right. So we might have to keep trying. Oh yes. Uh, temporarily. Oh, I got available. it. I got it. Okay, so automotive gross margin quarter four 2022, 25.9%, of which regulatory credits was 465. Let me just do the quick calculation here. Oh, that's that's with credits. That's with, with credits. credits. That's with okay. credits, 25.9%. That's low. Minus 467, 5055 divided by 21307. So 23.7% is what I think the automotive gross margin is X Zev credits without Zev credits on it. Um OPEX is a little bit higher than last quarter, but not by much, maybe by 100 million. Operating margin for this quarter is 16%. Adjusted, okay. EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA is 5.4 billion. Adjusted, uh, adjusted EBITDA margin is 22.2%. And EPS diluted is $1.07 and non-GAAP is $1.19. So there's that. Does the 19 include the, the fur revenue? Um, I will check. Okay. I finally so, got it up on my end. Keep got it. Okay. Baby. So uh, EPS dollar nineteen beats dollar twelve. A revenue of twenty four point three billion beats expectations of twenty four point one billion. So two hundred million dollars higher uh, than expectations there. Um, adjust. Uh, we already got that. And let me just look for adjusted uh, FST. Can you, can you share your screen, Yash? Do you have yeah. it on your end? Yeah, yeah. I'll pull it up. Video. So while he does that, the stock is just kind of oscillating between positive and negative. So, so far, it's kind of nothing. flat. Yeah. Um, maybe our servers in Canada are a little bit uh, faster here. <laughs> um, okay. So revenue was up from growth in vehicle deliveries, up with growth in other parts of the business. So we'll talk about energy here in a second. Increase in ASP year over year, excluding uh, the, the, the FX impact, the foreign exchange impact, including favorable impact of model and region mix. The negative on revenue was the negative uh, foreign exchange impact, about a 1.4 billion. That's quite. That's, that's big. Quite big. That is, yeah. Um, so profitability was increased with growth in ASP and vehicle deliveries, despite the margin headwind from underutilization of new factories. Uh, gross profit, uh, a gross profit growth in other parts of the business. So I think that relates to energy that we'll look into here in a second. FSD re revenue recognition of 324 million dollars in auto sales. That's so it. not all of it. So not all of it. Okay. Um, so by the way, and that footnote says this pertains to the wide release of FSD beta in the US and Canada during the period. Additionally, we expect to recognize nearly $1 billion of deferred revenue that this remains for such customers over time as software updates are delivered. Okay. So another Billy coming down there. Um, so lower stock-based comp and payroll expense because last quarter, a quarter four was uh, Elon's big fat package. Uh, higher raw material and commodity. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, higher raw, <laughs> higher raw material, commodity <laughs> logistics and warranty costs. Uh, cost of production ramp of forty six eighty cells. Negative FX uh, impact. Deliveries. I think we all you did know that on this. purpose, didn't you? I, 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 I swear <laughs> to God, I didn't do that on purpose. I apologize. Um, okay. So Shanghai, so Austin, the Model Y production line in Austin produced over three thousand vehicles in a week towards end of quarter four. Uh, in quarter four, we produced enough in-house 4680s in a single week to make over a thousand battery packs. We know this. Pilot production of Tesla Semi commenced in Q4. You know that. By the way, Tesla's up over 3% in after hours. I like that. Um, Berlin. Model Y production in Berlin has produced over 3,000 vehicles in a week towards the end of Q4. We've introduced two new multi-layer paint colors from our advanced paint shop at Berlin. 
Quicksilver and Midnight Cherry Red. Um, so that's FSD. I don't think there's anything new there. Battery, powertrain. We can go through this with the fine tooth comb later, but let's talk energy. Energy storage deployments increased 152% year over year in Q4 to 2.5 gigawatt hours for a total deployment of 6.5 gigawatt hours in the year 2022. By far the highest level of deployments we've achieved. Demand for our storage product remains in excess of our ability to supply. We are in the process of ramping production at our dedicated 40 gigawatt hour mega pack in Lathrop to address the growing demand. This factory should help further accelerate growth of energy storage deployments. Okay, so energy margins are substantially higher, by the way. Uh, are you doing a quick calculation? Do you know what, yeah. do you know what they are? Yep. One second. Uh, by the way, Outlook, uh, as you do that, 12%. we are... Okay, so up about 1% from quarter 2%. over quarter. Three, three basis points. It was at 9%. Q3. It was at 9%. Okay, so so 2%. Mm -hmm. uh, volume, by the way, Outlook. We are planning to go production as quickly as possible to remain in alignment with our 50% CAGR target we began guiding in early 2021. In some years, we may grow faster. In some years, we may grow slower, depending on a number of factors. For 2023, we expect to remain uh -huh. ahead of our 50% CAGR with around 1.8 million cars okay. for the year. Wow. So they give guidance. That's, that's, that's surprising. That is surprising. That's surprising. Wow. Um, cash, of course, everyone knows they have a lot of cash profit. Um, uh, while we continue to execute on innovations to reduce the cost of manufacturing over time, we expect our hardware related profits to be accompanied by acceleration of software related profits. That's good. We expect, uh, we continue to believe that our operating margin will remain the highest among volume OEMs. Cybertruck remains on track to begin, to begin production of gigataxis later this year. Our next gen vehicle platform is under development there you go farzad with yeah, new additional with additional details to be shared march one so i guess you're okay, right so they're We're hyping it up yeah. yeah real quick can you go up real quick yeah just go back to cash down okay i think i know where it is after yep. hours is back right to flat. yeah so uh i just want to highlight uh that last sentence furthermore we will manage the business such that we maintain a strong balance sheet during the uncertain period I just think that uncertain period is interesting, especially for the buybacks and all that. Yeah, okay. I think this goes to the recession point. 1.8 yeah. though, can we just pause and talk about the 1.8 for a second? That's very yeah. specific and not really like Tesla to say, like they usually just leave it out there. So I, yeah. I would say that's kind of a sandbag, is it not 1.8? Oh, I, I mean, think I think for sure. Yeah, it has to be right. Because anytime they give yearly, if they're going to give yearly guidance on a uncertain period, why would you give a guidance that, you might miss like right. it's, it's a weird context right like we're going to manage our cash in on a certain time we're going to try to continue growing 50 percent year over year by the way 1.8 million cars okay <laughs> yeah kind of ballsy for sure um thoughts okay. thoughts so far um so i'm digesting in the comments section drop your thoughts producer wife if you can uh, pull up some of the highlights if you don't mind so we can gauge some of the thoughts from from the crowd. Yash, you do you mind continue like yeah. uh, sharing and stuff? Are you okay? Sure. No, not, not <clears throat> talking. Even just sharing your stuff. I mean, whatever. Oh I'm yeah. Just yeah. Wondering if you you don't mind driving the deck because uh, sure. it might be I might point you towards a specific page. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the the margin number twenty five nine with additional regulatory hmm. credits seems low to me. Um. Although the operating margin was still quite strong. So the way I see it is that um, the margin came down. Let's see. The margin came down two points, but the operating margin came down one point. So they still have very good operating leverage. But the automotive gross margin for Q4 
um, with 467 million in regulatory credits, which is uh, the second highest they received in this year versus Q1. Um, the the Q1 margins could be under 20% potentially. I have to sit down and do the math. I have to sit down and do the math. But yeah, um, free cash the implications is for Q1. What's free cash flow? Let me see. Uh, free cash flow non gap is 1.4 billion. It's kind of low. I was thinking it'd be closer to 4 billion. Well, how, mu how much of that is uh, Berlin, Austin, and stuff? That what, put in there, there is about 1.8 worth of CapEx here. Um, uh, a lot of sentiment I'm seeing around people excited that they're doubling down on Cybertruck deliveries this year, which shows you how low the bar kind of, kind of is for yeah, this year. I would have been shocked if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd but like, I mean, oh, it we, is good. We're not sure. Yeah. Is good. Um, so 1.8, 450 a quarter. Is that right? That math? Yeah, 450 a quarter. I mean, that's easily doable. Easily. Well, the question is why only 1.8? Is are they just trying to set the bar really low for the year? Do they have concerns with 4680 scale and they wish they could do over two, but they're just a little bit behind on that? These are the questions that hopefully they address during the earnings call. Yeah. I mean, do you think 1.8 is low? I mean, 1.8 is 50%, isn't it? Why, uh, why, why, exactly. why do you think 1.8 is low? Well, maybe I'm just looking at it for too bullish. Hold on. Oh, what, what was what was fiscal year end 2022 total again? Total deliveries? Uh, deliveries? One, yes. three, one, three, four, one, three, one. Yeah, let's let just me, do let one, me, one, me one three. So 50% over last year would be closer to two. But you're one, saying... One, three. So yeah, so so you're saying go back to 2020. So go back to four five hundred k and do fifty percent. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm saying go back to one three one three and do fifty percent. What is that number? That's, that's one nine. To oh, two. I see what you're saying. You're, you're saying I see, I see, I see, mm -hmm. I see. So you're saying that one point eight is above the fifty percent for twenty one, but the fifty percent on one three one is actually one nine six. So that that's how they're setting. Okay, so now so that makes sense. Page twenty six for why one point eight. What's in page twenty six? Yeah, I, I just pulled it up. There it is. So yeah. basically, an argument that hey, we don't care about year over year CAGR or year over year growth. It's about but the long term CAGR I of see. the deliveries, um, for sure. But it is interesting to note. Of course, like I mean, I'm not trying to set set the bar at over two million, but it seems like everyone thought over two million was in the bag for this year. At, you know what? It's kind of good. I guess they're resetting the bar and putting it back to where they can really set yeah. up themselves to really have a huge beat on, hopefully. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so the stock, by the way, up 50 flat. cents after hours, really yeah. not doing much. At least it's not red. Oh, yeah. We got our boy. Compare contrast. Um, if you look at uh, the last earnings report, they had... They had it uh, for Nevada. They had early production for the semi. And now it's called, it says in pilot production. That was a little weird. But that has to do with the new new factory announcement, right? The third. You think so? Well, the semi? Yeah. that it w Wasn't that what the takeaway was with their new factory? That that's where the semis are going to be built out? Yeah. But why would it be go from early production to pilot production? Oh, it, it seems went from... like that's going backwards. What, what what page is that, Nick? Um, on Q four, it's where you always see like the amount of vehicles that they. It's oh, I see. Okay, hold on. 
page. What's up, Ross? Nine. Hey, how are you? How's it going? Oh, I'm in. What are okay. what are you? Hey, Ross. Yeah, you're in. What are your thoughts? Well, man, this is way better than I expected. Actually, you know, I uh, there wasn't really a big hit to margin from the sort of sale at the end of the quarter. They're breaking every record. What really stood out to me was that free cash flow continues to grow. It was impacted a little bit, but you know, and cash now at, at Tesla is over 22 billion. It's crazy. And um, on top of energy service, energy storage deployment of up 152%. I think we've been talking about that a lot on streams lately about what the potential is for energy storage. And, and you're starting to see the growth in that business and people just don't talk about it, but, but this is a massive market. So, you know, once again, Tesla's executing fine. And I think the big question is, you know, how do these price cuts affect margins in Q1? But beyond that, I think Tesla has a phenomenal year in front of them. And, and it's a very exciting time. Yeah. When I when I look at the margins, so I did some some rough math. Uh, it looks like they had additional rec credits in Q4 right. of an additional 150 million, and they also had reduced margin on top of that additional rec credits. How do you how do you view that going into Q1? Do you think that sort of paints a, a an uglier picture for margins in 2023 than maybe some folks may have expected? How do you think about that? I mean, it's hard to predict what they're going to get in reg credits and sort of the jumble of it, but I do consider reg credits as part of their business. So, you know, I don't model it, but, but it's there every quarter. So, so I think, you know, Tesla is entering this like new stage of growth right now, kind of like, it's so amazing. The similarity is 2018, 2019, you know, he's in Elon's in trial for the funding secured right now. And I'm having these flashbacks and I'm going on CNN tonight to talk about it. And, you know, it's like, it's the same thing, all these distractions that he's created and the Twitter stuff. And, and in the end, you know, people miss the real story, which is Tesla's on the verge of its next major leg up as a business. And the paradigm will change dramatically as these factories ramp and as the truck business grows, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's an exciting company to own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I own looking... Apple, like I own Apple and it's like, what am I, what am I excited about? You know, it's like, <laughs> Oh, the iPad's been updated. Oh, the glasses are postponed again. You know, Oh, they take 30% off services. You know, I love Apple, but there's no innovation, you know, yeah. and I own Microsoft and I go, Oh, you know, they're buying Activision. Okay. That's great. And then they're investing in open AI, which is super smart, but I'm like, who made that? Oh, that was Elon, you know? And it's like, so AI is the next big frontier and, and boy, we're at the forefront of that at Tesla as well. So, so I just think when you look at the big cap tech stocks like Google, where what's the story there, they got nothing, you know, they're just getting broken up by the government. So Tesla is yeah. the most attractive big cap tech stock in, in, in the world, I think. Yeah. And that's my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. How, how do you think about the the market response so far? So it's it seems flat. It's only up a quarter of a percent uh, right that's now great. after hours. I, I think that's you know, a great that's, sign. That's <laughs> yeah, that's an A plus. You know, I, I don't think stock should move that much after hours personally. Like, you know, you have yeah. all these people pricing a stock every day in the stock market and and these like big moves after hours don't mean much. Microsoft was up 10 bucks after hours yesterday. Now it's down today. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. And so I think, you you know, Tesla's, I think, a very inexpensive stock relative to its growth rate and its long term track record. And investors have an opportunity here. It's, it's I mean, if you if you look at it now, they they did over four dollars for 2022. 
And then if you give them, you know, even a 30 or 40 PE, whatever you want to give them, you know, you're, you're looking at around the same price in this price range. Now, I think the bigger issue is what are they going to earn in 23? And I don't think anybody knows and everybody's already lowered their expectations substantially. So there's lots of upside to beat for Tesla. So I'm actually happy expectations are so low for Tesla in 23, because if they do like the five, $6 that I still think they might do, you know, and then you put out 30 or 40 on that, you're going to have a great year with Tesla stock. But they got to execute. That's that's what I'm pushing Elon. He's got to focus. He's got to execute. They never launch a vehicle smoothly. Never. I've done this for too long. So Cybertruck's going to be a bitch, and they better be ready to play ball. You know. Yeah. the The one thing we were talking about that that came up on the earnings report is that it looks like they are uh, re reconfirming that Cybertruck is going to be coming out sometime this year. They're not pegging the actual quarter. They're saying, you know, sometime later this year, which mm-hmm. Gyashu mentioned, what a low bar that we have now that they have to reconfirm that Cybertruck's coming out. We're like, yay, <laughs> you're yeah, doing well, what you, you said. Know, nobody you know? believes Elon. You know, he said, you know, it's like, oh, it's coming next week. Uh, full self-driving update, two weeks, two weeks. You know, Omar yeah. always makes jokes about that. You know, and, yeah. and as I said, I think Elon likes to tell us his goals more than specific, you know, like, actualities and but i think cybertruck should launch this year and i think they're on track for doing that and hopefully on march 1st we'll get a much clearer view of what's going on in austin yeah the, the there were two things that we were surprised by and i like i give the mic to nick and, and yashua's one hey, is alexandra sure jumping on this call did we not get she's alexander coming up yeah she so she wanted to step away for 10 15 minutes to uh to digest this and then come back so we wouldn't distract yeah. her because we're just yeah, gonna be up here talking shit. <laughs> and no, so she's no out Gary there. Today. Is, is, is Gary doing networks or something? Gary might come later. I think he's out there doing other stuff, but he might join us uh, later this evening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two things. Two things that came up on the deck. Uh, they they talked about the compact car, whatever that platform is, being unveiled. Oh, there you go. Just uh, speaking of the uh, of the lady, she she just jumped on. Perfect. Okay. Um, uh, what was the, what was I uh, say? Two things I that came up you, on the Ross, deck. You call here, I am. <laughs> I, dude, I, I'm like, you know, we need some beauty on this call. I can't just be oh my such God, a guy. Damn, <laughs> that's a shade to Yashu, bro. Damn. <laughs> it is. No offense, guys, but a bunch of dudes talking about Tesla. Well, that's all we do. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we need some eye candy on the screen. Damn, women yeah. To, yeah, eye candy. Very intelligent, <laughs> capable women to ask tough questions. So yeah. you know, it's Alexandra's the best. Oh. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Thank you. There, there, oh man, you forced was... you forced S and P into like a whole uh, tizzy over the fact <laughs> they can't upgrade. That. Yeah, they can't Two upgrade things... Tesla for some reason. Two you things can. I want to pick your brain on too, like the the compact car, and then Alexander, we'll throw it over to you. The compact car uh, was. It seems like they are alluding in the deck that it's going to be unveiled in some respects, some additional details on Investor Day, which I think is super exciting. And then they gave us a solid number for 2023, which was 1.8 million cars. And I don't know when is the last time they gave us like a a, a, a strict numerical guidance for a year. Um, how do you how do you think about those two things uh, for you know for say the next quarter or two? Do you think that's going to be impactful at all, or do you think there's no there's nothing here to be really said? Are you asking me? Yeah, Ross, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I hope they learn their lesson about under-promising, you know, because I think they could do 2 million cars. So if that's the case, I like that number because I want to see them beat numbers. And mm-hmm. and you set these expectations and Wall Street starts like building models around it. So, you know, I think that's a good number for them to, to have, but I, I think they'll beat it. Yeah. 
Alexandra, what, what are your thoughts? You stepped away, so we wouldn't distract you, and now you've I was in the middle. Able, I was in the middle, and then I you read the Russ whole deck, right? Every just, word. <laughs> no, I was I was on page thirty. I tell you exactly where I was. I was on page thirty in the middle, Damn. where it says That's purchases real. of investments. I know. I'm sorry, but I just you know I'm I'm doing it at my rhythm, and you see that line absolutely exploded. So you see purchases of investments. Who was page thirty? A, a little, yeah, page thirty in the middle. And, uh, and I was, you know, going through what in the world could have been that in one quarter, in the last quarter, this number right. exploded from a little billion to more than 4 billion, because that is what I'm missing in my whole cash mm. calculations and all that. Now, by the way, Yashu, who mm -hmm. said we're close to 120 and who is at 119? Yashu ah. and Alexandra, right? There we go. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Yeah. Um, but you see those 4.368, uh, you see that number? And, Could and this I be bonds? Missing, yeah, I it's don't bonds. know. It's for sure bonds. That's what I'm doing at my firm for tons of companies. I mean, I can earn four and a half percent without taking so any risk. So they four billion bills. in bonds. Yes, it's smart. Think about that. I They'll think make so. Hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed. I've been doing this for clients all day. All, I mean, all so maybe for those that are not familiar with this con, can you explain us why this is a good thing to do? Like, mm -hmm. what what are bonds and why is it beneficial? Well, you know, Tesla has $22 billion in cash. And let's say if you go back a year or two, it earned nothing, right? I mean, even to the point where he bought Bitcoin because it was like, we can't earn anything on this cash, right? So if the Fed's going to jack up interest rates to some ridiculous high that it is today, companies and investors can get a guaranteed rate that's much higher than inflation will be over the next couple of years. So for a company or an individual with cash, keeping your money in a bank, earning nothing makes no sense. So you can go out and buy a ladder treasury portfolio. This is exactly what I do at my firm for a lot of people right now and earn over 4%. Now yields have been coming down, but we were getting as high as four, six, four, seven. So if you imagine on $20 billion earning, you know, 4% on it without taking any risk, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of free cash flow with no risk. And that's exactly what they're doing. Zach's a very smart guy. And, and why not do that? Do we have any indication how much of the Bitcoin is left in there? Or do you just, you know, we just think it that should was unchanged? Stay under intangible asset, I think it is. Yeah, I didn't find that. And then the other thing it I was, so I was good. still, I was still exactly that, that, that was one thing I, I, I really would assets. like them to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it says, is it on there? How much, how much one is eight, it? One, uh, 184 down from 218 previous quarter. Okay. Digital assets, so, age 29. So, because obviously we already had the lowest point at sixteen thousand or something in in Q three, so they didn't have to to recognize more. So they probably sold some down. And then if you can go to page twenty five, I'm sorry, I'm actually doing live what I was thinking I would do in my little corner before I went back up live. That's okay. So 20, it's okay. I'm doing so it. Too. I'm, I'm thinking and talking at the same time, which is always a catastrophe with me. But you see yeah. the average the average selling price for twenty twenty two. Despite mm -hmm. all this noise of you know uh, second second half of December is up compared to 2021. You see that on the right. The yeah, blue, well, they the had higher off. they had higher prices through most of the year. It was only the exactly. last like two weeks. It was you know? nothing. It was a nothing burger. That's why I say all the time it was nothing. And yeah, then I mean, the I think the, the main thing is what does it look like in Q1 now with. I don't know, maybe they sell 500,000 cars, but what's margins look like now? And that's, I think, the big question. Exactly. exactly. And and obviously the revenue, because in, on 24, the graph, the red line, that is the, the revenue 
That's the revenue number. And I had that higher. I thought that wouldn't go that down that much. You see Q4, the, the red line on the left? The revenue growth? Yes. 50, 51%, right? Or something like that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Still really good. Uh, it's still everything. a very good number. No right? doubt about it. And and I, I guess then the the all the discounting they did in the last couple of quarters that came out in COGS yeah. then. It didn't come out in SGNA after all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Um, and I, I do agree. I, I think, by the way, I pulled up Elon's old tweet here, um, if I can. Um, I, I agree. I, I think these are probably bonds that they bought because, and I'll pull it up, um, because, I mean, Elon's kind of given us hints of, of him doing this, right? Like he said, as a bank savings account, interest, uh, interest rise, which are guaranteed, uh, and they start to approach stock market returns, which are not guaranteed, people will increasingly move their money out of stocks into cash, thus causing the stocks to drop. I think Elon pretty much hinted at this with several tweets, actually. Um, so, Yeah, once again, when I'm doing this, like, I can't even tell you how many bonds I've bought in the last six months. You know, I think it's a unique opportunity that the Fed is dumb enough to pay yeah. people such high interest that we yeah, really can't crazy. afford as a country, to be honest. And yeah, so it's us they, taxpayer paying you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, yeah. you know, um, the Fed is so that, if you could, it's like crazy, you know. Farzad, if you could put up, please, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm walking you through my thoughts. Um, slide 22 in the middle, operating cash flow. And I would like us to compare Yashu's page the one with 22. The, with the keys, by the oh, way. yeah, sorry. Okay, sorry, yeah. Yashu. Okay. So page really 22. Page 22, you actually see that operating cash flow for Q4 quite lower, right, compared to Q3. But then when right. you go into trailing 12 months, which is the slide uh, above, it is not as alarming because that was my first – I got stuck on that one. So that is obviously the impact from China. You see it very clearly in the second quarter and then again in the fourth quarter. But then when you see it on the trailing 12 months on page 23, it, it – it more or less gets absorbed. I mean, we're obviously not at the peak of, of Q3 for the operating cash flow and the free cash flow, but we're we're on a good way again. So that's quite reassuring. Yeah, I like these results. I think they are the most boring good results I wanted. Exactly. That's what I was exactly that's what I was gonna mm -hmm. say. It seems like it seems like that there is like a collective relief that's being oh, sighed yeah. uh, by a lot of people because it wasn't like crazy one way or the other. Uh, exactly. It was just kind of. Well, like, we still gotta listen to the call. We still gotta call for so. sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. too early, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fireworks haven't started yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx yeah. it. Yeah. This is Nicole's the appetizer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody drink your wine I mean, now. It's like so, it's like what yeah. do you want out of Tesla? I mean, it's like it's like such a difficult operating environment, especially in China. You know, last year, remember in Q two, we had the shutdown of the factory with COVID stuff and. You know, like I thought last year was really hard for companies. So like if the operating environment inflation's down and China's going to be back and they'll be buying cars in mass, um, you know, hopefully they all yeah. have COVID like I do. I have COVID right now. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I no, feel weird, but you're looking yeah. sound great. You're looking um, good, I Russ. I worked out you're this looking. morning and I, I worked out this morning. I'm testing and it's like tests. coming up and I was like, what the hell? You know, so I hope this is the worst of it. But that said, um, I'm a little tired, but um, yeah, I can't imagine. Now I want to I want to throw in energy like, storage. I want to okay. throw in energy storage. It in will China be, and you'll and, you'll be good. And you were going on for two years that you didn't catch it, so finally had to. Catch I know, you. I know. I had to go to <laughs> Vegas and I just know. like hit up every single thing without a mask you, you could do. You know, I tell you, you and don't have the age for that anymore. 
exactly. No, now let's I do, get back I to do. energy storage. Let's get back to energy storage. The you see what their, their comment on page eleven on the top. So they did two and a half gigawatt hours in the last quarter. You remember they want to get up to ten. So that's obviously not ten yet, but it is thirty eight percent of what they did last year. They did thirty eight percent in one quarter which is 50% more than the average quarter. So I think they're really on a good way. And it starts slowly, by far not as much as, as people had hoped for, but it st starts slowly to show in the numbers. So that is really, that is really encouraging. You see, yeah, I mean, you broke, up, you broke up Tesla and you just like said, okay, it's an energy storage company. Oh, it's a charging company. Oh, it's a EV company. Oh, it's a technology full self-driving company. And you just broke up the parts and tried to figure this out. I mean, each one of those companies is dominant in its own right. Mm. Sure. Yeah, and you sure. see, they, they moved from 4,000 4, units in 2021 to 6.5, 6,500 now. So that's an increase of 64%. That's page eight. Yeah in the middle yeah you know like twitter schmitter like this is a way more exciting business you know like yeah. i don't know what he's sure. doing like tesla's just got it's a massive future in front of it and you know boy it seems a little bit like a sideshow what he's dealing with now the, one, the think, one thing that's a i don't think so guys sorry the, I, the, I don't think that energy thing, is boring no not energy twitter you know, oh, it's yeah. like <laughs> buying Twitter. Like, I, I'm like, what is this? Like, it's a social media company. Why the hell does this have to do with anything? You know, so I think that this company is extremely consequential to our future and, and executing excellently. And, you know, really, it needs, mm. you know, to really step up and it will be this multi-trillion dollar company. I have no doubt. It's just we got to get from A to B and it's a little bit of a trek. Yeah. Talking about uh, energy, if you go to uh, slide 28, uh, Farzad, real quick, uh, you can go <laughs> ahead and... Uh, <laughs> you You're can, hiding uh, there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, have, I like my beard on, on Yasha better. If we go to uh, the energy generation and storage line, yeah, uh, $1.31 billion in revenue. And then mm -hmm. if we look at the energy generation and storage on the cost of revenues, uh, one one five one, which is uh, mm -hmm. about twelve percent margin. So this is why I think this is why this I'm. I was hoping the number would be bigger, but again, this is just quarter over quarter. It's not a big deal. They're going towards the right direction. But what I gather from this data set is that their margins went up with a ramping factory in Lathrop. I think that's a big deal. So they they went up three basis, three hundred basis points with a brand new factory that's probably going to be not fully ramped. They have a lot of uh, fixed labor that's not hasn't maximized. Their production line yet so they, they mm -hmm. had an increase in sales but they also had an increase in margins so yeah uh what do we know what the total do we know what the total capacity is out of lathrop 40 What's the number 10 gigawatt hours oh, 10, per sorry. quarter per quarter so okay. it's 40 per year okay. yes okay. so there should be a 4xing in, in in quarterly revenue from uh energy right on is revenue yes but you it? but but you have to be careful with the lathrop numbers because you the prices they currently can get into into the numbers are not the prices you see. So this is not yet the sales at two million per megapack because that happened only lately while they're having a lot of backlogs. So they are still working on orders that were placed at a lower price. To be more than forex. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To be so, more than forex. It's also not clear if they're if they're able to recognize all the revenue as soon exactly. as they sell it. So yeah. Got it.
Yeah. I would like to go. I would. I'm sorry that I'm pushing around again, and yeah, I know I've seen ahead. the I've seen the comments yelling at me in the back. I will try to be Why? discreet. So I don't. So page six, page six, the financial summary. So you always see some pluses and some minuses in those lists. So let's address the minuses. In the revenue, the forex foreign exchange had an impact of a negative 1.4 billion. Okay, that's a lot of money. So that is Chinese. Yen uh, one and and maybe euro because euro strengthened. I, I don't even see how that happened, but obviously that must have been over the whole. You know that's in Q4. Well, anyway, there we are. And you see the forex impact as well on profitability. There it's then 300 million. The last line of the middle section, and there you also have two other higher raw material, commodity, logistics, and warranty costs. So that is the the impact Elon had described in one of the spaces that there is a lag between when the prices come down and when they're actually for them coming down in the production line just because you have old contracts you have you have still stock of of uh, raw material and all that and then the cost of production ramp of the 4680 which was higher i don't think it's only the cost it's also the delay i guess they just had hoped to be able to use these earlier and um and not just have to spend money on production so much right yeah I'm yeah, surprised like, by that 1.4 number, though. Yeah, so, that's yeah. a lot, right? Yep, it's yeah. heavy for sure. Because I thought I thought it would have been the other way with like the dollar strengthening. Wouldn't there exactly. be a, wouldn't there be a positive forex impact, right? No, the well, dollar strengthened. It, it strengthened. It strengthened yeah. in the middle of the quarter, though. So you had it negative and then positive. Um, mm. But I think wow. the dollar has been strengthening this year, so you know it should have a positive impact. I mean, not the dollar, the, the foreign currencies are, are stronger this year. So that might have a positive impact for, for many companies going into Q1. I, I, look, I, look at the, I look at the little annotation on the bottom. I mean, I'm sorry, I need to put better glasses on, but impact is calculated on a constant currency basis. Actuals are compared against current results converted into US dollars using average exchange rates from Q4 21. So they actually compare it to the fourth quarter the year before so this is not this is not comparing q3 and q4 this is comparing q4 21 to q4 2022 that's interesting yeah yeah the dollar got really strong so i mean exactly i, I mean the the i guess the good news here is like who cares like this will you know this is impacts all businesses internationally that operate that are yeah. globalized in the supply chain it's not material i mean of course 1.4 billion in and of itself is material but it's not pertinent to tesla specifically it is so, yeah. yeah it's an accounting thing anyways like you know they yeah. earn the money and then they have to convert it in dollars but they keep it in china let's say anyways or europe um, for those operations. So it's so, you know, it, it is real if you're doing it in dollars, but from a corporate perspective, you know, it is what it is. I am kind of interested to hear your guys' thoughts on FSD revenue recognition. Only 324. I was kind mm -hmm. of hoping it would be higher than that. Uh, maybe Me I would, too. had my rose colored glasses on a little bit, but it, it only 324. So there's 75% more features left to kind of go until that one billion yeah. is kind of recognized then. Is that? That's what I say. Yeah. Additionally, we expect to recognize nearly 1 billion of deferred revenues that remains for such customers over time as software updates are delivered. So there's still a billion sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I think, the, I think the positive side of that, you know, and this is my eternal optimist saying that, Hey, like we have, we have confidence that this is going to be finished and we're not ready to call it, you know, we're not ready to recognize and say, yep, this is what you're going to get. You know, we, we pushed out everything, you know, the FSC to every single us and Canada customer There was, I think slide 10, if you go to slide 10 on the autopilot and full self-driving blurb at the top, Yash, um, 
So they have it out to uh, approximately 400,000 people, uh, which mm. which I think is a good number because I think the last number we had was what 250, I think it was, and now it's it's mm. closer higher, to but, but but it, it's Maybe definitely a bigger number. I thought it was like yeah. three something, but but yeah. um, but it's definitely grown. Yeah, this so, this really isn't up to Tesla though, Farzad. Like w- w- what happens here? This is up to the accountants and the CPAs that do all the accounting to decide. That's fair. Right, and they are well. The product isn't complete. Account. The product isn't yeah. complete. So, is it there? There was one thing Ross said that I want to riff riff from. So, if we go to um, if we go to uh, slide seven, and you look at the uh, total production for Q four uh, four thirty nine, which we knew about already. So, if if you times that, so if if Tesla were to do the fourth quarter production four times in twenty twenty three, that's one point seven five eight million cars in twenty twenty three. <laughs> to hit 1.8, all they had to do was improve production rate by 3%. So I kind of like where Ross is that's head by is at design. with like, yeah, right? That's by design. Yeah. I've spent so many times sending them emails about lowering expectations. It's like, it's like they shoot themselves in the foot by telling people what they think they can do. And so I think it's real prudent. I think they could do 500,000 cars in Q1. So clearly that number is low. And so... You know, I, I actually am happy about that. Gordon can have his moment on TV saying, ah, oh, they're not growing. See, you know, Who? but then they're going to beat and beat and beat. GLG, you know, we we had him on uh, Twitter Spaces this morning again. You know, the forever yeah. uh, angry and upset Gordon that technology and EVs are taking over the world and his oil buddies are, are paying him a lot of money for nothing. But, but that said, um, Tesla has the horrible job of managing expectations so the better they get at it the better it is for all of us and so i'm once again i'm happy with that number i see how they get the two million vehicles and and hopefully that's what they'll hit mm. agree it's definitely set up for them to do that yeah um yeah, well, what, what else? They made 450 thousand last quarter like it's yeah. not getting harder to make cars it's getting easier right so like if you just extrapolate out next year you know I don't think Austin's only going to do 250,000 cars throughout the whole year, you know, so they're up to that now. So production will continue to ramp and, and, you know, you start doing the math and you say, Oh, you know, I like the low expectations. Do we think all the bad news is now baked into the story with this earnings report being out? Or do you, do you think Q1 could still uh, be a, be a little bit curve on the road? Like, and I don't want to say Q1 smooth is sailing always from a disaster here. for Tesla guys, you know, Q1 is like always, just a tough quarter for Tesla. It just always has been. They throw all you know, the baby out with the bathwater usually in Q1. So, you know, I don't know how this all looks with the math, with the price cuts and the volume increase and such. Um, but, you know, I think Q1 is going to be messy and, and we'll hear more about it hopefully in the call. But I think as a long-term investor, I'm just looking at 23 and, I, and it looks like a great year. So I'm not yeah. too worried about, you know, this quarter. <clears throat> I just yeah. think with 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 this with this report that seems to be received sort of, you know, like, OK, like nothing crazy. Very, like so far, again, this is a preamble to what's going to be potential fireworks in about uh, 45 minutes here. <laughs> Tip yeah, for totally. Boober Mama only. No Farzi. Thank you. No problem. That's for her. A <laughs> glass of wine when I see her. We on, got 10 uh, bucks. Uh, what, I where love are you getting a glass of wine yeah. for 10 bucks in uh, Mendocino? <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get her some uh, some box wine. Thank yeah. you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you very much for that super chat. Um, I just feel like with, with, um, it might be too early now to call it, but this, you got the investor day coming up March 1st. 
Um, and then it seems like we were talking about this before you came on, Ross. Like in the letter itself, if we go once again to what was the page where they were saying uh, on certain times, Yash, what the hell was that page? It was uh, an Outlook page, I think it was. On certain yeah, times. Yeah, if you go to Outlook, yeah, it's, Outlook under cash. Uh, page. They say it a few times. Yeah, they say it yeah. a few times throughout the whole report. If you go to page 12. 12, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway. Outlook, yeah. We have <clears throat> sufficient liquidity to fund our product roadmap, long-term capacity expansion plans, and other expenses. Furthermore, we will manage the business such that we maintain a strong balance sheet during this uncertain period. And and the one thing that we were discussing was like you have that verbiage, but at the same time you're given like a like a hard guidance of 1.8 million cars, which implies we just got an 8F. We just got an 8F filing at uh, 8K filing, and I think oh. it's for a credit agreement for five billion. Uh, let me just continue. I'll read it. Yeah, and uh, so. I, I yeah, they, they, I mean, that's for, that. for the factory. That's probably for the factory. The they, they definitely have enough cash. Like the uncertain period part that you're talking about is, again, Elon saying, don't get too excited about buybacks just yet. We want to make sure that we're good this year, maybe it's halfway prudent. through the year. It's going to happen, though. But yeah, exactly. L yeah. Listen, nobody, the Fed has a long term history of overdoing it and causing a recession. I mean, it's 75% of the time. And this Fed is as dumb as all the Fed people I've ever seen. So, I think it's very I'm not shy about Tesla. that on Twitter either. <laughs> no, I, I am so frustrated, you know, with the fact that we have gone through so much as a nation with COVID and the economy and such. And to see people who had just gotten their feet back and working again, now losing their jobs, um, real estate going down, you know, all the things that the Fed's manufacturing, you know, inflation is, is gone. There's no more inflation. And and so the Fed's done its job. And, and so the, these next heights, hikes are really just like about saving face. The stock market, the bond market tells the Fed what to do. It's been telling the Fed what to do for two years. And the two-year Treasury is, you know, 4.25, where exactly where the Fed is. And that's where they should be instead of creating an even bigger inversion of the yield curve. So, so businesses have to be prudent when you have a runaway Fed. And hopefully somebody's going to check Powell and say, you've done enough. Bank of Canada said that today. We've done enough. Um, Bank of Japan, same. We've done enough. It's much better to err on the side of growth than the side of recession. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And and a little inflation never killed anybody. Okay, so it's like this whole idea that we have to have this more bound economy with no inflation and no growth is really, you know, really narrow minded thinking. And and so I I, I think that. For Tesla and, and what we see from our clients in in the economy is actually still a very strong underlying economy. We still see it, but it's like costs have gone down. If the Fed stops here, we've got actually a really good potential environment moving forward. And then Tesla might actually be in a much better position by the middle of the year than anybody suspect. But I don't trust the Fed being prudent here. Well, yeah, they just... pretty much said that they're going to they would rather put us into a recession than not. I mean, they, they pretty much right. said that flat out. So Right. They want they want it. They, look, I'm just going to be straight with people. They are the biggest cause of wealth inequality in America. And, and there's no better way to get employees, especially lower end employees, get them fired, um, stop wage growth. Um, that's exactly why they are raising rates is really because the average American is starting to do too well. And they call that inflation. But that's actually wage growth. 
And the inflation that we saw was because of energy and because of the war and all these factors that, that and, and printing tons of money that they also did. And so it's like, it seems weird to like force people out of jobs, you know, make homes unaffordable as a way to deal with the high price of gasoline and, you know, gasoline prices are back down. And so the Fed should be done. But, you know, <clears throat> I just don't think the academics who run the Fed really talk to like average Americans on a daily basis like I do. Okay, let me address this quickly. So, yes, it is a five billion unsecured revolving credit pact. It is uh, it can be stacked up to seven billion. Now, you may ask yourself, why would somebody who has twenty two billion in the in in the charters wants to have question. another five to seven? Uh, my best guess, and I mean, come on, jump on me all, is it, it's for buyback. It is to give them the possibility if they do a buyback to not touch the the rest of the the money that is allocated to uh, gigafactories or whatever. Um, it is currently unused. It's in three currencies usable at a very at, at variable rate. Uh, so it can be in dollar or in pound sterling or in euros. And it has a very, very, very tiny margin, which shows that actually yeah. I've always said that Tesla has today in the in the credit swap um, industry already a AAA rating, despite of what these two stupid credit ag agencies are doing. So they only have to pay 0.10%, so 10 basis point over the standard range uh, to, to pull it. They are not pulling it now. It is a credit facility. They can pull it at any day. They can stack it up from five to seven billion. So um, that may be the first door to um, the buybacks. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Yeah, I think it's what more for the, the factories personally. They yeah. have so much money, Russ. I guess yeah, the, that's my, true. Why would they? Why would they use that for buybacks? Why would they take well, because, out credit to buy back? Yeah, like why would they? Because go that's that's an arbitrage. Too high. But that, no, yeah. no. I mean, you you don't think that the stock is gonna not go up five percent? It's much easier no, no, to opportunistically. You got to look at it go from ahead. an earnings yield perspective. You know, you're talking about a stock that trades at thirty or forty times earnings, so its earnings yield is more like two to three percent. So if they borrow at seven to ten percent, I don't know what their rate is, but you know that's just a loser. It's variable so, rate plus zero one, so it's it's five yeah. percent or whatever. It that that's not the way to look at it. But um, go ahead. I mean, well, like, yeah, but I'm just saying it's like it would it would be a negative arbitrage. Assuming the stock would just go up because of buybacks, that I think is a false assumption. Many of the buybacks that most companies do are actually at higher prices than the stocks end up at. So. You know, it's a little bit of a risk buying back your stock. Also, this is this is this is an open line of credit, right? So they don't if yes. they don't use it, then 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 it it's nothing anything. burger. Yeah. So right, I think it, right. I, I think that's, that's yeah, right. Like maybe it's the, like, like a recession thing. It's exactly. It's recession, just a war chest without having to you know look at your cash pile, and that's the only thing you got because that's like really having a have credit card you don't use. And actually, yeah, exactly. we advise people to do this all the time. It's like you should have several credit cards that you just don't use that have credit. Mm -hmm. And, it, and there's a lot of wisdom to that. Now, also, it helps your credit score, actually, um, to have open credit that you don't use. Exactly. So I think it's a prudent move. And, and, and once again, this also could portend to maybe some more Gigafactory announcements. And they just want to make sure they have the, the credit mm -hmm. and cash to rapidly expand. So that could be part of it, too. Yep. All of it, for sure. Yeah. Is that... Sorry, could I ask a quick question? This is maybe my, my small finance brain. Page four. Um, if we go under the 
operating margin, and I guess down to like the the, the mm-hmm. net income, if that foreign exchange impact of one point four billion, if so, if do do we assume that's not going to happen in Q one? Is that how we're thinking about that? Yes. Or, well, so so far, yeah. Would that so be far, for so sure that not. would that be an additional one point four? That wouldn't that that should be now in Q1. That wasn't in Q4. Is that a good no, way of thinking about it? No, that's a full year. No, that was the full year impact. And so, if you want to do just a quarter impact, it was oh, the 1.4 was full year. Okay, got it. I got it. Got it. Got it. But okay. but I think the important thing is something that's been a headwind to earnings and and such. It will not be there anymore. It's turning gotcha. exactly. Yeah, yeah. turned. Would that Has fall? Turned. That would fall directly for to a lot the bottom of line. Actually, for a lot yes, of bottom line only. Actually. Bottom yeah. line only, right? Yeah. So just yeah, be like an, an additional one point four. It's after okay. operating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with the one point eight guidance personally. It, this might take a like it might be a two or three day long news cycle with Tesla lowering expectations and all this stuff. But after this is over, the year is kind of like it execution is set on the stage for Tesla here because one point eight. If you ask any Tesla bull, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Tesla should definitely hit the over on that this year." Oh, for sure, right. For sure. And mm-hmm. if you're telling that to the street, they're going to listen to you. They have to, right? So, you know, I think that's great. 1.8. It might suck for a yeah, year. Yeah, I two. mean, once again, I've been hoping they'd do this for a long time, which is set expectations low and mm-hmm. things they can beat so that all these people like Gordon don't have the field days that they have on Elon every time something is missed. And and I think that's the biggest ammunition the bears have is that, oh, he lies, you know, and I've been fighting these bears all week last week. And I listen to everything from Jim Chanos to Gordon to everybody. I listen to everything these guys say because I'm waiting for like a real legit argument, you know. And what I really found is that they don't actually know the product that well at all. And they don't actually – the premise of their basic belief is they don't like Elon and they think he's full of crap. And after all these years of delivering, you'd think they learn, you know. <laughs> I mean, if anybody – you don't want to bet against is Elon Musk. And mm. it's still that same denial that Elon's an innovator of our time. There's no doubt in my mind. He's dedicated his life to building huge, important companies. And Tesla is a masterpiece for fighting climate. And so, you know, I think for most people, the short term, you know, we can fight all day over earnings or, or cash flow or, or expenses or price cuts. But when you start thinking about, five years from now. And I was talking about this because I'm old enough now that five years seems like it goes by really, really fast. And I, and I try to like slow down time, you know, because it's like, you know, you have this perception, your life's just moving faster and faster, the older you get. So for me, when I think about five years, I, I, it's like, that'll be tomorrow. You know, that's like, it's happening so fast. So like, I don't extrapolate out like, Oh, what's 2023. I started thinking about five years from now, and nobody can picture what this company will be because it's massive. This is the only way I look at it. It's, it's massive. And so I think for investors, this is a pivot point for Tesla from sort of stage one now into stage two as a company, this trillion dollar company, which it should be or above, um, really has this great opportunity over the next five years. And, and you know, we know that EVs are going to be mass adopted and so with solar and other alternative energies so it's exciting i think these are a good report and the more boring it is the better in a lot of ways real quick i do want to say that since that announcement came out it looks like the stock is up two percent in after hours since Mm -hmm. that uh credit line announcement i just want to give you guys a heads up yeah you know i i have to say i i've been doing this with elon for a long time and 
you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people have been, you know, sort of don't get why I've been critical of him, but I think people have to understand, I've said this to Omar, you know, you have two types of friends. You have friends that just say you're great all the time. And then you have friends who are like trying to help you be better at what you do or whatever. And, you know, I support Elon hundred percent, but I don't think he's a perfect person. And, and I think that we all can improve from getting advice and, and he does listen actually. Um, and many of the, and then the conversation we had on spaces, I, I felt like he listened. And, and so he, I think he's very aware of what people want from him. And I think over time we'll look back on these moments and be, you know, it's sort of like it, we're, we're a part of something that's going to be massive over the next, you know, five years. Yeah. It's exciting. The, the one thing that's very encouraging to me is I, I agree. I think in the last call it since the last four weeks, ever since his car got attacked almost, remember when, when that crazy person yeah. jumped on his car? There's been a very drastic change, I I, I feel, and I could be 100% wrong, it's like super subjective, but like the, there's been some sort of tone shift. Plus, you know, the Tesla community has been very vocal, you've been vocal, yeah. you know, well, I think with, I with think valid, valid feedback. Sorry. Yeah. No, please, go ahead. No, I think he was listening to us like on that Twitter spaces, like he jumped in on Twitter spaces, like, you know, obviously he's a busy guy. He, he definitely gave us the time to talk, gave me the time to talk, which I super appreciate. And after that, I tweeted, I, I felt so much more confident with what was going on. And I was really happy you spent the time to talk to us, you know, and, and, you know, that's the way I feel now. And I do think it was a turning point where I think he's listening. I think the messaging at Tesla has gotten much better. Um, they're, they're listening. They need to define themselves as a brand. And I think also Elon is also, realizing, you know, hey, you know, I've got all these businesses and I got to make sure that I treat them all sort of this with love so that, you know, all my fans and, and people who really believe in him don't get hurt in this process. And many have been temporarily and and hopefully we'll recover value over the next couple of years. And and this will be a blip in the in the chart, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're coming up on uh, 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Uh, the call should start here in about half an hour. Don't go anywhere. We're going to cover the call as well. We'll do a post-call reaction as well. I did leg day today, and I have a standing desk, but I did bring a chair. I brought a chair <laughs> so I can sit for a little bit. Thank God. My ass well, is so, I, I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I've got lots of, of fun killing to do tonight, and I'm my energy level is like kind of weird right now. Um, so COVID, I've, I've got uh, – <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I've got CNN and I got CNBC World tonight. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that's also important is the messaging around the world about Tesla. It's actually amazing how many international fans Tesla has across the world. True. And the potential for this brand globally is unlimited. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's another part of the story that we often don't talk about is all the countries that have never even gotten a Tesla yet. You know, I have friends in Australia, they want Teslas so bad, you know, it's like, when are they coming? My friends in, in Thailand, when are they coming? And there are some Teslas there. Um, but boy, we're just at the beginning of a massive shift in the way we do things. And, and that's why I think it's so important for investors to really focus on the long term, to dollar cost average invest in, you know, stocks, but also in a diversified portfolios and things like that. You know, lots of good fund managers like me and Gary that, you know, want to own Tesla, but also diversify your portfolio. And then you have, you know, a real opportunity to see the upside of growth of what I consider one of the greatest technological booms we're about to see between AI and full self-driving and electric vehicles and this convergence 
Um, wow, you know, so it's an exciting time, but this is the technology that's really going to shape our next decade. Yeah. And I think yeah. investors should be very aware of this. Couldn't agree with mm. you more, for sure. Mm. Um, Nico, you were going to say something earlier. So I thank you guys for having off. me, by, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for, of course. for having me. And, and yeah, Ross, thank you for making the time. Even, I hope you, you know, feel our, better our, soon. Yeah, I hope you feel I mean, better. I, I don't feel that bad. You know, my partner's sick. My business partner's sick. I, I really just hope my, my family doesn't get sick. They were all sick. Like, mm. I came home, they all had colds. You know, but you do I'm understand, like, Ross. You jinxed it, right? Last week on your on your I shareholder call, you were like two years. years. I don't get I'm it. Two, Everybody I gets it. For two years. You know, listen. <laughs> I Just did, do fifty push-ups, Ross. Fifty push-ups, bro. I literally was okay. diving in the COVID <laughs> pool this weekend. So you know, honestly, you know, I was due. So nevertheless. Um, Thank you for your concern, and hopefully uh, this is the worst of it. I'm just a little tired. You'll be but, fine. Um, yeah, you'll you're be fine. a young, yeah. strong man. You'll be fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a young, strong man. Thank you, Alexandra. That's why I love <laughs> you so much. Yeah, I was giving it to you there. <laughs> I tested positive, and I was like, this can't be right. So I tested again. I was like, oh, I'm positive again. I got 17 interviews. I got a full day. I don't know. I'm, I feel very fortunate right now, so hopefully this is the worst of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, but we really appreciate well, you. I love you. Hopefully, I'll make. Love you too, brother. You know, we love you too, and yeah. you're gonna keep yeah, us feel updated. No, don't yeah, worry, Edwin. Yeah. I'm not getting a room with Ross. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will. I'm all alone now. You know? No, 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 no. Take care, Ross. <laughs> all right. Take Thanks, care. brother. See ya. Take care. Thank you very bye much. Bye. bye. Um, Nico, you were you were saying something. Sorry. Did, did, was there something you wanted to say? I, I just you were saying something, and then I interrupted you or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anymore, but um, okay. it, it's it's. I'll just yeah. Sorry, I I was like going through the the deck and everything because there's always like little things that change subtly that you, like you pick up on like days later. Um, yeah. But I was just listening to CNBC to see how what their perception. Philibo, like I can't stand the guy. Um, <laughs> what but, is he saying? Uh, he's just it's just like the spit. I feel like he's a smart guy, but. And he's been following Tesla for so long. And you would think he would eventually like stop saying things that are just, I don't want to say FUD because what he says, it's not wrong on the surface, but the way he says, it's always like, I'm so skeptical of every single thing to do with Tesla. But like now they're talking about the 1.8 million. And his message is clearly Tesla showing that they're guiding for under 40% growth in 2023. And it's like, that is such a twist on what what's actually been forecasted. Mm. You, you know, it's like it's just listening to this. It's just isn't that true though? It's factually comical. speaking, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like it's true. He's not wrong, but the way he's saying it is as if it's spending it. I, I, it's well, it's the spin. I think it's like a. I think it's a. It's an attempt to be unbiased, but I think it's what's what ends up happening is that what. I think I think this whole thing is a symptom of Tesla set a uh, a target a couple of years ago by engineers who are very factually driven from the time they say number that's the number and then uh, human emotions and human how people just perceive things kind of like evolves over time no, a little but, but, bit a little on, bit let me interrupt you here because because I'm gonna push back hard on that that's not an attempt to be unbiased an attempt to be unbiased would be Hey, look, if you look at it from 2022 to 2023, sure, it looks like they're going to be under 40%. But what they've guided since 2020 has been this. And essentially, they're reiterating this. That okay, would be unbiased. Let me, that would be let factual. Me, 
let me be devil's advocate. Now, um, I think Tesla did a really poor job at explaining what these 50% meant, plus helped those that interpreted this on a constant 50% flip, right? That every year the basis changed to the most recent basis, plus 50%. In the last earnings call in in October, when Zach had these just under fifty percent this and 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 at fifty percent that, right? So I, I think that what we really need, and maybe we get it today, is what did this fifty percent mean? Was that the line from five hundred thousand to twenty million, a straight yeah. line up, and then effectively the one point eight for twenty twenty three are exactly where we should be? Okay. Or are we talking about the 1.3, how much was it? 1.39 of, um, of 2022, which now should have 50% more for this year, which obviously is not realistic because that would mean 2.1 million. And then when you hear 1.8, you feel it would be bad. So I'm, I'm just taking both both sides of it. I'm, again, I'm, I think 1.8 is, is actually good and sandbagging. I think that there's going to be more. But it is really up to Tesla to once and for all qualify how they mean it. You can't wiggle around this all the time saying, okay, this is a long-term goal. And then in the same call say, well, this year 50% is really 50% from last year. Say it, give it, give us once and for all, give the market what you what you thought it is. Then 1.8 is the right number and nobody will be disappointed. But if you leave it um, this soft space, they will use it. Of course, they will use it all the time. It's kind of like if you leave something like, up for interpretation, they're always going to take the opposite side in a way. If they're exactly. not like, the, and they always the will. Story. Yeah, but I feel like they've been very specific on this. Like I think they've been very clear on it. It's it has. They've never said every single year we're going to do fifty percent compared to the previous year. They've never said well, that. They've not even remotely. And well, it, Zach did. Zach did in the October call. Zach's projection for uh, 50% in production and slightly under 50% was really based on last year to this year. It wasn't to 2020 to 2030. I, I agree. And I think, I think that was the one big mistake that we've seen. And I feel like he just misspoke. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think it was just, a, a I wouldn't mistake. even. Honestly, Nico, I wouldn't even worry about it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But what what matters is that Tesla sets expectations to where they can knock it out of the park. Number one, expectations for EPS this year are already really low, relatively speaking, as a Tesla bull. Yeah. And at the end of the day, execution talks, everything else walks. So it might be a couple of narrative stories for the next couple of days, like I said. But I mean, who cares if Tesla can't beat the 1.8? They don't deserve our credit for for them to beat that 1.8. Show us that you can do it. Get to, you know, get to over a million by the middle of the year, and then we're like, hey, like this is in the bag, right? They have um, a chance yeah. to like put it to bed yeah. in Q1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 1.8 in one quarter. <laughs> no, and like, you're I mean, right like the run is, rate. Yeah, I know, exactly. I know. And and, and yeah. where they're right. Page 26 on the graph now very clearly says it. the base is 2020, right? So let's just all, you see that on the bottom when you page 26, uh, when, when you pop it up. Screen. No problem. Um, so it says on there in blue, 50% CAGR since 2020, right? That's the point. So we just all have to make clear that everybody hears it out there, that this is the base now. This will make a straight line from 2020 to 2030. And again, if you look at 2023, that is 1.8. That's it. There is This is not below or above. This is yeah. just the point. 
Well, they're, they're going to do that. They're obviously going to do that this quarter, right? I mean, this is this yeah. is. It sounds like that that's where they're going to put their foot in the sand. I think. I think the most important part of this whole conversation that's getting lost, though, and again, this is not related to the stock, but it's related to the strength of the business, is that even if it's one point six, even if they come in at one point six, what's the rest of the car industry going to do this year? It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. It's not going to look good. So within that yeah. context, any sort of growth. And I think like even yeah. for me, that's somebody that's a bull that's like that wants the two million number that wants them to really blow everything out of uh, out of like just blow everything out, out of the water in a landscape where the industry that they're entering is going to probably shrink again this year because of higher interest rates and just a general slowdown hmm. in the economy. You okay. still have a company that's growing. Who cares if it's 40 percent still going to grow? And what are the what, what does that imply from a perspective of like price earnings if, if they're growing uh, to 1.8 million? I'm going to sit down and do some math, actually. What does that yeah. mean for like future earnings? Right. It's like at current pricing, it's probably like what, 30 P.E. or something like that. You know, so d does a 30 P.E. make sense for a company that grew 30, 40 percent year over year who has Cybertruck launch now and ramping, who's got a compact car they're going to be unveiling in about two, uh, two months time, a month and a half. The story's starting to turn for me a little bit, right, from that standpoint. So um, at least from the last few weeks. And I think that's the one thing that's sticking out to me is that even even within all this, no, like not really noise, but like these legitimate concerns, the, the next uh, stage of the company, I think, is not even rooted in that 1.4 or 1.5. It's like this longer drawn out picture that's about to sort of take hold, you know. And I know you guys have been saying this, too. I just I just think it's a, it's sort of that's what my mind keeps going back to. Yeah. Weird. May I ask something organizational? Is it in about 20 minutes that we have the, 20 minutes. the call? Okay, perfect. Yep. Would you mind that we look together at those pictures, page 14 and, and onwards? Because uh, first of all, I find they're beautiful and they uh, it's all good talking about numbers. And I think that's a good way of getting into the mood uh, for yeah. exactly. Yeah. Giga Nevada yeah. looks so sexy. <laughs> and Berlin, come on. Berlin looks great. I love this. I don't know whether this is particularly German, but you see that first wall on the left, this very green, black, and yeah. whatever. I mean, they're just sick, right? All of that. Who does that? It's beautiful. A robot. A robot did that. Oh, you mean like in general? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's absolutely beautiful. I took you too literal. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. And I, I always I, try to look. Go ahead. Yes, I, sure. I, I, I want to ask you guys all one question. Uh, simple for this earnings call. What's the one major thing you're keeping uh, an or, or uh, keeping an eye out for this quarter's call? It could be forty six eighty. Could be well guidance we kind of got. Maybe guidance on margin. Like what is that one thing that you guys are you guys are uh, looking out for? Mm. I'll start. You know that. I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll uh, for me, I, I think it's, I want to hear Drew Baglino talk about 4680 and how the ramp is going to go. Uh, not how it's gone, I think we all know, but how it's going to go and where he sees it by the middle of this year. Um, that's my big one. Okay. Me, you know that I want a boring course. I, I wish they just, you know, everything is, is, is easy, easy. I was actually wondering... Do you think there is a chance they bring uh, Tom Chu on the call? Ooh, March that's an 1st? interesting. Surprise. That's interesting. I mean, I they might even that. have him at this call because they have other they have other executives on yeah. the earnings call, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't boycott my question, though, guys. I want to hear it. <laughs> Two dollars. 
Thanks. I get one <laughs> sip out of Alexandra's wine cup. Just kidding. Thank you, you so don't. much. You don't. You <laughs> don't. It's all hers. <laughs> uh, for me, I really do think, I think with the price cuts that happened uh, in the last couple, like in the last week or so, I'm really curious to hear if if they're going to give us any hints about what where they expect margins to fall under this new pricing. So like help us understand how to think about uh, Tesla's margin in 2023 with a much lower uh, ASP relative to last year. And how are your economies of scale going to help you? Like, like, are you expecting it to be similar margins or are you expecting it to be lower margins or higher margins? Forget FSD. If I can get some context there, I think it's going to be helpful for me to, uh, to think about that a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, that's my answer. Alexandra? Well, I, I already said, I think it's it's going to be a boring call, but maybe Tom Chu is Tom Chu is going to be there. Um, I, I actually, I, I mean, obviously, I would like to know the energy ramp and all that, but it's too little at the moment to really read much into the tea leaves, right? So okay. um, I, I was not excited for today, and I don't think this is going to be a major mover. Okay. Oh, hey, hey, Matt, how's Mr. Going? Energy, yeah, Matt. Mr. Energy. Uh, <laughs> Which is uh, ironic, given that I don't sleep with the kids. <laughs> Sleeping with the kids, oh. I worded that wrong. <laughs> I, I want. Can, can you all can please pull up please. slide? Can you all please put up slide sixteen well, and ask Matt what this is? Because I really is that what the the mega packs look inside? Oh, sorry, we didn't ask Nick yet for what he's well, interested. I, I want to hear Nick. Yeah, and yeah. well, my first comment is Matt just trumped what Yashi said earlier. <laughs> So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> I didn't think that could be possible. Uh, I'll, I'll just quickly say, uh, oh, I'll cheat. The one thing is I want to understand the whole FSD take rate because they said 400,000 people now have it, but they stopped telling us the take rate or the amount of people. So I thought that was interesting. But uh, hmm. I, I want to know more about what Elon and the team are seeing for the economy because I, I, I'm with Alexandra. I, I, I think without a doubt, you could speak a recession into fruition. I mean, I've seen it everywhere. Everyone's cutting costs. Everyone's slowing down. You saw Microsoft. I think Microsoft is a telltale sign. And then that's from the software side, right? But then you also see, it, to hear what Elon and Tesla and them have to say, I, it just, I don't know. I, that's what I really want to understand is what they're seeing, how how they're interpreting all of this. And I think that that could be a good guidance for, for everything, for the entire economy. Okay. Matt, the question is, uh, what's the one major thing you're, keeping an eye on for this earnings call and then give us your thoughts too on what you thought from the deck yeah so I, i'm hoping they they give some guidance uh specifically around energy and the ira um i mean this is something that we've had a really hard time uh, as a community just trying to wrap our heads around i mean there's so many different provisions there's all these tax credits some of them are direct pay uh and then there's the introduction of the uh, corporate alternative minimum tax which could potentially like mitigate or eliminate all of the benefits of, of uh, this entire kind of ira uh, tax benefit scheme but it's it's really meaningful i mean i put, I put out a, a tweet earlier today that the, just the credits alone uh whenever they scale up to 100 gigawatt hours at this uh uh, of this new um, Giga Nevada plant that they were talking about, the credits alone are worth about $5 billion, which is more than the mm -hmm. CapEx of the plant. So you're talking about like a one-year payback potentially, which is just mm -hmm. mind-boggling. That's without you know taking into account any of the margin from the actual products that they're selling. So it's such mm -hmm. an important uh, item to the financials 
and the company has been silent on it so far. I mean, this is probably the right venue to talk about it, uh, but I would, I, they're not going to do this. I'd love like a 20 minute, like nerding deep dive into like all the different provisions or something like that. Um, but absent that, at least some sort of guidance on what they expect, you know, the material changes to be going forward. Cause uh, it's, it's a meaningful amount of money. And, and I don't think anybody frankly has their head around it yet. Matt, since you know that industry, si since you know that industry so well, would you mind commenting on that page sixteen? Is if that is how you imagine the inside of the uh, of the mega packs to look like? I mean, I know you you went there and you, yeah, so I didn't get to go I mean, inside the the, the facility, mm -hmm. obviously, but um, I mean, yeah, that looks about like what you would expect, I think. Um, you know, it's it's pretty clear those are the the CATL battery packs. It looks like so they're essentially just putting them into that that huge frame. Um, I'm not sure exactly where the inverters are. There's obviously like the cooling um, situation up top. Um, yeah. But I mean, this looks very similar similar to a lot of other you know kind of um, energy cabinets that I've I've opened up in my days. Um, but this this just happens to be a lot of batteries all all jammed together. So. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm not an, an expert on the, the hardware and from an engineering standpoint, but um, it's it's not surprising. And, I mean, it's so the, simple. That's what's that's what's so exciting. Exactly, exactly. And the back of the the factory, meaning what what's behind the mega pack, that that you know, it doesn't look optimized at all. It looks like a big workshop where they now have the doors or whatever they're going to put in front of those. Is that how you imagined the inside when you when you were there last week? Hmm. Well, I, I got to say, my biggest takeaway in terms of what surprised me is just how small this site is. Um, I don't have the um, you know square footage or anything like that uh, uh, off the top of my head, but this is not a gigafactory. I mean, you've got yeah. gigafactory Nevada pumping out 37 gigawatt hours, I think, and they're doing 40 gigawatt hours here. But it's just because they're they're kind of taking these these third party cells, jamming them all together, and um, you know, adding on the exactly. cooling, all the different components and then shipping them out. So it's, it really is like, I think there's frankly less to optimize there than, than maybe there would be if, if, if this is something that you're kind of building from the raw materials in one side of the plant, finished product out the other. This is like a very different product than that. So um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's a weird site. It doesn't really uh, fit with any of other, any of Tesla's other kind of you know, manufacturing facilities in, in my mm. view. So yeah, it's a weird one. Okay. Got that. Because I mean, I, I'm just sitting there, you know, wondering, I'm like, that's, I mean, and we all saw that video a couple of weeks ago, right. Where it looked so automized. And then I see that I'm like, well, maybe that's just the well, last, the last step. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, a, like with a car, what you're, you're pumping one out every, what is it, 60 seconds, 120 seconds, now. something 40. like that. Well, no, that's across all plants, right? So, yeah. But that's so, like, if you were to just say that the Shanghai, how often are they, they pumping one of those out? Let's just call it once every minute or something like this. They're pumping mm -hmm. one of these out, which is roughly the same size as a car, maybe a little bit bigger, uh, every hour. So, I, I think mm -hmm. the benefits that you'd squeeze out from, um, you know, really shaving every, you know, dime out of the, the yeah. you know, manufacturing process is a little bit smaller just because the ASP is so much higher. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the, than a car. So um, it, it, to me, it does kind of make sense that this would be a little bit more of a, a kind of boutique process. This is kind of how I imagine they're assembling semis right now, right? Like that's not an optimized process. Um, exactly. you know, I, I'm sure with the, the new Giga Nevada plant where they're actually making the cells in-house, 
some of them for stationary storage, I'm sure some of like that process is going to look way different uh, than this mega pack process. Um, and, and I'm sure the margins will be better there too. Yeah, I think what's interesting about Tesla is like just they're very, they're very good at um, taking a rinky-dink place and having to crank out crazy amounts of production or whatever. So when I when I was there, the the facility that we had it was distribution. It's a hundred thirty thousand square foot facility, but we were doing probably I don't know three times the volume to a compared like a, like a, like if you take just a standard building that would do the same thing. We were a lot more efficient. So even if it looks like a like a mess in the background, that eventually will turn into something that's going to be significantly quicker. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not surprised at all seeing that, like especially because you know they just started the facility, and in a couple of years that's going to look completely different. Um, just, I just wanted to throw that out there. there. There was one thing I wanted to ask you, Matt. What what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the of the report? What, what's what's your sort of prevailing thought mm -hmm. here? Uh, and and just FYI yeah, for I the mean... audience, the call was started. Sorry, Matt. The call will start in eight minutes and then we'll be covering that. And then we'll also have a post call coverage as well. Sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I think pretty uneventful. Um, you know, there wasn't any huge surprise there. Uh, it was, it was certainly a lot lower than the kind of, uh, optimistic numbers that I'd been modeling. So my takeaway personally is just that I need to, you know, go back and, and figure out what I got wrong in my own model. Um, but in terms of, of wall street's expectations, you. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't anything, you know, that, that really stuck out. I mean, a couple things just off the top of my head, you saw uh, roughly $200 million of gross margin on energy. That was really nice to see. You're essentially doubling that gross margin quarter over quarter. Services was profitable again, which I didn't think they would be. So uh, it does give a little bit of um, credibility, I think, to to the long-term profitability and, and, you know, cash flow prospects of some other parts of the business, which have historically just been 100% ignored by every Wall Street analyst. So that's, uh, you know, some stuff that was good on the positive side. Um, if I were to, to put on my, you know, critique hat, so like what the, what's a, what's a, you know, bear or someone who's going to pick this apart going to say, uh, it would probably be some stuff on quality of earnings. So you had, uh, I forget the exact number, but something in the or, order of $300 million of FSD revenue, which was deferred, which is included in the adjusted EPS. So that's boosting EPS. And then your credits uh, were... Uh, abnormally high to about 150 million higher than, than they normally are. So, you know, you've got combined somewhere around $500 million of, um, of a boost. And then the tax rate, the effective tax rate was also on the, on the low end. So a couple things that, you know, if you want to be a bear and, and back those out, you can say, okay, adjusted EPS should have been uh, a bit lower than, than that. And it's actually a, you know, it's a, it's a miss when you, when you make those adjustments. So, uh, you, but uh, to what I said at the beginning, there's something for everybody in this report. A lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff that's, you know, maybe not uh, super exciting. Uh, and the one thing personally, I think I'm probably most disappointed on is the is the guide of 1.8 million units. I don't know if you guys talk about that already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, what are yeah, your thoughts? So that, I'm hoping they're just sandbagging a little because I mean, their installed capacity that they list in there is, is 1.9. Uh, and they've built up a lot of inventory more than they've ever had before. So maybe, I mean, then that's probably the prudent thing to do is just say, you know, 1.8 in a weak economy. And then if they hit it, great, they've met their targets. And if they deliver 1.9 or two, uh, then great. That's, that's, uh, they can, they can claim victory on that. So, uh, but I am hoping it's just sandbagging and that's not the actual target. Yeah. That's kind of the conclusion we came to is like, if you just take Q4, uh, 
they're like like you said like the install capacity is right there and so they the and they have that chart on page 26 where they went back to 2020 did a 50 percent kgar on top of that and they arrived to the 1.8 million roughly for 2023 so i think it, it sounds like it's also like a resetting of expectations as well so that you know the 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 narrative doesn't get ahead of them uh yash you um you shared a tweet let me pull it up real quick and the call yep. will start in five minutes just give, give everybody a heads up we will be covering the call um uh live and then we'll also uh just give a shout out so i, I this is probably one of the um uh bigger streams here covering this event so i really want to uh, thank everybody for joining us today we were at i think 5300 concurrent at one point at least on my channel and i don't Huge. know how you guys were doing on yours but amazing thank you all so much for joining us i hope we're uh we're giving you valuable uh informative info um go ahead yash go ahead and read us uh through this tweet here yeah i thought this this tweet was really insightful from forward cap about tesla being one of the fastest growing companies at history at this scale because a lot of people talk about okay well you can grow from 100 million to 300 million 3x of course you can have continue that growth rate but if you look at the other mega caps here at these uh, and it's revenue in billions of dollars on the on the y-axis and years on the on the x-axis and you'll see tesla is outpacing facebook apple amazon google microsoft in the years that they grew at these revenues and of course it makes sense i mean apple is selling or sorry did i say apple i meant i meant to say amazon uh google microsoft you know obviously these guys are not selling fifty thousand dollar products so Tesla does have an advantage there with revenue, but to grow revenues at these levels in these, let's say close to hundred billion dollars now a year, um, it's it's quite the feat. Uh, it's, you know, what we're seeing going on here. This is an insane chart to me because Facebook software, Apple software plus phones, Amazon distribution plus software with AWS, Google software, Microsoft software, right? Tesla, large-scale manufacturing. <laughs> Typically, you don't see these kind of growth rates for a large-scale manufacturer because it's extremely difficult to manufacture things because it, it involves a lot of humans, it involves a lot of capital, and it involves a lot of processes and machinery and things that can go wrong. Um, that's wild. And I'm, I'm glad that somebody's sort of picking up on this. I'm curious if this will ever you know, get attention on like a place like CNBC or something, but um, that's wild. That's actually kind of freaking crazy. So Tesla's already at 81 billion uh, yearly. And next year, if they grow, say, 40%, I mean, it's not, not a one-to-one. -one. So next year, they'll be a what? A $130 billion, no, $115 billion company, roughly. 81 times one point, call it three. 105, can't do math. 105 to 110. So they're going to breach $100 billion in revenue next year. Yep. Exciting stuff. Yeah. All right, let me go ahead and pull up the... Yeah, I think it might call. be time almost. A couple minutes yeah. here. Be careful with the copyright music they play on this thing. It's like usually some sort oh, of yeah, techno techno mm -hmm. dance thing or whatever. <laughs> one time I was okay. streaming, someone told me to pull up the app the Apple uh Apple earnings call before the Tesla one, and the whole stream got copyrighted because of the, the five second oh, techno music. God. So YouTube. So Elon is gonna be on this call, is assumption, right? Oh I think so. Uh, yeah. Do you want us to stay here or shall we come back at the end? Uh, please stay. I mean, feel free to, to stay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, I'm going to take notes as the call goes on. Um, and I'm going to have it on my screen, but yeah, please stay. You can stay. You can just have your thing. I'm just going to keep this, uh, the okay. audio in the background. I'll be taking my notes as we go along. Uh, and then I'll share a, a document as well. 
but I'm going to keep my ears open for this. This shouldn't have any echo. All I ask is that once this goes live, just um, uh, mute your mic so we don't have echo. And then once the call is done, we'll, we'll do a recap and see okay. what uh, people thought. Yeah. All right. And I have the music on in my background just to make sure uh, once it come on, we can uh, listen. Now, I, I, I don't want you to pull up any pictures anymore, but those that have the, the report there, is 19 slide 19 the the nevada factory is that how it looks now or is that after the expansion slide after 19. the expansion the after the expansion yeah after. Expansion. so you see yeah. so you see that came out as a press release this morning and it's already in there that's why what really gives me this comfort that this was all nicely timed yeah got to be careful re looking into these renders too closely <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Someone will inevitably start looking at the parking lot and counting the cars to calculate capacity or something. <laughs> and the drone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember on the, in the okay. original render of Nevada, there were supposed to be wind turbines and stuff installed, and they obviously never did that. They've mm -hmm. been really late with solar, yeah. too. So, you know, it'll never look exactly the same. Yeah. Just going to go ahead and uh, share the link to the notes. How am I going to do this here? Let's see. I'm going to do it like this. I would just do it after. For everyone, you mean? So people people like to kind of like follow along. Uh, notes for Q4 call. You could put it on your, uh, you can just tab it because your audio is still going to be on, right? Like you don't need to yep. share. There's no, you know, the, like we're in 2023. Can they not do video earnings calls now and to like show us their expressions of you know, when they're laughing at certain statements or something or questions, like, what are we doing? We're just listening I think to it's audio. For, I think it's for legal liability. I think there is a, a reason to do it as crappy and as uh, basic <laughs> as possible. I, I tell you, I really do believe so. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what could be done via video that would... Yeah, but it would give way so much more, right? Interactions, whatever. You can mute a mic and nobody knows about it. While uh, on camera, you can do much less. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. Even like you talk with the analysts when they ask questions, half the time they're muted. They can't figure it out. Like, what are we doing, guys? It's 2023. Let's figure this thing out. It's kind of like they're all living at Matt's uh, apartment with his Starlink internet. <laughs> Lack of Starlink, you mean? You know that I'm actually doing it today, Starlink as well. Our Cox line was down this morning. Thank heavens, I have a Starlink on the on the roof, and uh, oh. here I am. Yeah, and it's good, right? It's it's really you don't feel any lag or any slow motion, right? Oh, good. For those that are just joining us, thank you very much. Uh, we're just waiting for the uh, earnings call to start. It should start here any second. Just listening to the music, and once the music stops, I'm gonna go ahead and boost the volume so all of all of us can listen to the call together. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I don't I don't know if this one's gonna be that. I mean, it's after the after the after hours and the report. Um, if it's a boring report, boy, are we? I think everybody's gonna be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the first everybody's sentence be about be Tesla very... bot. Elon just like yeah. I want to dedicate this call towards the Tesla bot. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, I or, really do uh, think I should be spending more time on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys remember like where you were when you heard Elon say, boring boneheaded questions will not be tolerated or whatever that, that one time? Yes, I was working. <laughs> I, was, I was at Tesla I was working. Just, oh, wow. <laughs> I, think I was driving and I was just like, I got nervous. I was like, oh man, this is... <laughs> was that to Tony? Uh, I, I don't remember who it was. Was it Ryan Brinkman maybe? I don't know. I don't so, think that yeah, I, was, on the calls anymore. I was on a ship in the middle of the ocean. 
<laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Well, in the middle of the Gulf of Gulf Mexico. That's dedication. You're on a ship. You're listening to a Tesla earnings call. Well, I, I called in from a satellite phone, too. Oh, wow. Here we go. Crazy. All right. We're live. Yeah, please mute. James says it was. My name is Martin Vieca, VP of Investor Relations, and I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Zachary Kirkhorn, and a number of other executives. Our Q4 results were announced at about 3 p.m. Central Time in the update that we published at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the question and answer portion of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please use the raise hand button to join the question queue. But before we jump into Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Uh, thank you, Martin. So uh, 22, just going through a 2022 uh, recap, um, it was a fantastic year for Tesla. Um, it was our best year ever um, on every level. Uh, team did an amazing job. Uh, it's an honor, of course, to work with such such a, an incredibly talented group of people. Um, so in 2022, we delivered over 1.3 million cars um, and achieved a 17% operating margin, the highest among uh, any volume car maker. I think maybe among any car maker. Um, we, while doing so, we generated $12.5 billion in net income and $7.5 billion in free cash flow. Uh, Importantly, the Tesla team achieved these records while 20, despite the fact that 2022 was an incredibly challenging year due to forced shutdowns, um, very high interest rates, and many delivery challenges. So, it's you know it's worth noting that you know all these records were in the face of massive difficulties. Um, a credit to the a credit to the team for achieving that. Um, the most common question we've been getting. For investors is about demand. Uh, thus far, <clears throat> so, so so I want to put that uh, concern to rest. Uh, thus far in January, we've we've seen the strongest orders year to date than than ever in our history. Um, we, we we currently are seeing orders at almost twice the rate of production. So I mean that that it's hard to say whether that will continue twice the rate of production, but the orders are are high and um, and we've actually raised the model at Y price a little bit in response to that. So uh, we do not, we, we, we think demand will be good despite probably a contraction in the uh, automo automotive market as a whole. Um, so uh, basically price really matters. Um, I think there's just a vast number of people that want to buy a Tesla car but can't afford it. And, and so these price changes really make a difference um, for the average consumer. It's, it's sometimes, um, you know, for those, for people who are well, you know, have a lot of money, they, they sort of forget about how important affordability is. Um, and it has always been our goal at Tesla to make cars that are affordable to as many people as possible. So I'm glad that we're able to do so. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think it's a good thing, uh, all things considered. Um, we're, we're also um, making very good progress on cost control, um, and uh, we're seeing the the costs uh, 
production in Berlin and Austin uh, drop commensurate with the growth in, in production, um, so as, as you'd expect. So, um, yeah. Uh, with respect to autopilot, as of now, uh, we deployed full self-driving beta uh, to uh, in, on four city streets um, to roughly 400,000 customers in North America. This is a huge milestone for autonomy as FSD beta is the only way any consumer can actually test the latest, latest AI-powered autonomy. And we're currently at about 100 million miles of, of FSD outside of highways. And our published data shows that improvement in state in safety in safety statistics statistics is very clear. So we would not have released the FSD beta if these safety statistics were not excellent. Regarding batteries, production rate of 4680 cells reached 1,000 cars a week at the end of last year. And we're increasing capacity for 4680 cells by another 100 gigawatt hours, as announced uh, at Giga Nevada yesterday. Um, our long-term goal is to get to uh, well in excess of 1,000 gigawatt hours of cells produced internally um, and continue to use um, uh, other cell, cell providers. So to be clear, um, we, we will con continue to use other cell providers, just that the demand for uh, lithium-ion batteries uh, is quasi infinite or and will be for quite some time. So we feel we can uh, scale a lot faster um, using both suppliers and internally produced uh, cells. Um, <clears throat> and we've, we've got a, an amazing plan for making the 4680 cell um, low cost and, and uh, high energy density. So um, energy storage also see, saw record growth and we, that, that is continuing to accelerate. Um, that's always worth remembering that the, the, the three pillars of a sustainable energy future are um, obviously uh, uh, electric vehicles, um, uh, solar and wind, uh, and then the third key item is stationary storage to store the energy from solar and wind because obviously the sun doesn't shine all the time and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So, if you have those three things, you can uh, you can convert all of Earth to a fully sustainable situation. Uh, many times over, actually. So, um, I would like to just you know make it clear that there, there is a path to a fully sustainable future for humanity, and we our goal at Tesla is to accelerate progress on that path as much as humanly possible. So um, yeah, so we were obviously ramping up mega pack production, um, and uh, we, we expect to, it to grow at a rate um, quite a bit faster than our vehicle uh, output. Um, so, in conclusion, we are taking a view that we want to keep making and selling as many cars as we can. Uh, we believe we can keep pushing for strong volume growth while retaining the industry's best operating margins. As we mentioned many times before, we want to be the best manufacturer. Um, but really, manufacturing technology will be our, our most important long-term strength. So, uh, and we'll talk more about our upcoming plans at the March 1st Investor Day. 
And, and lastly, I want to once again thank all of our employees for delivering another record-breaking year. Congratulations, guys. Thanks, Elon. And I think Zach has some opening remarks as well. Yeah, thanks, Martin. So as Elon mentioned, 2022 was a terrific year for Tesla. I also want to congratulate the Tesla team and also say a thank you to our suppliers for your support uh, during quite a volatile year. On a full year basis, revenue increased over 50%, operating income doubled, free cash flows increased over 50%, and our margins remained industry leading. Additionally, we continue to make progress on overhead efficiencies as non-GAAP OPEX as a percentage of revenue improved further. For Q4 specifically, sequential and annual margin was impacted by ASP reductions as we were managing through COVID impacts in China, uncertainty around the consumer tax credit in the US, and a rising interest rate environment. Note that in 2022, rising interest rates alone had effectively increased the price of our cars in the US by nearly 10%. Additionally, COGS per unit has increased on a year-over-year -year basis, driven primarily by three factors. First is raw materials and inflation led by lithium prices and discussed at length in previous calls. Second, we are working through the early ramp of inefficiencies of our Austin and Berlin and in-house cell production factories. Third, our vehicle mix over the last year has moved more heavily towards Model Y, which carries a slight cost premium to Model 3. Partially offsetting these impacts, we've continued to execute on Tesla controllable cost reductions in line with the progress we've made in prior years. These improvements include our continued work to gradually move towards a regionally balanced build of vehicles. The energy business had its strongest year yet across all metrics, led by steady improvement in both retail and commercial storage. While much work remains to grow this business and improve cost, we believe we are on a good trajectory. As we look towards 2023, we're moving forward aggressively, leveraging our strength and cost. There are three key points I wanted to make here. First, on demand, as Elon mentioned, customer interest in our products remains high. Second, on cost reduction, we're holding steady on our plans to rapidly increase volume while improving overhead efficiency, which is the most effective method to retain strength in our operating margins. In particular, we're accelerating improvements in our new factories in Austin, Berlin, and in-house cells, where inefficiencies are the highest. But we are attacking every other area of cost and unwinding cost increases created from multiple years of COVID-related instability. This includes logistics, expedites, accumulation of material buffers, part premiums, productivity, and overheads, as an example. As the world transitions from an inflationary to deflationary environment, we expect a strong partnership with our suppliers on this journey as well. In net, we've priced our products with a view towards a longer term cost structure. Thus, there will be an impact on operating margin in the near term. However, we believe our margins will remain healthy and industry leading over the course of the year. Third, we are continuing to ensure funding is prioritized for our long term roadmap. This includes expanding in-house cell production, bringing Cybertruck to market, development of our next generation vehicle platform, expansion of our manufacturing footprint, and growth of the energy business. We're looking forward to discussing these plans in more detail on our Investor Day in a month. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, let's now go to investor questions. The first question is, some analysts are claiming that Tesla orders net of cancellations came in at a rate less than half of production in the fourth quarter. This has raised demand concerns. Can you elaborate uh, on order trends so far this year and how they uh, compare to current production rates? 
Um, I think, I think we, we've already answered that question. Yes, um, exactly. The, the demand far exceeds production. Um, and uh, we actually are um, making some, some small price uh, increases as a result. Thank you. Uh, the second question is in a similar vein. Uh, what is the initial reaction been to global price reductions in early uh, 1Q 2023, specifically in terms of order intake levels? We've answered that one as uh -huh. well. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to the next one. Uh, the next um, investor question is, will Tesla be able to take full advantage of advanced manufacturing production credits for battery cells packs? So $3,700 per long range Model 3 and Model Y, it's $45 a kilowatt hour. Uh, for autos and energy products, and how much does Tesla expect to earn in the coming year from these credits? Um, I'll, I'll say a little bit about it then. I think Zach Ward will add some. Um, Long term, we expect these uh, uh, the value of these credits to be very significant. Um, you can do the math if we were to get anywhere near a thousand gigawatt hours a year of production, or even a few hundred uh, gigawatt hours. Um, it's, um, it's 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 very significant. So, um, but but the, the the credits do rely upon um, domestic manufacturing, um, and. You know, in the case of Panasonic with domestic manufacturing, we're, you know, splitting the, the value of the credits. Um, so uh, it will, the, the value of the credits this year will, will not be uh, gigantic, but I think it could be gigantic in the future. We think it probably will be very significant in the future. Yeah, just to add and, um, and put some uh, boundaries on what we're expecting in terms of impact to Tesla for this year. Uh, you know, so different products we think will get different amounts of credit. You know, the, the regulations here are still in flux and there continues to be updates. So this is just our best understanding at the moment. But, you know, we think on the order of 150 million to 250 million per quarter this year and growing over the course of the year as our, as our volumes grow. And, you know, part of the part of the work we're doing here, which is a part of what this uh, incentive package is, is trying to incentivize uh, is, is, as Elon mentioned, to move more manufacturing onshore in the United States, uh, which is Tesla's plans anyways. And so I, I think we're pretty well positioned over the coming years to take advantage of this. But then also, you know, part of what the goal of, of this incentive package is, is to improve adoption from our customers. And so we also want to use these incentives to improve affordability as we think about you know, what the price points are on our products going forward. Um, and so as we were thinking about our pricing changes in the US a couple of weeks ago that we announced, you know, we were looking at um, you know, what the credit benefit to Tesla would be uh, to make sure that customers are able to, to receive the benefit not only from this that we're receiving to some extent, but also on the consumer facing side, which is currently 7,500 per car of tax credit assuming that, um, you know, subject to the MSRP caps and the income caps. So, you know, we want to use this to, to accelerate sustainable energy, um, which is our mission and also the goal of this bill. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question from investors um, is, after recent price cuts, analysts release expectations that Tesla automotive gross margin, excluding leasing and credits, will drop below 20%, an average selling price around 47,000 across all models. Where do you see average selling price and gross margins after the price cuts? 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll jump in on this. Um, so, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty about how the year will unfold, but I'll share what's in our current forecast for the moment. So, you know, based upon these metrics here, we believe that we'll be above, you know, both of the metrics that are stated in the question. So 20% automotive gross margin, excluding leases and red credits, and then 47K ASP across all models. And so, you know, two other comments I want to make on this, just tactically on sequential ASP changes from Q4 to Q1. Um, and just as a reminder, you know, the, the ASP reduction is, is not as large as the reduction in configurator prices. As in Q4, we had backlog customers that were delivering cars to at a lower price book, given that um, backlogs had been so long for so much of 2022. But then also there are various programs in place that we used in Q4 that lowered ASPs. Um, uh, what, the second comment I wanted to make here is that, you know, as a management team here, we're most focused on uh, on what our operating margin is. And so, you know, as other areas of the business become more important, particularly the energy business, which is growing faster than the vehicle business, um, and as we're heavily focused on operating leverage here, improving efficiency of our overheads, uh, we think the right the right metric for us to be focused on is operating margin. And so I, I wanted to make sure that I shared that with the investor community as well, because that is what we're primarily managing to now. Yes, <clears throat> um, something that I, um, I think some of the smart uh, retail investors understand, but I, but I think a lot of others uh, maybe don't, is that the um, every, every time we sell a car, it has the ability um, just from just from up, uploading software to have um, full self-driving enabled, and the full self-driving is obviously getting uh, better very rapidly. Um, so um, that's that's actually a tremendous but, uh, upside potential because all of those cars, with, with a few exceptions, I mean, only only a small percentage of cars don't have hardware three. So that means that there's millions of cars where full self-driving. Uh, can be sold at, at essentially uh, 100% gross margin, um, and and the value of it of FSD grows um, as it as the autonomous capability grows, and then when it becomes fully autonomous, that that is a value increase in the fleet. That might be the biggest asset value increase of anything in history. Yeah. Thank you. Let's go to the next investor question. Uh, since Elon started political influencing, polls from Morning Consult and YouGov show Tesla brand favorability declining in 2022 and uh, division among parties and lines. Such brand damage can impact demand. Does Tesla track favorability and how will any brand damage be mitigated? Well, let, let, me, let me check my Twitter account. Um, Okay, so I've got 127 million followers. Um, it continues to grow very rapidly. Um, that suggests that I'm, you know, reasonably popular. Um, I might not be popular by some people, but for the vast majority of people, my follow account speaks for itself. Um, I, I'm the most interactive account, uh, social media account, I think, maybe in the world, um, certainly on Twitter. Uh, and that uh, actually predated the Twitter acquisition. So um, I think Twitter is actually an incredibly powerful tool.
tool for driving demand for Tesla. And I would really encourage <coughs> companies out there of all kinds, uh, automotive or otherwise, to make um, more, more use of Twitter um, and to, to use their Twitter accounts in ways that are interesting and informative, uh, entertaining, and it will help them drive sales just as it has with, with Tesla. Um, so um, the, the net value of Twitter, uh, apart from you know, a few people are you know, complaining, um, is gigantic, obviously. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, please provide a detailed explanation of where you are on the 4680 ramp, what are the current roadblocks, and when do you expect to scale to 10,000 vehicles a year, uh, a week? Yeah. <clears throat> thanks, Martin. Uh, first, I just want to say congrats and thanks to the Tesla 4680 team for achieving uh, 1K a week in Q4. Uh, it was no small feat, uh, definitely a result of, you know, um, more than a couple of years of hard work. Um, as far as where we stand in Texas, one of four lines are in production with the remaining three in stages of commissioning and install. Um, really our 2023 goal as a 4680 team is to deliver a cost-effective ramp of 4680s well ahead of Cybertruck. Uh, focus areas are dialing in and improving the quality of the high volume supplied mechanical parts and driving factory process yields up as much as possible. Uh, between the two of those things, if we achieve uh, those those key goals, uh, we'll be well set up to uh, for a major 4680 year in 2024. Thank you. Uh, next investor question is, Elon said previously that FSD hardware 4 will most likely come first in Cybertruck. Is that still the current plan? Do you expect there to be an upgrade path for hardware three cars to hardware four? Um, yeah, Cybertruck will have the hardware four. <clears throat> And um, um, you know, for 2023, Cybertruck will not be, you know, a, really, a significant contributor <clears throat> um, to the bottom line. But but it will be in uh, next year. Um, so it's an incredible product. Uh, I can't <clears throat> I can't wait to drive it personally. It will be the car that I drive uh, every day. Actually, just I'm wearing the T-shirt with the smashed glass. Um, um, and um, it's just it's just one of those products that only comes along once in a while, and it's really special. So, um, yeah. So, with respect to upgrading cars on, that have hardware three, I, I don't think that will be needed. Um, hardware three will not be as as good as hardware four, but I'm confident that hardware three will so far exceed the average the safety of the average human. So what we're aiming for is like, well, how do we get ultimately to, you know, let's say for argument's sake, if um, hardware three can be say two or three hundred percent safer than human, hardware four might be, you know, five or six hundred percent. There will be a hardware five beyond that. Um, but um, what what really matters is is are we improving the uh, average safety on the road? Um, so. Uh, but, but, but it is, it is um, the cost and difficulty of retrofitting hardware three with hardware four um, is, 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 quite, is quite significant. So it, it would not be, I think, uh, economically feasible to do so. Thank you. Uh, the next question is for Zach. Uh, Zach, when do you think Tesla insurance will become big enough revenue source 
to warrant providing more details in the financials of the business so investors can compare it to other insurance companies? Yeah, um, I think it's probably going to take some time before this business is large enough for specific financial disclosures. Um, but I, I'm happy to provide an update on where we stand in the business. So we're currently at a, a $300 million annual premium run rate as of the end of last year. Uh, we're growing 20% a quarter, so it's growing faster than um, uh, the growth in our, our vehicle business. And in the states in which we're operating, uh, on average, 17% of the customers in those states are using a Tesla insurance product. So, and that, and that number continues to take up as we spend more time in markets. Uh, and we see most of the adoption occurring when folks take delivery of a new car as they're setting up insurance for the first time, as opposed to going back and switching when they already have insurance set up. So there's an, an inherent stickiness in the insurance business. Um, but Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just as a broader reminder on kind of the motivation for starting this business, uh, it was to improve and still is to improve the total cost of ownership of our cars, given that we're seeing high premiums of insurance from third party companies. And, and that remains our priority here. You know, we'll obviously run this as a healthy business, um, but we want to make sure we keep our costs low and insurance stays affordable to our customers. Yeah, and so there, there are two. Um really uh, important side benefits for Tesla insurance that are worth mentioning, one of which uh, Zach alluded to, which is that um, just by Tesla offering uh, insurance uh, for our cars at a competitive rate, um, that makes the other car insurance companies uh, offer better rates for Teslas. So it has a, a bigger effect than you think because it improves uh, total cost ownership or insurance costs even when they don't use Tesla insurance because now uh, you know, the, the Geico's of the world have to compete with, with Tesla and cannot uh, charge outrageous insurance for Teslas. <laughs> so it's great. So, so it has a, an amplified effect, very important. The, then it, it is also giving us a good feedback loop into minimizing the cost of repair of Teslas for all Teslas worldwide. Um, because we, we obviously want to minimize the cost of repairing a, a Tesla um, if it's in a, in a collision. and um, for, for Tesla insurance, and previously we didn't actually have a good insight into that because the, the other insurance companies would cover the cost, and actually the costs in some cases were um, unreasonably high. Um, so we've actually adjusted the design of the car um, and made uh, changes in the software of the car to um, minimize the cost of repair. I obviously minimize, the, first, the, the best repair is no repair, avoid the accident uh, entirely. Uh, which, um, since every Tesla comes with the most advanced active safety uh, in the world, uh, whether or not you buy full self-driving, you, you, you still get uh, the intelligence of full self-driving for um, active safety, uh, active collision uh, prevention. Um, so it's giving us this really good feedback loop for, again, reducing cost, total cost of ownership um, and uh, also just um, Figuring out how to get if, if somebody's car is in a in an accident. Most accidents are actually small. They're like you know a broken fender or scratched side of the car or something like that. They're not uh, that's the vast majority of accidents. Um, but um, we, we're, we're actually uh, solving how to get somebody's car repaired very quickly and efficiently and back in their hands. And and like I said, those those improvements actually apply then 
um, to all cars, and um, and and we're we're making um, uh, just to emphasize another key point because some of these points might be lost. So I apologize for being repetitive, but um, uh, it's, it's remarkable how small changes in design of the bumper. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and improving of the, obviously improving the logistics of spare parts or providing uh, spare parts needed for collision repair have an enormous effect on the repair costs. Um, so if, if you're waiting for a part to get repaired and that part takes a month, now you've got a month of having to rent another car. It's very extremely expensive, and and of course you're missing the car that you love and want actually want to drive. So um, this this is a actually a very uh, significant uh, effect on total cost of ownership and, and customer happiness. Thank you. The next question from investors is, is Cybertruck production still on track for mid-year? Um, it, it, we, we, we do expect production to start um, you know, I don't know, maybe sometime this summer, but it's, I always like try to downplay the start of production because the start of production is always very slow. Um, uh, but it, it increases exponentially, but it's always very slow at first. So I wouldn't put too much stock in start of production. It's kind of when, when does volume production actually happen? And that's that's next year. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's right, Elon. Like just to emphasize on that, we've started installation all the production equipment here in Giga, Texas. Um, castings, GA, uh, General Assembly, body shops. We built all our beta vehicles, some more coming still in the next months. But as you said, the ramp will really come 20, 2024. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And the last investor question is, uh, with near infinite global demand for energy storage, yeah, seriously. where should Tesla build the next megapack factories? How many are needed on each continent? It's a, it's a good question. It's not something we, I think, would, I think we'll provide an update about that in the future, but it's something we're thinking about very carefully. Um, really kind of like, what is the fastest path to a thousand gigawatt hours a year of production? Um, and um, you'll see announcements come out later this year and, and next um, that answer that question. Thank you. Okay, and now let's go to analyst questions. Uh, the first analyst question comes from Rod Latch from Wolf Research. Uh, Rod, feel free to unmute your mic. I think I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. Um, just, uh, firstly, it, it sounds like your um, 1.8 million unit volume indication for this year is somewhat more supply constrained and demand constrained. Um, then I have a follow-up on on cost. But is that oh. is that an accurate statement? <laughs> um, well, okay. I mean, our our internal production potential is actually closer to two million vehicles, but we, uh, you know, we're saying one point eight because I don't know. There just always seems to be some friggin' force majeure thing that happens somewhere on Earth, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we don't control if there's like earthquakes, tsunamis, wars, you know, pandemics, uh, etc. <laughs> so, um, if 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 it's, a, if it's a smooth year, actually, you know, without some big uh, supply chain interruption or massive problem, we actually have the potential to do two million cars this year. Um, 
we're not committing to that. But I'm just saying that's the potential. So, and and I think there's there would be demand for that too. Yeah, uh, just th thanks it. for clarifying that. Um, and on on the cost side, the numbers that we just saw from you, uh, as you pointed out, were weighed down by the the 46, uh, 4860 ramp, the Berlin, Austin, gigacastings processes not not at rate. Can can you give us a bit of an indication of the headwind that you're absorbing from those things, like you did last quarter? And then lastly, on on cost. Uh, do you think that we can tease out an interesting data point from uh, on where battery costs are headed from this um, announcement that you just made last night? If I'm uh, correct, it looks like um, the investment cost per kilowatt hour is less than half of what I've seen anywhere else, maybe maybe $30 a kilowatt hour uh, for that capacity. I don't think we want to say the specific number, but it's interesting if you look at the size of the, of, of Giga Nevada that is allocated to make 100 gigawatt hours is a small fraction of the size that currently makes about 35. Yeah, I mean, the the goals we outlaid at Battery Day on reducing the investment required to deploy cell manufacturing, I mean, that's been a, a key focus of ours and the team is doing a good job hitting hitting, hitting the marks on, the, on that focus. Yeah, and it goes back to the point I was making, and I, I, you know, I said this several years ago. I think tells us um, really that it's the competitive strength that will be by far the hardest for other companies to replicate is Tesla being just damn good at manufacturing and having the most advanced manufacturing technology in the world. Um, and if you've got that sort of advanced manufacturing toolbox, you can apply it to many things, and we're applying it now to battery cells. Um, I should also say that there. We have other products in development. We're not going to announce them, obviously, um, but, but they're ex very exciting. Um, and I think we'll blow, blow people's minds when you know when they when we reveal them. Uh, Tesla has the most exciting product roadmap of any company on earth by, by a long shot, and um, yeah, we'll you know we'll continue to I think be in that position. We, we, we got more great ideas than we know what to do with here. Um, so um, the future is very exciting. I, as I said in the last call, I, I you know, there's there's going to be bumps along the way, and and uh, you know, I think we'll probably have a, you know, pretty difficult recession this year. Probably, I hope not, but probably. Um, and so you you know, one can't predict the short-term sort of stock value because. Um, you know, when there's a recession and people panic in the stock market, then uh, you know, prices of stocks, both value of stocks, can can drop sometimes to surprisingly low levels. But long term, I am convinced that Tesla will be the most valuable company on earth. Uh, thank you. And I think Zach, there was a question on uh, cost headwind in in Q4. Yeah. Um... I mean, our, our weighted average cogs for the company, you know, if if you were to assume Austin and Berlin were at the cost structure of our other factories, it was on the order of 2,000 to 2,500 of headwinds. So I, I think from there you can back into margin impact of those factories as of end of Q4. 
Thank you very much. And let's go to the next question from Pierre Ferragu from New Street Research. Pierre, please go ahead. Thanks, Martin. Can you hear me well? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Zach, I, actually, I'd like to follow up on uh, the data point you just gave on cost. Uh, if I look back at the Cox per car, uh, you guys bottomed close to $36,000 in the middle of 2021. Uh, and then the number went up as you had to face with inflation in input cost and the ramp of Berlin and Texas. And this quarter, I think we are close to 40K and we picked maybe close to $42,000 at some point last year. And so my question from here is, how much time do you think it takes you to get back to this kind of 36K, which would mean, you know, Berlin and, um, and Texas and like the input cost, all that stuff is normalizing. Um, is that like, a, and that would be like a kind of like a 10% decline in the Cox per car. Is that something we, we can hope to see this year or is that too too optimistic? Um, you know, the Austin and Berlin ramp inefficiencies in 4680 will make a substantial amount of progress on that over the course of the year, and that's within Tesla's control. Um, we're doing a lot of work on cost reduction outside of that. And we talked about supply chain costs, expedites logistics, attacking everything. Um, you know, on the raw materials and inflation side, uh, where lithium is the large driver there, and this was a meaningful source of cost increase for us, you know, we'll have to see where lithium prices go. And, you know, we're not fully exposed to lithium prices, but I think in general is what we've seen from our forecast here. Um, cost per car of lithium in 2023 will be higher than 2022. So, you know, that's that's a headwind that would have to be overcome to return back to those levels. Um, so I don't think we'll get there this year, but I think we'll make progress. And we'll continue to find ways to offset these raw material costs that we don't have control over. And is there any anything on that? Yeah, like on the on the non-sales raw material, we begin to capture, you know, benefits of indexes uh, tapering off. But due to the length of various supply chains, it does take time before this is uh, reflected in our financials. And uh, while aluminum is down like 20% year over year, steel is about 30% down year over year. Um, the global non-sales raw materials market continues to be influenced by geopolitical situations in Europe, high production costs due to labor cost increases and energy spikes, and disruptions due to natural disasters like typhoon in Korea four months ago, pandemic lockdowns. So we believe that meaningful price uh, corrections will ultimately come, but it remains uncertain exactly when. In the meantime, uh, we continue to redesign supply chain to make it more efficient and work with our supplier partners to find more efficiencies, streamline logistics and transportation to reduce costs. Excellent, um, thank you. And I have a yeah, quick... Then, uh, sorry, you wanted to say something? <clears throat> I was just gonna say, um, we're also, you know, our fleet is starting to mature, uh, the, the 3Y fleet, and we're gathering a, a lot of data out of that fleet to understand how we can um, sort of bring some margin that we didn't know we had out of the product. So over the course of 2023 on the powertrain side, we're actually gonna go after sort of some materials where we're paying for more performance than we need, or we have more content than we need without impacting reliability at all. Uh, and and you know that, that will actually add up to a pretty significant cost reduction on the powertrain side over the course of 2023. So we're not we're not just sort of relying on Supply. We're also doing design actions to to bring cost up. 
Yeah, and my guess is if, if there is a if, if the recession is is um, a serious one, and I think it probably will be, but I hope it isn't. Um, that then it, that that would lead to meaningful decreases in um, almost all of our input costs. Um, so I would expect to see deflation in our input costs most likely, um, which would then lead to yeah um, better margin. I'm just guessing here, so this is but that 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 would be my I guess. Excellent. Thank thank you so much. So as a quick follow up, uh, Elon, um, I was thinking about like FSD, and when you look at like the situation today compared to a year ago, it's uh, like like the progress has been like amazing in the quality of the product, but also it's uh, it's rollout. And so I was wondering. How much is this like impacting the tech rate of FSD today? So do you already see that people are getting more excited by FSD because they see it around them on 400,000 cars and they see the, the value of the service already? Or is that too early to really see like a, to, to, to expect like a, an uptick in, in the tech rate? Um, the, the, the trend is very strong towards uh, use of FSD. Um, and uh, as you allude to, the with each incremental improvement, um, the enthusiasm obviously increases. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, I think something that still a lot of people out there don't quite appreciate is that Tesla. Would, I've always said like Tesla is much a software company as a hardware company, but but it, Tesla is really um, one of the world's leading AI companies. So this is uh, kind of a big deal, Not, both AI on the the software side and on the hardware side, you know, with with the the hardware three uh, inference computer, still still the most efficient inference computer in the in the world, despite you know being at this point uh, five years old from the design point, um, and with hardware four coming and then hardware five beyond that, with where there are significant leaps, um, and uh, the Dojo computer, we expect to. Um, Using that operationally at, at Tesla later this year, um, so uh, and and we're, we're seeing just a, a lot of world-class AI talent join the company. Um, there's also the the long-term potential of Optimus, where we're we're able to um, use our expertise in uh, uh, electric motors and. Uh, uh, power electronics, batteries, um, and, and advanced manufacturing to be able to make a, a humanoid robot that is actually useful and can be made at high volume with uh, with exceptional capabilities because of the uh, autopilot AI that you know where we take the because the, the car is like a robot on four wheels and the Optimus is a robot on legs, but the uh, as we Get closer and closer to solving real-world AI, and we don't see anyone even close to us in, in, in achieving this. Um, you know, the the the, the value. I, it's, I, I think you. I think you appreciate this, and a few others do, but um, most uh, don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's this. This is the the thing that you know has order of magnitude potential. Um, market cap uh, improvement for, te for Tesla. 
Thank you. And the next question comes from Alex Potter from Piper Sandler. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, great. Um, so, quick one on on FSD. This, I guess, for Zach. Obviously, you unlocked some uh, deferred revenue in the quarter that'll translate, presumably, into higher margins on every incremental sale going forward, so long as people opt in for FSD. But was wondering if you're able to disclose the percentage of the fifteen thousand dollar price. Uh, that you're not going to be able to recognize as revenue up front rather than deferred? Yeah, I mean, the way that we've structured this is a full self-driving package is two components. Um, there's enhanced autopilot, the price of which is listed on the website. We fully recognize that. Um, then there's an incremental, which is um, uh, for the additional features that full self-driving offers. And um, we've released a portion of that. And then there's a a minority of the total package that's remaining that will be released over time as software updates are there. And uh, um, you know, in our shareholder letter, in addition to disclosing the dollar amount of the deferred revenue release, uh, we also included in there the dollar value of the balance of unreleased deferred revenue um, that will be released over time with future software updates. Okay, um, great. And then Maybe one additional question here on the incremental capacity in Nevada, um, the 4680s that you're planning. It's a lot of batteries, obviously, and presumably you won't be putting all of those in Tesla Semi. So I guess two questions about the, that incremental capacity. First, uh, is it correct to assume that all of those 4680s are going to be more or less fungible and usable in your entire range of products? And if the answer is yes, then if you had to guess, how do you think that 100 gigawatt hours would be allocated between your various end markets? I don't know. This is a bit too much guessing at this point. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you're right. Not yeah. all of the 100 gigawatt hours are going to go into the semi trucks. That is correct. Right. We can. Let's say, like, we, we, you know, I alluded to, you know, a number of future products. Those future products would use the 4680. Thank you. Um, and the next question comes from George from Canaccord Research. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so you recently adjusted prices, and that may have put many of your competitors in the back foot. In addition to that, you know, capital markets have recently gotten a lot tougher. So with those factors in mind, I'm curious how you see the current competitive landscape changing over the next few years and who you see as your chief competitors you know, five years from now. Well, five years, five years is a long time. Um, um, you know, as, as with the um, Tesla Autopart AI team, uh, late, until late, late last night, um, and just we're just asking, I was just like, so who do we think is close to Tesla with for a general solution for self-driving? And and we still don't don't even know really who would even be a distant second. So yeah, we, we, it it really seems like we're. Um, I mean, you, I, I, right now I don't think you could see second place with a telescope. So, or at least we can't. Um, so, um, I don't, that won't last forever. So, in, in, in five years, I don't know. The, 
probably somebody who's figured it out. <laughs> um, I don't think it's any of the car companies that we're aware of. Um, but I, I, I'm just guessing that someone might figure it out eventually. Um, so, yeah. I mean, beyond that, Elon, like in the in the vehicle space, even though the market's shrinking, we're growing, and EVs have doubled almost year over year. So, like, it, it whoever keeps up with the 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 trend of EVs is is going to be a competitor. And you know, the Chinese are scary. We always say that. Um, but but like. You know, I, a lot of people always look at the you know, EV market share, but we always look at it as how much of the total vehicle space do we have, and we're just going to keep growing in that space. It's not, there's 95% for us to go get. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to say, like, uh, you know, um, I think um, we have a lot of respect for the car companies in China. They are the most competitive in the world. That is our experience, and the Chinese market is the most competitive. Um, they work the hardest, and they work the smartest. That's so a lot of respect for the China car companies that we're competing against. Um, and um, so if I, if I were to guess, there were probably some company out of China is the most likely, um, you know, to, to, to be second, you know, to Tesla. Um, and, but we, we are, uh, uh, the Tesla China, China team is winning in China. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, and I think we actually are able to attract the, the best talent in China. Uh, so, um, hopefully that continues. So, yeah, um, super fired up about the future and yeah, well, it's going to be great. Just as a follow-up, um, you know, the, the Inflation Reduction Act has created huge tax incentives for commercial vehicles. You mentioned an, an incredibly interesting product pipeline. Uh, are there uh, maybe some plans to accelerate commercial vehicle form factors outside of the Tesla Semi to help accelerate EV adoption? Well, I was basically saying that, yes, but I'm not going to give you details because this is uh, nice try, nice try. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, you know, we have to always look at like, what is the limiting factor for new vehicles? Because if, if, if the, you know, for the longest time, we've been constrained on uh, total cell, you know, lithium ion production output. Um, and so people said, like, why why not bring this other car to market or that other car to market? Well, it doesn't really help if all you're doing is shuffling around the, the, the batteries from one car to another. In fact, it hurts because you add complexity, but you don't add incremental volume. So it's it's sort of pointless. In fact, counter, like, it's counterproductive to, to add uh, model complexity uh, without solving the um, availability of lithium-ion batteries. So as we saw, as as we get uh, so we want we want a new product interrupt new product introduction to match where the cells are available for that new product to use those cells without cannibalizing the cells of the other cars. <laughs> that, that that's the actual limiting factor for new, new models, not anything else really. Thank you. Let's go to the next question. Uh, the next question comes from William Stein from Truist. Uh, great, thanks for taking my question. Elon, you started to answer this earlier, but I, I like to ask this question about the AI elements of your business and um, ask if you could comment on progress around uh, Dojo and um, Optimus and your anticipation for the likelihood, for example, for uh, 
for the company to disconnect the GPU cluster in favor of Dojo and to have some market achievement in Optimus. Yeah, I mean, obviously, with since we're still at the early stages, there are big error bars in any any predictions. Um, there's, you know, it's it's like easy. I think easy to predict the long term, but uh, hard to predict the time in between now and then. Um, uh, but it's what we think. Uh, Dojo will be competitive with um, the Nvidia H1 at the end of this year, and then hopefully uh, surpass it next year. Um, and um, the, the key there is is like I think I think the, is, is what's what's the energy usage required for a given amount of for, for if you're training um, you know a frame of video um, how uh, how you know what's the, what's the energy cost required to do that training um, and we we think probably. We, we, and we said this already actually at AI Day 2, so it's not new information, but we do see um, potential for an order of magnitude improvement uh, relative to GPU, um, what, what GPUs can do for Dojo, which is obviously very specialized for um, AI training. It's, it's hyper-specialized for AI training, so it's not, it's not, it wouldn't be great for other things, but it should be extremely good for AI training. So. Just like if you do an ASIC for something, it's going to be better than a CPU. Um, this is sort of, uh, in some ways, like a, like a giant ASIC. Um, and um, and we're able to, um, it, since we're operating one of the biggest GPU clusters in the world already, um, the you know we've got a good sense of how efficient uh, the GPU clusters operate and what needs to do in order to be competitive. Um, but we think that it does have a, a fundamental architectural advantage because because it's designed not not to be a, you know the GPU is trying to do many many things for many people. Um, they're trying to do uh, graphics, uh, video games, uh, it's, you know, um, doing crypto mining. Uh, it's, uh, it's doing a lot of things. Um, they're just doing one thing, and that is. Uh, Training, um, and we're also optimizing the low-level software to so it, at a very sort of bare metal level. Um, so it's just insanely good at uh, efficient training, um, and the intercommunication between the uh, Dojo mod modules is extremely high. Um, it's not you're not going across an Ethernet cable. It's like so. Anyway, the, the you know this. We see a path to an order of magnitude improvement uh, in the energy efficiency for per um, given unit of training, uh, but we also have to achieve that. And, and so, that when will it be achieved? It's hard to say, but uh, we, we do see a path to to get there. And and then also an inference, like once you've got the, something trained, um, well, if you want to have a product. Um, that's that's a consequence of that training, and that product may not be anything to do with cars. Uh, then uh, the efficiency of inference is extremely important, and we, so we also have by far the most efficient inference computer in uh, the with the um, 
FSD computer in the car. You know, this has potential for products that makes it aren't, aren't even really in automotive. Thank you. And William, do you have a follow up? Um, yeah, it, it sounds like the 1.8 million units you expect this year is um, supply, not demand limited supply. It sounds like by the lithium batteries. Um, if you were to become demand limited, can you talk to us about your propensity to use price um, and uh, you know, and your relatively high industry margins to to grow units and share? Yeah, yeah to be clear, the 1.8 million is not sales supply limited. That uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think. We, we, do, we did address that number earlier in the call, I don't know if you want to answer. Yeah, it's, 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 it's roughly, you know, a sales supply is roughly matched with with, with that. Um, and this, this, you know, 1.8 million cars, the, you know, if we get lucky, it could be more. Um, and then the, the the rest would go into stationary storage, the Powerwall and Megapack. Um, so, um, yeah, so we're true. Okay, let's have the final question from Adam Jonas. Hi, uh, Elon, uh, first question is, is it time for Tesla to significantly expand the captive FinCo? I mean, you only have like four and a half billion of these receivables. It's basically nothing compared to other big auto companies. Then I have a follow-up. Oh, Zach, maybe that's best Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way that we've been using uh, captive financing so far is to plug um, what we believe to be gaps in the market of existing third party products. And uh, so we have a couple of offerings in Europe. Uh, we do loans for energy business, retail energy business here in the US. Um, we do leasing and we do a small amount of US loans that are very targeted. Uh, and, and so we're, we're using captives to support market gaps, as I mentioned. So basically as a vehicle to support um, vehicle sales, uh, make sure customers have access. I, I do think there's opportunity here to continue to grow this. We are growing it slowly here. Uh, it is a consumer of cash, so we're being cautious on how we do that. But, you know, the, the plumbing is in place to, to do a lot more here. Uh, and, and I think we'll have to see how things unfold over the course of the year and, and make decisions real time as to how much we ramp it up versus ramp it back. I think if we see a severe recession this year, which like I said, hopefully we don't, um, in, in, in severe recessions, cash is king big time because it's mm -hmm. in such short, short supply. So we want to be cautious about um, using cash for loans and, and that sort of thing for, for cars. Um, you know, I feel we're in a very strong position um, to get through a recession because we really don't have any debt um, and we've got over $20 billion of cash, which is great. Um, actually, the, ca the cash is earning a ridiculous return, a good return. So it's like non-trivial in the interest rate is that it actually means the $20 billion is earning like quite a, a good, good amount. Um, so, um, and, and I've made this point uh, on Twitter a few times, and I'm sure a lot of people on this call understand the, you know, the, 
the, the, the, the basic uh, value of a security um, is a, fu a function of the risk-free rate, or we'll see how risk-free it really is, but the, uh, the TIPL rate. So if you've got, you know, I think the, if I recall correctly, the S&P 500 has a long-term rate of return of, of roughly 6%. And so I think the Fed needs to be very cautious about having uh, a Fed rate that uh, potentially exceeds uh, 6%. If you like, if if we see deflation, and I think we, I think we are seeing deflation, um, then you would add the deflation number to the the, the in quotes risk free rate from the Fed, and as that starts to exceed six percent, now you're starting to exceed the uh, long term return of the S and P five hundred, and it starts to become questionable as to why, uh, why why not just put your money in um, T bills or a savings account essentially uh, instead of um, in the S&P 500, uh, if the S&P 500 is, is variable and the, and the uh, bank interest rate is not, this is mm -hmm. so basically the, the, the Fed the Fed is at risk of crushing the value of all equities. This is <clears throat> quite a serious uh, danger. Thanks, Elon. And just just a follow up. Uh, I don't want to steal thunder from March March 1st down in Austin, but. Um, how close are we to that step change improvement in bomb cost where you could sell an EV for under 25 or 30,000 bucks and actually generate a profit that a kind of real moving assembly line moment in manufacturing. Again, don't want to steal the thunder, but just if you wanted to kind of wrap up with thoughts there, that'd be helpful. Oh, man. Thanks, Elon. I mean, I'd love to answer, you know, I, if I were you, I'd probably be asking the same question, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> we would be jumping the gun on future announcements. Fantastic. Thank you very much, everyone, for all your good questions. And we will see you again in three months' time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, well, well. Well done for the typing. Well done for Ooh. the typing. You were on a roll. Well, My hands are tired. It's, it's those uh, World of Warcraft fingers, man. Um, I mean, the last the last one, Adam Jonas, how naughty was that, right? Obviously, he knows something. And then, oh. Yeah, that was, uh, there's a lot to chew on there. I think the biggest thing we got in the first paragraph of, of, of the earnings call, and that was, we're not demand constrained. Demand is two times our current production year to date. We are the 1.8 is not supply uh, is not really us worrying about mm -hmm. that. We can hit two. That's 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 a big one. And then the 4680 answer I didn't love. But far as I want you go through what you wanted to go through. Yeah. No, I mean I I just I got to format this and make sure it's it's uh, digestible for people. So I mean you can if you want to if you want to keep riffing you can. Um, yeah, I mean you're sharing my, this. You're sharing this on Google Sheets. Is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna put it in the comments section. Make sure everybody has access to it. I'm gonna share it on Twitter. I mean, my th there was a lot here, y'all. There was a lot here. I thought. I mean, it was it was very um, um, it it I, I didn't I didn't really hear anything that would be construed as like too negative. There was one bit in here that they said they're still confident that they're gonna be above twenty percent margins and the ASP about forty seven thousand and that you know demand is not really a problem. And even in the case of a recession, they're still going to be able to grow the business to have a good cash balance. So they were really talking, like hyping up just how well positioned they are in the call. Was that the kind of vibe you guys were getting as well? I mean, and we can use this to kind of go down. It's up to you guys how you want to review it. But that was my takeaway. Um, what do you guys think? 
I mean, I, I don't yeah, I agree. Think... I mean, it was. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, honestly, I didn't find so much of new information. I like the details on insurance. Um, I like the details that they may start financing prudently. I love that one. Um, so the there were some rather minor but but new announcements. But obviously, the most exciting was Elon. Like, oh, we have so many other products. We we even have some that you know we won't be able to consider because we have so many of them. But there is a lot coming. And then this Adam Jonas thing saying, when will you get to the moment that you can produce an under $30,000 car and still make a profit? And then uh, Elon obviously telling him off for, for, for having said that. The other one moment that I, I really kept in, in the mind was that, yeah, we're signaling 1.8, but we're going for 2 million cars this year. Yeah. Completely when uh, he just sandbagged himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when like when he on sandbagged himself, he on bagged exactly. himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that were my big ones. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I already said my big ones. I think the the biggest thing is the demand. I mean, just point people back to specifically what management guided there around demand and it it being way higher than production. And then towards the end of saying we're not worried about batteries either. With that, with that two million, like that, you know, that's not really. Uh, I think they said that they said the forty six eighties are not going to be. I mean, just they just said battery. I'm going to have to go back and listen or read your notes, but that the batteries aren't going to be constraining them either. Uh, so I think those go hand in hand, and and that's all really I was looking for uh, this call. Okay, Matt. Yeah, I mean, all those same points. Um, the, the, just being the finance nerd that I am, though, I, I really liked the the kind of confirmation that the gross margin and the ASPs would be higher than than what they said. And I was actually surprised that Zach guided a little bit on the the credits. What was it, three hundred million per quarter, something like that? I forget yes. the, the exact amount. Let me pull this. Up. Um, so that was three. I did not expect him to give you know as much detail from their own internal forecast as they actually gave us here. Um. So yeah, okay. to find the it. operating margin above, I think it was 17% and the gross margins above 20. Uh, and, and the fact that they're just trying to optimize for operating margin. And even now when they're, you know, facing a little bit more, um, you know, financial stress than they faced in a while, he's still talking about kind of optimizing for operating leverage. I mean, operating leverage was like the buzzword in 2020. And it's nice that they're still actually focusing on that. Yeah, so 150 and, to 250 million. And 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 Matt, I think you you'd also uh, I think you also probably liked when Zach said uh, the headwinds from Berlin and Austin are about two and a half thousand dollars on on yeah. the cogs. Um, so that was nice. Trying to find that there was some yeah, somewhere sure. in, in the middle of the script. Um, should I should I quickly go through the notes here and then see if if there's any commentary that Please you guys do. want to provide us? Please yeah? do. Okay. And if you remember, because I, I didn't grab all the names, so it was Zach responding, it was Drew responding, but then there were also two other people, right? Did, did you know one of them was Karn? Were... Yeah. So one of them Who's was Karn, I believe. He's the he's the supply chain head. That's That was the org I okay. used to uh, um, uh, report to when I worked there. I believe. Okay. I believe that was Karn, but he's supply okay. chain. And then the other one, I think that was just three. It was, I think it was Drew, Zach, and Karn that were mostly responding to stuff, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, so let me go ahead and uh, recap. So fantastic here, more than 1.3 million cars, 17% operating margins, uh, 12.5 billion net income. I mean, a lot of this, we already, I think we already know 
we could probably skip a lot of this, which is just a recap of the deck that we're just kind of just want just want to add. He obviously had his notes because he was really sticking to it, and yes. I think that was very good of him. He could he could barely say statistical. <laughs> <laughs> there was one word he was stuck on. I remember that. That was uh, that was pretty funny to listen to. Um, it, it took him like ten seconds. It was it was no small <laughs> it did. struggle there. It was working hard. We've all been there. Yeah, let me. Yeah, for real. Uh, let's see what else. I said I sleep with yeah, my so kids. I think I'm so. just going to go into what. It's all good. Um, yeah. So Zach kind of had comments around um, progress on overhead efficiencies. So non-gap OPEC uh, OPEX improved. Sequential margin impacted by COVID and consumer price credits and rising interest rates. Um, the rising interest rates increased the price of cars, excuse me, <clears throat> by 10%. And the, the, the cost per unit, raw material inflation, in-house ramp of 4680 and shift has been going to Model Y, which I guess is the higher cost cars, some of the impacts that they had. Um, from a cost perspective, storage is growing, good trajectory to improve costs, uh, aggressively leveraging uh, costs to... Um, from a demand perspective, trying to cust uh, customer interest remains high, cost reduction holding steady on rap uh, rapidly increasing volume on improving overhead efficiency. Uh, they're moving from inflation to deflation. Strong partnerships with suppliers is important in this case <clears throat> to really make sure they capitalize on the shift. Uh, they're prioritizing funding of the expansion of in-house production, Cybertruck coming to market model two, which is call it the, the compact car. I, I call it the model two because I, I just needed something to type quickly. Manufacturing footprint, energy footprint, and then more an investor day three one. Um, before I go into questions, did you guys want to highlight anything from the sort of the preamble? Anything you guys wanted to say? No. Um, they started getting into good questions. Order trends, is there a problem? No, for, uh, demand far exceeds production. So that was kind of the comment that we saw. There was something Elon said actually specifically. Um, Thus far in January, strongest orders year to date than ever in our history. Orders almost 2x the rate of production at current pace. Raise Model Y price in response to this. Demand will be good despite probably contraction in auto market as a whole. Price really matters. Vast number of people that want to buy a Tesla card that can't afford it. Price changes really make a difference for average consumer. Affordability is very important. Always Tesla's goal to be affordable to as many people as possible. Elon is, Elon is glad this is the case. So, to, I mean, this is an open, I mean, he's said this already in the Twitter space, but it's basically like, y'all, we're, we're going to go for, for maximizing capacity here. So that was my biggest takeaway from that. So in my, my little envelope math is they can produce about 5,000 cars a day. And so they have orders of 10,000 cars a day. Is that how you interpret that? That's how I interpret that. Yeah. Okay. And it'll probably level off. You know, we'll probably come back down sure. yeah. at some point. And if it doesn't, then that's that's a whole different that's a whole okay. different chaotic scenario. Yeah. Um, let's see. So it was a question about demand, no problem. What is the initial reaction to price reductions? Good. Will Tesla be able to make take full advantage of the EV tax credits at $45 per kilowatt hour? So this was the one thing that Matt uh, wanted to know and Yasha, you brought up. Long-term expected value of these credits would be very significant anywhere near uh, 1,000 gigawatt hours of per year. It's a big number. So if you times that by the 45, you can see that's pretty large. Relies on domestic billion. manufacturing. Yep, very good. Good math. Uh, <laughs> relies on domestic manufacturing, splitting, with, splitting it with Panasonic. So the current domestic they have, they're splitting it with Panasonic, which is a bit of information I don't think we had before. Oh. I think that's new. Mm -hmm. um, value of credits in 2023 will not be gigantic, probably, but it probably will be in the future. Different products will get different amounts of credits. Regulations are still changing. 
but uh, for 2023, they're expecting somewhere between 150 to 250 million dollars per quarter of these credits impacting their bottom line, growing at year over year. So, like rec credits right now from the from selling cards is like what uh, somewhere between 250 to 450 per per quarter. So now you're going to layer on another 150 to 250. So. Yeah, and, and if I could just add, like, the pe people have been kind of excluding right credits. We always hear automotive gross margin excluding credits. You know, you assume that those are going to wind down eventually. That's always been the assumption for bulls and bears alike. This is the opposite. It's starting small, but it's going to get bigger over time. So hmm. ignore it at your own peril because it's a very real uh, benefit that will True. become more meaningful over time. Good point. Great point. Very, very good point. Working to move uh, more manufacturing onshore to the U.S. That was Tesla's plan anyway, and that's the incentive of the credits. Pretty well positioned to do this. Goal is to improve uh, adoption from customers as well. Want to improve affordability. They want consumers to get the benefit from the $7,500 tax credit, EV tax credit from the IRA, as well as the lower costs that they're looking to pass this on to consumers. Tesla wants to go as fast as humanly possible through prices and essentially lower the price, lower the cost so they can lower the price and get it, the Teslas into as many hands as humanly possible. Um, and then, okay, any any comments there before I go to the next one? No? Okay. After recent price cuts, analysts think uh, less than 20% margins, ASPs of about 47,000. Where do you see it? Zach says, lots of uncertainty how the year will unfold, but uh, above both uh, above on both of the metrics, so above 20% margin and above $47,000 ASP, ASP reduction is not as large as the price configurator prices. Uh, management team most focused on operating margin, so that should be a new way of kind of thinking about it. Don't think about it from a car perspective, but a whole operating margin perspective. As other areas of the business grow, like energy, and heavily focus on operating leverage, the right metric is operating margin, a sig which to me is signaling to bigger growth in the rest of the business. Uh, I think that's the kind of message I got from that statement. And Elon said, every time Tesla sells a car, it has the ability to, of generating software revenue, tremendous upside potential. Only small percentage of cars don't have hardware three. It can be sold at 100% gross margin. Value grows as autonomy capability grows. Biggest value asset increase of anything in history. Usual, usual Elon speak, LOL. <laughs> um, any comments there from anybody? I think that one's pretty self self-explanatory. Uh, political tweets from Elon. This one was this one was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> is this impacting demand? House favorability, Elon. I have 127 million followers, bro, and it continues to grow. I am basically. Wait, 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 wait! You forgot. Let me let me check. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let me check my Twitter real quick. Uh, he his tone was hilarious. I mean, he was yeah. Anyway, I suggest that Elon is uh, suggest that Elon is reasonably popular. Maybe not popular with some people, but with majority of people, it speaks for itself. Uh, Twitter is an incredibly powerful tool to grow demand for Tesla is doing a sales pitch for Twitter. He like spent 10 to 30 <laughs> seconds selling Twitter on a Tesla earnings call, which I thought was kind of genius, but I'm sure Tesla investors weren't happy about that. Some of them <laughs> net value of Twitter is gigantic. And it, so he kind of brushed aside this question and said, basically says no issue is kind of what I took away from it. it was like, Hey, look at me. I'm still the most popular guy in the world. Yeah. Are there upset people from my political tweets? Yes. Is it a net negative? No. Can we move on? Just let me express myself the way I want to. That was my takeaway. Would you guys agree? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He, he probably gave more fodder for his enemies just with that. You know, they'll say he's egotistical, you know, whatever. Compare him to Trump. Yes. Like nobody's more popular than me. Everybody loves me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm the most popular. So like, I'm sure there'll be yeah. some, some bad some takes and it back. probably didn't help anything, but um, yeah, it was interesting. 
if there's anything I learned about my sort of growth in, in the in the space is like just because somebody follows you doesn't mean they like you. <laughs> some For people sure. will follow yeah. you to just like crap on you. So Elon might be using some uh, incorrect data and, and assuming <laughs> some things that are not true, uh, which is weird. But that's, that's a whole different discussion. That's exactly so you can shut on me the whole time. Oh, poop on me. Sorry for any kids watching. My apology. I'm trying to, to curse less on these things, by the way. Making an actual, like, concerted effort to do that. So please bear with me. Thank you very much. Um, so they they asked, please provide a 4680 production ramp. Drew, congrats, he congratulates um, the team for reaching 1,000 batteries per week in Q4 in Texas. One of four lines is in uh, production right now. The 2023 goal is, uh, is cost-effective ramp ahead of Cybertruck. Improving quality and yield uh, will set up for a major 46 year in uh, 2024. It was kind of like wishy-washy, not a lot of details. Like, hey, we're still growing, we're still growing, just we'll get there. So uh, that was my takeaway from that uh, answer. Would you guys agree? Did you hear anything from the 4680? It's kind of like sandbaggy-ish. It was, it seemed like Drew was kind of intentionally avoiding talking about how fast they could ramp. So that didn't instill a lot of confidence, to be honest. I mean, when I was just judging by the, just the tone of the answers around 4680 ramp but the fact that they said they're not really a concern for them hitting their 1.8 to 2 that's all i kind of needed to hear for now but it, it mm -hmm. wasn't confidence instilling um around the 4680s fully for me yeah good anybody else uh, FSC Hardware 4 will come in Cybertruck. Is this the plan upgrade path? Cybertruck will have Hardware 4. 2023 Cybertruck will not be a significant contributor to the bottom line, but will be in 2024. It's an incredible product. It will be the car drives uh, that, that, that Elon drives. Car that Elon drives every day. One of, the, one of those products that comes along once in a while. Upgrade from Hardware 3 to Hardware 4, probably not needed. Hardware 3 will uh, exceed safety to of average human. There will be continued improvement in hardware. Most important is improving average safety on the road. Cost and difficulty of upgrading Hardware 3 to Hardware 4 will not be feasible, which that was a very interesting data point that says yeah. that Hardware 4 uh, is probably going to involve not just uh, cameras, but like harnesses and other mm -hmm. things that are part of the chassis that are not just like plug and play. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But this one This one had me a little bit uh, sour. Well, me not. Me not. Because what I liked is that he actually quantified it. Hardware 3, which is what we currently all drive, is still at a 200% level compared to humans. And hardware 4, I think the, the number was 500, right? So obviously it's wonderful to be 500 times more, more safe than, than a human. But I think we'll just have to live with the fact that there are millions of cars out there now that are on hardware three and that's going to be good for a long time until other cars have hardware four i don't think that's a real problem i mean we're obviously very spoiled as, as, as tesla users because we get all these over-the-air updates and we we want the most updated car all the time but i mean any any normal uh, car maker deals with this on a day on a, on a daily and yearly basis so I, I think we can just all live with hardware three the way it is seems to be extraordinary already I do wonder though if this signals that hardware three will not be ready to be like robo taxi. That like you know, if people are buying the car envisioning adding this to the Tesla network to make a money. Mm, that's that's true. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I there might be a gap there. That's I that's did, kind of feeling I'm getting. I, I yeah, I really like we got where you guys' thoughts are on this. The the one thing that stuck out to me though was when he said that, I was like, Oh, 
he's not even driving it yet. You know, it's like if we're expecting Cybertruck, let's say, you know, like for that, I've always said July one, right? Uh, you know, Candidate or July 4th weekend is kind of the bit of the expectation. It seems like, you know, Elon should probably be close to using this car every day already. If I mean, he's traveling all the time, but he's, you know, he's saying it in the future tense. So it's like, how close are we really for the first few deliveries if if we're not even at that point yet where he's publicly driving it months you'd imagine it'd be a couple months prior to 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 the first deliveries coming out so i i think we're we're in for the end of the year now for the yeah. expectation here i i agree with you and I, I don't think it was at that moment it was a little bit later down where he clearly said this year will be insignificant which is different from what we heard before before I think it was lo lower down, but uh, before it was like second half and then it will ramp, right? So people had between, I don't know, 20 and a hundred thousand for this year in their, in their models. That doesn't, that doesn't sound, oh yeah, uh, there it is for you. You're right. Uh, that doesn't sound as if it's going to be that many this year. I think it's late and not so many. Yeah. It sounds like a thousand cyber trucks this year. <laughs> now we're really putting it down. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it five thousand. Yeah, maybe yeah. five thousand. Right. Um, okay. Any anything else on that point? This one, my this one, I just my gut tells me that this one's going to be controversial. It's going to be controversial because right. better than an you average human doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like better than an average human is not good enough to be a robo taxi. And so I think I well, two hundred percent is not yeah. bad. I mean, it depends on what average human you take, obviously, but 200% doesn't sound. Yeah. I mean, you're driving FSD now and you you feel fairly safe in it's it, much, right? I mean, I feel very safe, but I do wonder if regulators are going to be comfortable with turning it on. Like if it's 2x better than a human and the regulators say it needs to be 10x better than a human, right? And hardware 3 will never get you there. Uh, like, like how, when people buy full self-driving for their cars, are they buying it? thinking that they're going to be able to add this thing to the fleet right and if that's not the case then are they going to have something in their hands in five years time that says well this car you bought actually can't because the retrofit is going to be you know the retrofit's going to be ten thousand dollars or something i don't know but again if it's going to make them hundred thousand dollars in five years maybe who cares they'll be like okay well screw it i'll do it you know so perhaps it just becomes a math equation and, anyway i have and, to think and, through it more and and i do believe there is um a big part in those numbers that are actually not quantifiable. I don't think you can live with something saying it's five times safer. I mean, I understand you get to 99.9% .9 yeah. of, of, uh, of safety, but for a person to feel five times safer, I don't think you can quantify this five times safer, right? You can quantify five, five times faster, but five, uh, five times safer belongs really to everybody's safety needs, right? And, and, and so I think that's a very difficult path to to quantify yeah it's fair enough I, I had the same thought as you though farzad just in, in listening to to the way that he was describing about that it was not your model y will be able to make you money it was it will be safer so you know i think yeah. the the kind of huge increase in asset value that he talked about that was originally kind of pitched as a robo taxi but now it might just be that uh you get more utility from your car because Maybe you can on highways, you can like watch a movie or do check emails or something like that. But that's the definitely vibe I'm I think the goalposts have moved for hardware three. That's the vibe I'm getting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think will make many. Uh, uh, I don't think it's going to, you know, for the long term success of the company, I don't think it's a big deal. But I do think 
I do think it might be a like a sticking point for some folks that say, here it goes again, here it goes Elon again, sort of, you know, being a fraudster, lying about, and I'm not saying he is, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that that just the way that was worded was a little bit like, okay, I see a risk here, but it's not significant. I just know it's a risk. Uh, potentially, I could be wrong. Yeah, and, and it could be um, a lawsuit. But I, the, the thing that I think some people have gotten confused on in the past is like they've never promised that when you buy FSD, it'll enable a robo taxi. They promise that it will uh, recognize stop signs and you know follow traffic right. rules on city streets and, and that sort of thing. So it doesn't have to hit autonomy in order for them to like avoid lawsuits. For that, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent. And again, I'm not saying, listen, I'm, I'm like saying it as if I know how to do this. I have no freaking idea how to solve this. Like the fact that they're trying is incredible. All I'm saying is that there might be a risk in what they said and what it's going to do. That's all I said. And I got to go back and restudy it, but uh, that's all I'm saying. So, uh, okay. Tesla insurance, big enough revenue source to list on statements? Question mark. Uh, Zach says, probably going to take some time for specific financial disclosures. 300 million annual premium run rate as of end of 2022, growing 20% per quarter, faster than growth in vehicle business. States in operation, 17% of customers are using Tesla insurance. Number continues to go up. Most of adoption is at point when they purchase the car. It was to improve the total cost of ownership of Tesla cars due to high premiums from third-party companies. Want to make sure costs remain low. Uh, and then Elon mentioned two side benefits by offering insurance at a competitive rate. It makes other car insurance companies offer better rates, improves total cost of ownership, even if not using Tesla insurance, have to compete with Tesla. Good feedback loop, uh, loop into minimizing cost of repair of all Teslas worldwide. Want to ma uh, minimize the cost of repair at, at Tesla because it'll help with finances. Adjust its design of the car and software to minimize the cost of repair. Most accidents are small, broken fender scratches, etc. Solving how to get someone's car fixed quickly and efficiently because of these like data sets they're getting from insurance, which is kind of freaking awesome, to be completely honest. Small changes in design of bumper and improving logistics of spare parts make a huge impact. Um, anything there? Insurance is small. It's growing. Still not big enough. That's kind of what yeah. I got out of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of in line with my expectations. There's been some people who've been super optimistic on insurance, but to me, this has been kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. 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 Uh, is Cybertruck st still uh, on, tr on truck on track for mid-year uh, 2023? We expect it to start start sometime this summer. Excuse me. Um, downplaying startup production, always very slow. Volume production starts in 2024. Started equipment installation in Austin. Beta vehicles are built. Ramp will start in 2024. So just kind of like talking more about what they were saying earlier in the call. Yeah. Um, pushing it up. Lowering, like, you know, just kind of maybe setting a realistic uh, expectation. Uh, with near infinite demand of storage, how many factories are needed? Elon says, not uh, ready to announce, but we'll provide an update in the future. Thinking about it very carefully, what is the path, fastest path to 1,000 gigawatt hours per year rate of production? You'll see announcements come out this year and next that will answer this question. So it may start with Investor Day. We'll see. Okay. Anything else before we go into the uh, analyst questions? All right, Rod Latch from Wolf Research. 1.8 million volume for 2023, somewhat more supply constraint. Is it inaccurate? Uh, and later in the call, they said it's not really a supply constraint. Is that what they think 1.8 million would be? Uh, and this is where freaking Elon on sandbagged himself. 1.8 million, literally the first question is like, eh, 
It's two million. One point eight million for twenty twenty three is somewhat more supply constrained as an inaccurate Elon. Our internal production potential is closer to two million, but we were saying one point eight because there's always some weird thing that might that will make us go slower. That's my word. They say like force majeure and stuff. Those are my words. Potential yeah, to yeah. two million cars in twenty twenty three. Yeah. And I mean, he said, said clearly, I'm not committing to the two million. He wants that one point right. eight being the number that's out there, which is clever much more clever than saying we're doing two million much more clever yeah but you know not everybody's gonna make it two million right the street is not gonna you don't think so okay we'll yeah. see i think we can probably live with 1.8 for the moment and just repeat 1.8 endlessly yeah yeah i'm gonna put one nine in my model <laughs> <laughs> just to be contrarian right matt there we are yes well no you split the difference like you want to try to get the the middle of the road estimate and if like you know, two million is if everything goes well, and one eight is assuming it doesn't. Then split the difference. That's probably a I'm gonna go two like one a, a p fifty probability of <laughs> of getting it right. I'm gonna go two one, y'all. All right. Uh, next thing here is um, Yaman. Oops, I just what did I do here? Yeah, yeah, Yaman it up, son. Uh, cost side way down by forty six eighty ramp Berlin Austin. Can you give us headwind absorption? Can we tease out interesting data points where battery costs are headed due to Nevada? If correct, investment costs could be half of where it's been anywhere else. Uh, we don't want to say the specific number, but interesting at, uh, at seeing the size of Giga Nevada, that is, and that is a small fraction of the space that currently makes 35 gigawatt hours um, out of their other facility, or out of the same facility, but in a different space. Basically saying that we're making more with less footprint which kind of implies very good uh density of production versus square footage which is what tesla is extremely good at from a manufacturing perspective dry battery electrode in uh, particular with with this application that's what came to my mind a hundred percent couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah we're moving uh, we're moving from the workshop to something serious now yeah it's going to be fascinating to watch that ramp uh, goal is to do more batteries in a smaller square footage. Biggest co competitive advantage of Tesla is to be damn good at manufacturing. If you're good at manufacturing, you can apply it to many things. Tesla has other products in development. Not going to announce them, but they are very exciting, like uh, wind turbines. Uh, we have more great ideas that we know what to do with. Uh, there will be bumps along the way, and it will be a difficult recession in 2023. Probably not sure, Elon, you know, his usual speak. But one can't predict the long-term stock value because when there's a recession, then people panic. Long-term, Elon is convinced that Tesla will be the most valuable company on Earth. But for cost-wet headwinds on Q4, which was the original question, the weighted average is about two, two to two two and a half thousand dollars of COGS impact from those uh, variables. Any comments mm -hmm. there? So for the new products, I want to have your first thought. I mean, I know Fazad is on wind turbines, so we're going to nail you down on those. <laughs> Matt and Yashu, what do you think? I actually think he's re re referencing the compact car, to be completely honest. I the actually thought it was the van. Car? Yeah, I thought it was the yeah, van. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. And since we always ride Yashu and, and me, that's it. <laughs> it's true. The minivan, like, come on. Who's not going to buy that? Yeah. And I mean, it, it will have Matt a commercial use. It will have a, it will have a commercial use, and it will have a, a normal retail client use. Yeah. Matt, so, so was you the, need the, a, this... a van, right? Uh, yeah, I, I for like years I've been requesting an eight passenger like full size yeah. SUV or like you know big van because yeah my family can't fit in any EV out there so six kids and two adults we need something bigger. Look at mm -hmm. this headline, but by the way, from Reuters, <laughs> right away. Yeah. The one point eight for them. Look, look at the ad on the side too. 
Click on oh. the. Uh, <laughs> should we click on it? Should we click, click on, on it? it? Yeah, yeah. Let's see where it goes. How are they optimized? Make them, make them pay. You just yeah. you exactly. just cost them a buck. Come on, man. Exactly. Ford F series. Should we buy, should we buy a Mach-E online? Can... Should we do one? A Mustang like a... You know how live streamers like buy stuff live. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought somebody saw the comment Powers and I'm on, like, of course. On B. Uh, Go ahead, Matt. Was this? <laughs> Was this a, was it a different question where he said that they can release like their kind of software dojo kind of stuff on other product applications or was that this question? Yeah, it was one of the, one of the last ones. Okay. Cause I uh, think here. with that one, I started thinking like, that doesn't sound like just another car, like the, the van or the semi. So I was wondering like HVAC and the, um, yeah, uh, VTOL plane or the, the two things that kind of came to, to my mind off the off the bat which i've given bo both of those like approximately zero thought in the last year um but so it's kind of interesting that they're they're starting to get stuff in the skunk works again so um but yeah I, I think in the short term it's it's like it's going to be like the robo taxi vehicle that seems to be very clearly something that um uh that that they're working on and then you know maybe some some other form factor like he elon even mentioned the minivan before so maybe that's it yeah but these these feel way out i mean until until they get the battery production to where it needs to be i mean none of, none of these are real i mean they can barely get the cyber truck out this year you know so like van a compact car we know for a fact is going to be the next one so that's probably going to be 2024 2025 and that one's going to eat up God knows how many batteries because, you know, everybody's going to want that thing. So, like, when do we realistically expect a van or anything else? It's probably going to be, like, 2026, 2027, right? Yeah. yeah. So, realistically speaking. Well, I, mean, I mean, just look at the, the the lag from Cybertruck announcement to 2024 is going to be the, the volume production year. It's, you're talking about five years now. So, like, I think whenever we hear something, though. maybe it'll be four years or something like that because it's just going to it's going to take some time. Yeah. Look at us being all realistic. Don't call us hyperbulls, y'all. Come on now. Just call me a hyperbull. Um, let's see. You're a wind turbine maxi. Where was I with this? Yeah, I'm a what? You're a wind turbine maxi. Wait, oh, okay. wind, wind I can't help to. I, I can't help maximalist? to. I have to ask. I have yeah. to ask. Is this a Canadian thing? We call it wind turbine. Yeah. So. I've, I've heard it both ways when a okay. lot of the guys in Texas call them turbines. So I think I, I kind of <laughs> oh. inherited that, but it's, then it sounds like the you thing watch that you wear it, on your head. You better watch turbines. it. I'm yeah, about to was, get you. I'm about to get you banned. I thought it was just the accent. As far as that's going to cancel you. No, it's, I, I've heard it both ways, you, but most people that I worked with called them turbines, but turbine okay, is, is probably the, the more accurate pronunciation. Keep going, Mac. Keep going. That's all right. I won't cancel you. Don't worry, bro. You got two. Yes, you got you two will. brown guys on the live stream. <laughs> it's better than windmills. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I'm just, I'm just smacking. Well, I, I love Matt. He's my boy. But you did think it was windmill, right, Father? This morning. I did I, until I actually typed. Okay, let's move on. Pierre Figaro or Ferragu, whatever. How? Ferragu. Ferragu. Let's do it. And it's oh two hours at the Ferrari. Hold on, we have a very Pierre. special guest. Let's see if we Pierre can get him. Oh, Pierre, Pierre Ferra. And it's two Ferragu. R's at the Pierre. Ferragu. Roll. Roll get Pierre, 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 Pierre. What? Ferragu. Sorry, Pierre, Pierre Ferragu. Pierre Ferragu. 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 Ferrag
my patience is wearing thin. Why? Because you're insulting our, us Canadians over here with our French. He is, right? Winter. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> he is. Listen, he is. whatever. I, I, we have Gary in the background, but he's uh, he's missing. Gary, if you can hear me, you, we can't see you. And I don't know if he can hear you. You know so what, you Robert? To... I sent him my link. Maybe you want to send. That's why I was off for, for half a Go, minute. Maybe you want to send the yeah. real one. Let me, let me try. The links are the in same. The... the links are the same. They are? Okay. I don't yeah. know streamyard. Yeah, they're yeah. the same. You want to send it to him by email? I'll let him know that it's coming by email. Yeah, I can send it to him by email. Uh, for those that just joined us, Gary Black will be joining us here once we figure out how to get him in here. Um, let's see. Stream link. Here we go. All right, I just sent it to him. Um, all right, he's going to try finish up. Should we finish up this uh, sheet? Yeah. So Pierre, Pierre Ferraru. Cogs per car, close no. to 36,000 in the middle of 2021. Peaked at 42,000 in 2022. How much time does it get to get back to 36,000? Could we see this in 2023? Austin, Berlin, 4680, cost and efficiencies. Tesla will make big improvements on this in 2023. Raw materials and inflation. This was a meaningful source uh, of cost increases. Need to see where lithium prices go. Um, what? Uh, I don't know what I meant to write here. Uh, something per car of lithium in 2020 cost maybe uh, cost per car of lithium in 2023 will be higher yeah. than 2022 headwind needs to be overcome to return back to 36,000 in 2023 Tesla will make progress we continue to find ways to offset those cost increases there are some improvements in the supply chain that need to work its way through the system like energy spikes uh, war natural disasters pandemic lockdowns were some of the things that impacted those increases. So the decreases need time to work into through the system. Meaningful price corrections will ultimately come, but uncertain when. Continue to redesign supply chain to be more efficient and streamline logistics transportation to reduce costs. Fleet is starting to mature in the three and Y, and they're gathering feedback to bring out margin uh, from those improvements uh, after materials in the drivetrain. Um, uh, let me see. To take costs down, there is design actions and improvements in supply. If there is a serious recession, probably will be, according to Elon, that would lead to meaningful decreases to all of Tesla's input costs. Expect to see deflation and uh, input costs, which would lead to better margin. Uh, we just got Gary as well. So let me, let me, uh, should we uh, pause on the notes and get Gary's reaction? What do you guys think? Because uh, I think Gary's reaction is the most important by far. Uh, <laughs> Gary, really what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Feeling good, feeling good. Tell us, what, what are you thinking? So this is volumes and, you know, what the street's going to have to realize. And I think there was a couple of ahas in the conference call because the numbers themselves weren't spectacular. They were kind of ho-hum when you back out the one-time deferred revenue recognition at a low tax rate. So I was like, okay, well, the gross margin was 24 and people look for 26. So I thought, you know, at best the stock might be flat. But then, you know, the conference call, what they what they told people was that the orders for January were about twice what the production was. That's huge. Um, and, you know, when they were talking about their their guidance for the year, which I didn't think they were going to guide, they, they stuck to the 50 percent long term production growth, which I didn't think they would do that. Uh, and then, they, you know, Elon started hinting, well, we actually could even do two million, which, again, if you try to do the math, you don't get anywhere near two million based on what they're saying. So. I think what people are going to come away with is that they're pretty confident that their price cuts are working. And I think what you have to see the street do is, you know, take the volume estimates up. But, you know, the gross margin numbers for me 
they were much lower than I thought they'd be. So I'm probably going to wind up taking my estimates down a little bit just because I got to bring gross margins down some more. And I see Matt in there. I don't know what Matt your thought was because you you kind of think like I do analytically about it. Yeah, I mean, I I was uh, before you jumped on. I, I mentioned those those two things about being a, a potentially soft, uh, you know, Q4 number that back off. And on top of that, they had higher credits than than usual. So you right. gotta kind of back those, those out too. Huge. And when you do all that, then the, the gross margin looks a lot worse actually. So yeah, my my numbers are definitely gonna be coming down. Um, so that that'll you know I'm gonna have to kind of hit the books on that. But I, I did agree with you, Gary. It's the the numbers themselves were were not spectacular, and they didn't necessarily guide that Cogs was going to be you know decreasing in a very meaningful way going forward. The one thing that was um, helpful, I thought, was just that that they affirmed over twenty percent gross margins for the foreseeable future. Right. So they'll be down, but they're not going to be you know catastrophic. Well, nobody thought the gross margins would be in the twenties. I mean, if you look at the IR compiled consensus, I think the street was looking for twenty three. And if I take my numbers down to say twenty three. I'm down to about 480 in earnings, but the street is below 450. And you know, you got you got to put this calculus together that you know volume should go up, but margins, gross margins should go down. And I think at the end of the day, you will see some street numbers go down because the quality of, of the earnings was not great. So I'm surprised the stock's up, but they were so confident on the call about volumes, unless they're not telling the truth. Um you know, it, it came off as a pretty good call. I mean, my partner said to me, you know, he saved it because the numbers were not anything to write home about. But he was so confident about volumes that I think everybody said, wow, that, that must be pretty good if they actually think there's a chance they could get two million in volume in 2023. Because I, I don't have a number anywhere close to that. I know the streets at like 185. I mean, everything about the actual earnings release itself was kind of mediocre to even slightly negative. But, you know, the conference call was, was really good, even though Elon, you know, stumbled around a little bit. When is the last time we saw an earnings release kind of give a whole hum uh, after hours results and then the conference call actually boosts the stock price? I can't remember the last time that's happened. Yeah, you know? it's the opposite. You know, Elon has a way of, and look, he went down this path of the Fed's raising rates and interest rates are going higher. And even though I don't agree with him that that's really why the stock was down in the fourth quarter, but you know, that's his view and, you know, he's sticking to it. So I, I just thought they did a good job of, you know, keeping people pretty optimistic about that the price cuts are working and that, and, and, you know, to, to Matt's point, they didn't have to say that ASP is going to be 47 or higher and that gross margins are going to be up 20. That, that, that didn't really add much, but I think just hearing them say it made people feel better. And, you know, like even with mega packs, they didn't really go much into detail. You, you could see that there's some, you know, optimism there, but you didn't see it in the fourth quarter numbers. I didn't expect it to be. And look, they punted a lot of things to, they said, look, investor day is March 1st. We'll answer the question about mega packs there. So I, I like also that they re, re, reconfirmed that 50% production growth is still their long-term goal. They could have taken that number down. I like that they said uh, Cybertruck is going to come this year because even though they said, well, scale production won't come till next year. I think that's helpful. Um, but I, I'm surprised the stock is up as much as it is, and we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. Do you think that implies Gary, little... that it's? It, it, sorry, Matt. No, please. Oh, I was just going to ask on on the, the Megapack side. I was actually like um, modestly encouraged by the fact that the gross margin in, in crew improved so much. 
And they went from roughly 100 million to roughly 200 million quarter over quarter in gross margin. Uh, scaled right. up revenue is a little bit in incremental improvements on gross margin percent. So yeah. to me, that was like exactly the kind of scale step change of like incremental profitability that I would have expected. So to me, it was that was a good sign. Yeah, the gross margin on um, to your point on the uh, energy side went from nine three to twelve one, and you know that that was a good number. So it'd be interesting to see on if they higher can revenue base on a higher revenue base. So yep. that, that this was eleven negative eleven seven in first quarter, and now it's positive twelve one. So that that to me, yeah, maybe that's another thing that was positive. But to your point. You know, the deferred revenue recognition was a big number that inflated things. The, the, the uh, EV credits were 460,000, which 467, I'm sorry, 467 million. That was a big number. The tax rate was only 6.9. So if you're you're trying to assess earnings quality, it was not great quality. You know, they made the number, but they made it because of red credits, low tax rate, and this deferred revenue recognition. And so... You know, going into the call, I was kind of like, eh, well, stock's been beat up. You know, all the bad news should be in the stock. But on the other hand, you know, the numbers themselves were just, you know, I'd, I'd call it mediocre. But but I, but their, their optimism about volumes, I think, is what uh, is going to make the stock go up tomorrow. And I don't know if we've got 5%, but it, it, it'll be up probably. Yashur, Alexander, did you guys have anything uh, you wanted to hit? Yeah, I wanted to ask Gary, how did you like his teasing around new products coming and all that? Van or energy products? Anything you got out of there? Or we just have to wait for Investor Day? Or I think he got to wait. I think, you know, he, he did tease, for lack of a better word. And when Elon teases, I've learned don't take him too literally because, you know, he, he tends to overpromise. Um, so I'm going to just kind of keep that one on the back burner and hear what I ha happens on, on investor day. I mean, there could be some other things, but I just, I've learned with him. Don't, don't get too carried away when he starts teasing. It's just not a good thing. And, and that last question by, by Jonas, do you think he has some information and try to package it into a question or was that just him what, playing smart? What's your, what's your, you know, his question. His question was, um, when will you announce the $30,000 car on which you can make pro a, a, a profit? And then uh, Elon said, well, you're just going to have to wait for that one. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I mean, to me, you know, you're just going to cannibalize Model 3 if you announce it prematurely. I would wait till you're almost ready to launch it. And then, you know, maybe a month or two before you announce it. But I don't see any good in launching it or announcing it now and have people not buy Model 3 because they're waiting for a smaller car, especially when you can't even see what it's going to look like. So I just think that's, that would be dumb to announce that this early because it doesn't sound like it's bad. And look, Cybertruck should be what they focus on. Cybertruck has the potential to be like Model Y was in 2020. People were skeptical. I remember having fights with people on Twitter, mostly bears. The people say well, Model Y is just a big Model 3 and it's just going to cannibalize Model 3. And it wasn't because it, it brought them into, you know, the CUV segment, which is huge. That's a 40% segment of the business. Cybertruck is going into a 20% segment of the business. There's going to be no cannibalization. I think it, it has the potential if they can execute, meaning get scale production on it, um, you know, to be like Model Y. It's going to be in, in, in there aren't that many EV uh, pickup trucks out there with any production uh, scale. So I think I think that's like the most important thing over the next year or two. And a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 vehicle, 
look, when it comes, I'm sure it'll be good. But, you know, right now I wouldn't get too excited about it because I don't think it's until 2025. How did you interpret what they said about the Cybertruck? Is your estimate for 2023 still 50,000? No, I'm using 10 now in my 2023 number. I don't know. I, I, I Maybe it was a month ago I was at 50, but now I brought it down to 10. And I think, you know, based on what I heard today, it sounds like they're going to try to get it out by the end of the year and scale it up in 2024. So I think keeping it at 10 is probably a good thing. Be conservative. Yeah. Well, uh, Gary, I'm curious to get your thoughts on 4680. Yeah. Uh, you know, Drew said, uh, you know, kind of punted the question around, okay, mm -hmm. well, how do you look at scale? And then they talked about 2024 being like the the first big year of like 4680 production, uh, you know, and then we heard about Panasonic and Tesla splitting the credits too, which I, I think was new information. But how do you look at the 4680? Because, you know, if you look at, if you look at the bare thesis, that's, that's the crux of it. It's, it's, this thing is not going to work without DBE and the drive battery electrode process. And without that, it's not going to work and it's not going to scale up. But do, do you kind of get the sense from Drew that it, he kind of didn't want to front that question just yet? That's kind of the sense I got. Well, they've been late, right? They were, they were promising 4680 at the beginning of this, beginning of 2022, and it just didn't happen. So in order to get Cybertruck to really scale, you, you got to have 4680. And I just didn't get the sense they're, they're willing to, you know, stick their neck out on it yet. And maybe it was because they just missed last year, you know? So I think that's why Drew was kind of, you know, hedging a little bit, and, you know, mm -hmm. I, that look, I, I'm always trying to lower expectations with Tesla. I just see Elon, you know, push expectations too high and then there's a problem and maybe, and, and, and Zach's the opposite. Zach tries to bring everybody in. And that's always my goal. And to me, 4680, it, it, they've missed. And, and for whatever reason, they have not been able to scale it up. Um, I'm hopeful they get get it right this year. But I think Drew was right in just kind of, you know, hedging a little bit. That's my view. Yeah, agreed. We're I, I want to ask your questions. Not just last one. When you say Please. you found the numbers mediocre, does that mean for you they were just as expected, or did you really find them below expectations? Uh, look, the, the, the stock was down fifty-five percent in the fourth quarter. Nasdaq was flat, as everybody brought down numbers. Numbers have been coming down since October first. So, you know, and then they started a price war, right? So, I, I think the numbers are already pretty low. Um, so, so look, you buy growth stocks when the numbers stop falling. And that's, you know, that's where I think we're at. I think the numbers have stopped falling. They're at about 450 for 2023. I'll probably bring my numbers down to about 480 or so. And so I was, I guess, expecting fourth quarter, the gross margins to not be hit so much by the promotion. So the, the number, the very first number I saw when I started digging through it was gross margin was 24.3. The street was at 26.3. And the second number so was the dollar 19 and i started backing stuff out and said okay if i didn't have this 324 million of fsd recognition and as matt knows normally in a quarter that might be 50 to 75. so i started backing out that's like eight or nine cents a share then i saw the tax rate at 6.9 percent. the street was at 12. so when you back all those three things out the real earnings number was below the streets dollar 10. and so you know and look so you got two things going on you got, um, and this is before the conference call, uh, you got the street really having cut estimates by a lot and me expecting, okay, all the bad news is now in the stock. But the second thing is they missed. They missed the number if they didn't have that big revenue recognition number, which you have to back that out, if they didn't have the low tax rate and they didn't have the high reg credit. So 
you know, to me, the from a quality of earnings standpoint, the number was, you know, good 10 cents less than what I was expecting it to be. Now, do people care? If stock is so cheap, it, you know, let's call it 32 times earnings. Maybe people said, you know what? Doesn't matter. And as long as they can they can deliver on the volumes in 2023, stock will go up. I mean, this stock has always been a volume stock more than a gross margin stock. So I guess to answer your question, I was disappointed that the earnings number was light. And, and that's kind of what I tweeted out. But then once the conference call started and you realize that they were pretty optimistic about volume, that they, this, you notice in the conference call that the, the stock didn't start moving up until Elon started talking about January orders being twice what production was. And that's when the stock really started moving. So to me, that was like, OK, that's that's really good because nobody was expecting that type of response to the price cuts. And he hedged a little. He said, you know, that may change. That may slow down. But that's why I think the stock is up. So I'll be interested to see what happens tomorrow morning. I think it'll be interesting what the street publishes overnight. And you, you look, you'll have the bears, you know, find all the negative stuff and the bulls will find the positive stuff. And it'll be this tug of war tomorrow morning. But I do think that the volumes are too low right now for 2023. The street's at 185. And what you had Elon do was set the bar at 18. But then he said, well, it could be as high as 2 million. <laughs> Which yeah. I don't know why he did that. I mean, I, I would have just let the bar stay at one eight, you know. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we uh, wrap up the the notes? So, Gary, we're just going I through the notes gonna... we took uh, for the for the call. If anything uh, that jumps out, I don't know how much time you have, but I'm guessing we're probably going to be on for another ten minutes or so. We're almost done with the with the notes. But um, who, who did the see... notes? I did. I just I... did them through the. Oh wow, the you're call. quick. You're yeah. pretty efficient. Oh, and you and you missed Ross. Ross has COVID. So he was what? here for a while, but then he had to yeah. leave because he was going on CNN. You see, from us to CNN. Wow. Very good for Ross. <laughs> Farzad, I actually have to, to drop off now, unfortunately. I got some kids going to bed. So thanks for hosting this. This was a terrible great. excuse. And, uh, I heard it well. Yeah. Choosing your I kids over this. Enjoy the kids. <laughs> screaming in the background for a good chunk of this. So sorry I was gone for a bit. <laughs> it's all good brother thank Thanks, you very guys, much sorry. for joining us matt take yeah. care y'all thank you wind turbines uh full self-driving uh today versus a year oh yash won as well okay all right bye yash uh <laughs> just the two of us just the three of us we'll do it uh fsd today versus a year ago uh progress has been amazing how much is this uh, impacting the take rate of fsd are people more excited the trend is very strong towards the use of FSD. With each improvement, the enthusiasm increases. A lot of people uh, still don't appreciate that Tesla is just as much a software company as a hardware company, world-leading AI company, kind of a big deal. Dojo operational later this year in 2023. Seeing a lot of world-class AI talent joining the company. Long-term potential for Optimus uh, is big, I, I think is what they said. Uh, as getting closer to solving real-world AI, value will go up, uh, which is good for market cap. Uh, anything there that uh, y'all took away? From the, from the call. I would like to see uh, take rate actually go up because Elon's been predicting it for a while. And, and a lot of the you know, bull sell side people have been saying, as we get closer to having a full launch of FSD beta, you'll see, because then people can buy it and they can actually use it. I'm still skeptical because it's $15,000. And so until it can drive itself, I struggle with the take rates going to suddenly miraculously go to 20%. So I'm keeping my take rate right down at about 10%. And that's how I model it. So I would love to see the take rate go up, but it just hasn't done so. It keeps, you know, dropping. Yeah. Alexandra? Yeah. And I mean, we still have no numbers on whether they are really monthly subscriptions or not. We just have to wait, I guess, until we have a 
a better grip on that because I, I mean that's what he's been saying now for for years and we understand that and I'm, ple I'm pleased this is still in place but there's no numbers really supporting that the monthly subscription model has uh, has improved yeah I, I'm, I'm not until the car can literally drive itself and, and not be a driver assist product be a, like a true full self-driving product I would not count on, you know, that take rate jumping up into the 20s or 30s or 40s. I know that's what Tesla believes. And I know Elon believes that. But we we haven't seen that. And it, it, look, FSD is, you know, getting much better. Everybody says that. But I, I just would not want to be that aggressive at modeling, you know, that type of take rate. That's a big number. And we had a discussion. We had a discussion earlier on hardware three and hardware four. And and I I wasn't actually thinking of that earlier, but Fazad and and Yashu and Matt were, were very good on that, um, saying the fact that they don't upgrade hardware three could be a sign that everything that's hardware three, meaning everything that's in the roads now, will not will never become a robot taxi. That robot taxi is really on that new hardware that is so much different that it's not worth upgrading yeah. a hardware three. And that, that's obviously a new element because that's something that was never out there spoken that there would be now such an upgrade that the current versions will be limited or could be limited um, at one point. How much do you think that people are getting excited about Investor Day that, you know, he, he's talking about, you know, new hardware. He's talking about, you know, next generation. I mean, could, could the Investor Day, you know, most of these times when they have a big event, they disappoint. Do you think it could actually be a big event? March first. But so. I do, I do, I, I do, I, and I think it's actually a bigger event than usual because it's not for the nerds that they want to recruit in AI or in battery or whatever. But this is for investors, right? So they are going to lay out the vision, the product vision, and uh, for months I should be able to understand something. I hope so because I mean I listen to AI day, but it goes right over my head. I'm impressed, but by by my non knowledge. So in Investor Day, I really hope I understand it because we'll see the production line, we'll see the we'll we'll see the 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 vision of the products that they want to roll out. We're going to talk capital allocation. That's my language. So I I hope that we will get their stuff that is tangible for a larger group than just the engineers. Hmm. We all yeah. going to need golden tickets. Trying yeah. to get one. We're still <laughs> we're still crying for them, right? <laughs> we're yeah. all trying. I think. I think the fact that Elon has been sort of not harping on it, but keeps pushing this new platform to Investor Day and keeps framing it around Investor Day, I think implies that there's going to be some sort of reveal that says, hey, this is what we're actually working on. This is what it's going to be able to do. Uh, but I'm not so sure they're actually going to like announce the actual vehicle. What they'll say is like, this is what the platform is going to look like. This is the kind of cost savings we're going to be able to get. Mm -hmm. Our plan is to start in these markets first. And then I think to the point you brought up earlier, Gary, I think if they, if they do unveil a compact car now and it's slated to come out late 2024 or, uh, or you know, sometime in 2024, I don't th like, I think that kills model three. Yeah. I, I think they stop selling model three entirely. Yeah. Uh, model Y will be fine, but that's how I think about it. Look, I, I think this new we'll call it subcompact is going to be very different looking than model three. So I like, you know, I think of a smart car where it's, you know, like a hatchback and it's just real, real tiny. It like might golf. literally hold two people. And then, you know, you oh. might be able to put two little kids in the back if you're lucky, but, you know, adults can't sit there. I think it has to be very differentiated from the Model 3. You know, otherwise you're, you're going to have people who would normally order a Model 3. They'll say, hey, I could save 20 grand because the Model yeah. 3 starts at, let's say, 43. 
you know, go and buy this thing. And that that's that's not that's not good. So it's got to be very, very differentiated from a quality and size standpoint from the Model 3. Yeah, I'm thinking like a Mini Cooper type sort of, uh, you know, small, still kind of roomy interior. You can pe- put people in the back, but like maybe luggage space is minimized, but maybe you maximize it through the front or something. I agree. I, yeah, I agree. I think I it's smaller than that. Practi- a practical you car. Think smaller than a practical, that. practical. Yeah. Mini yeah, Cooper is actually a pretty decent size. I'm, I'm thinking more like a smart car. You know, like really for your. I'm curious if they actually go. Yeah. It'd be fascinating to see. If that's the case, yeah. then that platform is going to be tiny. <laughs> That'll be a small platform if that's the case. And, um, and not the van, right? That's a different platform than the van. True. Uh, true. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm um, most excited about Cybertruck because it's going to be higher priced. You know, I don't, you know, they have an $80,000 limit, you know, from a IRA standpoint. I mean, they really can yeah. price it, you know, starting like you probably were, were Model Y, maybe even a little higher than Model Y is. And I think, you know, I, I hope from a margin standpoint, there's not a big ramp up because it's a new, it's a new product type, right? It's, you know, stainless steel. Um, but I just think that could be so exciting if they could get that thing out there this year. And that would cause people to take estimates up with no margin hit because it's a higher mix uh, type yeah. of vehicle than say the $25,000 vehicle is. That's a great point. Let's do, uh, 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 let's finish up here. So Alex Potter, full self-driving, unlocked deferred revenue, which means higher revenue rate moving forward. What's the percentage of that, of, of what Tesla will be able to recognize upfront? Uh, the upfront cost plus the incremental uh, of that minority of the total package that will be released over time. So it referred to the deck that had more numbers there. So they kept pushing Alex to go back to the deck. And then uh, follow up. Yeah, there's a billion left to recognize, which they always yeah. say that every quarter in the 10Q. So they just put it in the deck this time. Yeah. Uh, incremental capacity in Nevada for the 4680. There's a lot of battery. That's a lot of batteries, 100 gigawatt hours per year. Presumably, that's not all Tesla Semi. Is it correct to assume all those sales would be more or less usable anywhere? Where would you put it? The answer was too much guessing at this point, but you were right that not all 100 gigawatt hours will be going into the Semi. And then Elon alluding to future products using the 4680, uh, which I'm thinking has to be the compact car, but there could be like a van or something in there um, that might be part of it. Any any sort of uh, comments there? Anything that's coming to mind? Yeah, no, that that was all. Good. That was actually a spoiled question. I found uh, usually Alex Potter is doing is is going more for more precise stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George from um, Canaccord. Adjusted prices, uh, which may have put a lot of competitors in the back foot uh, earlier this year. Uh, capital markets are getting tighter. How do you see com- the competitive landscape? Who is your chief competitor for five years? And this was like a fascinating answer because they basically said there's zero competition anywhere. <laughs> so uh, five years is a long time. Uh, Tesla APAI team asking, uh, who do we think is the closest uh, to a general solution for self-driving? So he framed it around the self-driving equation, not so much like, from a you know pure car perspective, uh, can't see a second place with a telescope. Won't last forever. It could change in five years. Doesn't think it's uh, any of the car companies that they're aware of. Whoever keeps up with the trend of EVs will be competitors. That somebody else, I think, Drew answered that. Uh, aside from uh, from Elon, we have a lot of respect for car companies in China. Chinese work the hardest and the and the smartest. Lots of respect. If there were to guess, it will be some sort of Chinese company. That will most likely be second to Tesla. And I put shots fired because I thought that was a fascinating little comment. Uh, Tesla China team uh, is winning in China, able to attract the best talent in China, super fired up about the future. 
Uh, any thoughts about about that specific commentary? No, I mean no. he was very clever to pull it to FSD, right? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that that is true, and I think he he always brings FSD into it, and he needs to because that's probably the weak link in the in the you know what what most institutions think they don't really put much value in we'll call it robo taxi. So he always does that, and that's good. I I, did, I was laughing because Elon is the master at you know just promising and you know really getting everybody excited to close a, a conference call. So I, I liked it, but I, I always worry about the expectations now are too high going forward. So like I'm worried about volume for first quarter. I hope people don't like take volumes up to like 500. I know far as that you've talked about that, you know, if they did 450, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's higher than where the street is. That's worth a lot. If they do 450 instead of, I think the streets at like four, 28 or something like that i think you're right and but i think I troy's want, at like 430 or something 435 yeah i don't i don't want a 500 type number out there that's too high yeah uh sorry alexandra did you want to say something no. no that's fine sorry uh inflation reduction act has created huge incentives for commercial vehicles are there any plans to accelerate commercial vehicles outside of tesla semi uh basically saying yes but won't give details for the longest time constraint on lithium-ion output Counterproductive, adding complexity unless you get batteries solved, will optimize product release based on where the batteries are available, uh, which was fast. And this is kind of like the van discussion a little bit. Um, exactly. And yeah. I think that means also batteries are available in the US because they said earlier they're going to onshore whatever they can for battery production. So I do believe that means the van production will be in the US. It makes sense. Gary, anything there? No. Okay. Uh, William Stein from uh, Truist Financial. Not. I spelled the Stein, S-C-H-S, whatever I spelled it. It was Stein. The guy said Stein. I thought he said, I guess I don't know how to uh, spell it. Comment on progress around Dojo and Optimus. Anticipation for likely, uh, for the company, uh, likely disconnecting. I got to fix the freaking grammar here. It's a disaster. The GPU cluster in favor of Dojo. Uh, there are big error bars with any predictions. We think Dojo will be competitive with NVIDIA's H1 by the end of 2023, surpassing it in 2024. And uh, what's the strategy cost, uh, energy cost required to train a frame of video? Said uh, it already on AI day two, but they see an order of magnitude improvement related to what the GPUs can do. Uh, it's specialized for AI training, like a giant ASIC. More AI day two and four. He kind of just kind of rehashed a lot of the information. It has the potential for products that aren't even in automotive, which was a was a pretty fascinating comment. Um, anything there? Any our process? Yes. No. And then uh, 1.8 million units was the follow up. 1.8 million units this year is supply limited. Again, not demand was the question. If you were to become demand limited, what would be the propensity to use price and relatively high industry margins to grow units and share? Answer was 1.8 million is not really sell supply limited. Sell supplies roughly match with current demand. Rest will go into stationary storage, Powerwall, and Megapack, uh, which was kind of a continuation of what was being said earlier in the call. Any Anything there? No. No, I just think it's interesting that they keep saying that they're um, capacity constrained, where the rest of the world, you know, worries more about the demand side of it. It's just interesting that they just see the world differently. Yeah, I feel like they just, uh, it's just, they really view it from the span. And they're ahead, I feel like they know that if they get the price low enough, people will buy. That's like they're fair. convinced that. that, that and know? that's fair. That's fair. It's just, yeah. you, you, you got to make money for, for as a firm and. Look, you could bring Model Y down to thirty thousand and sell every single vehicle, but you know that that that, that isn't going to make sense. I, yeah. yeah. So, 
I get their point. I get their point. Uh, and then last question from Adam Jonas. Uh, is it time for Tesla to expand uh, the captive financing? And then Zach answered this. Using it to plug the gaps from third-party products like leasing and loaning. Uh, using captives to support vehicle sales make sure customers have access but do think there's an opportunity to grow it it's a customer it's a consumer of cash so being cautious but plumbing is in place to do a lot more uh we'll see how it unfolds through the year if they see a severe recession cash is king want to be cautious for using cash on loans for cars but still in a very strong position to get through a recession over 20 billion dollars in cash the 20 billion dollars is earning quite a good amount of interest s p reddit turns to six percent and so the fed should be very cautious that it, that it doesn't exceed uh, 6% uh, when they're thinking about mm. increasing rates. If we see deflation, Elon thinks we are, then we add the deflation to the risk-free rate from the Fed, which could exceed the long-term return of the S&P 500, which makes investment mm. stocks questionable due to cash being so good at returning. Um, any questions? Any sort of... No, I, I mean, I obviously love this. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this, and I just want to have Gary's input on the revolving credit line that they're now set up with the city for five plus two billion what did you think about that i didn't think much of it i just hate when elon goes down this path of, Bad way. it just it just it's he's he's not accurate it's people don't think of the risk we rate as the treasury bill rate they think of the treasury bond rate so i just when he starts going down this path i, I just think that's not the way any investor i know thinks about the world but it, it plays into his narrative because that's what's gone up so much is the short-term rates but long-term rates really have not gone up much so I, I just get annoyed when he goes down this path and starts you know yelling about the fed and you know, I, I listen to lots of companies and nobody else it look we all hate what the fed's doing but don't blame your business on the fed that's just not right so i don't know I just but did annoyed. you did you feel that on that question um that jonas asked they are going to start opening financing to their clients rather than just giving it to third party they might, they might. I I was interested in like, how do you think about that versus say buybacks or something? And, you know, it, it just sounded like, well, we have to conserve our cash because we're going to go into recession and the Fed is doing the wrong thing and we don't know how deep the recession is. So it just it just felt to me like they, they really didn't want to answer the question, you know, and, and I, I would not go down that path. I would rather they buy back stock than, you know, expand credit to their customers. That's me. There we go. Yeah. There we go. And then the last question of Jonas, you want to get into that one, even though it was only rhetorical? Yeah. Sure. Uh, here we go. March 1st, how close are we to the close? Uh, how close are we to the step change improvement to the uh, step change improvement where Tesla can sell an EV under $30,000 and they can sell it at a profit? I don't want to steal the thunder. And Elon said, if I, I were you, I'd be... I'd be Asking the same question. Good question. <laughs> uh, but, you answer but we'd be jumping the gun uh, in future announcements, which I mean implies that they have this figured out. They just need to sort of show the world. So, yeah. Um, thoughts? Thoughts there? Well, he, want, he wanted to steal the thunder. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> well, <laughs> again, you don't want to announce it because you don't want to cannibalize Model Three. So, I think that's it's the right answer. You know, we don't want to steal the thunder. And I again, I hope on March first, that's not like the star of the show. You know, some twenty-five thousand, unless they're ready to launch it this year, which I don't get that sense. You guys? Yeah. No, no way. No, no. Given no given how slow it goes on the Cybertruck, I I would be highly surprised that some somehow now a ramp of a small car would already be ready. I I couldn't I couldn't imagine where. You know, I mean, Berlin took much longer than we thought. Austin is getting there now. 
I don't don't see a production line, but I do believe that they are going to announce multiple other gigafactories in the next couple of months, and maybe even one beginning of March. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. What do you, What do you guys think happens tomorrow if people on the street? So street estimates keep coming down. So you know, because they didn't really other than the volume, they said, well, one eight, and then Elon says, well, it could be as high as two. They didn't really encourage that people should take their volume numbers up, but they did to me um, make it sound like, you know, they're going to stay with this lower price strategy. They're not going to aggressively raise price. I mean, he did talk about how they raised model Y by $500. So I guess the question is if the street takes their numbers down tomorrow again, do you think the stock can still go up? Because I think that could happen. Because it's so low. Because it's so low. I, yeah. I think there was so much, you know, negative news in the stock. This is probably for most people a reassuring call. I mean, you, you listen to it with a more negative lens than I do. But I think most people were actually, oh, it's not that bad. And the one thing people will retain is every day they can produce 5,000 cars, yet there are 10,000 people ordering a car, right? And if you just right. think of that, I mean, we don't know how long that's going to last. But uh, for the immediate future, that's probably much better than most people anticipated. Yeah. yeah, I mean the way the way I look at it is, uh, they still basically. I mean, they they think Zach said this on the call that they're still going to be above twenty percent margins and above forty seven thousand ASPs. And to your point, they're going to be releasing the Cybertruck later this year. So for twenty twenty four, you're going to have a, a car that should be additive to margins plus growth in energy, which we talked about as you know the best way to think about Tesla is from an operating margin perspective, not necessarily the car right. business. So right. I think that they're they're sending a lot of nuggets that say, hey guys, like this is still a growth story. But it's also going to be making a giant amount of money and our car margins shouldn't go below 20 percent so model accordingly yeah. and we will figure out how to get the cars out there at the lowest cost possible with the ev credits both on the consumer side and the production side so that as many people as humanly possible can buy teslas and we'll still uh give you guys great returns as a business that's the message i got from this call like overall yeah. and so if, yeah. if that causes the stock that's price good to go enough. up great yeah that's good enough <laughs> you know but I think within I, the context of the down. rest of the auto business, it's it's like insane. I mean, that's kind of where my head is. I was like, there's no other automaker in the world that's going to be able to say this. The, the messaging is going to be very different. Yeah, no, that's know? true. That's true. So, okay, doc. Um, well, we'll see tomorrow. Okay. Four yeah. hours in. We'll see what my God. Four hours and I don't fifteen know how you're minutes. Doing it. I, uh, I don't know how you do it. My legs exactly. are tired. <laughs> I can but, imagine. Yeah. Thank you guys Thank so you much. Thank you everybody tuning in. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah, thank you all very much. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Love you guys. Bye-bye. It's just me now. <laughs>